Welcome to the Grand Theft World podcast hosted by GrandTheftWorld.com. It's October 24th, 2021. This is episode 51, A Preponderance of Coincidences. So tonight you're going to see a lot of coincidences. You're going to see stories about Fauci. Uh, he's going to be getting uh, dogged by some, maybe he was doing something to dogs. That story is coming right up from Luke. But before we get to that, we're going to hear about uh, a NATO document that's unfolding and might pertain to things that might control you in the future, plans other people might have for your freedom will be uh, excised from that document during a deep dive. And we've also got uh, several stories coming up that are going to talk about protests around the world uh, against the COVID lockdowns, as well as new information coming out about the National Institutes of Health and uh, maybe why Francis Collins resigned a few weeks ago. He's he's, uh, Fauci's boss. And uh, now NIH is admitting Yes, they did do gain of function. And now they're just specifying not the type of gain of function that you guys are talking about. So they're going to give you like one instance and they're going to debunk it and see it had nothing to do with it. But there's thousands of other projects they had running and we're going to keep digging into it despite them continually moving the goalposts and changing the story. So to help us kick off tonight, we have uh, Luke Radowski from his report earlier today. It's because it's a story about Fauci, but it's not having to do with what Fauci was really doing during the plague the pandemic right now it's going to have to do with some of the things that uh he did in the world of veterinary you know you've heard about the the horse dewormer a lot of veterinary talk the past couple weeks fauci has also done some experiments uh with man's best friend let's check in with luke radowski and uh see where we can get this story detailed out Wow, major protests happening all over the world, and uh, very oddly, the same media that absolutely loved to talk about protests nonstop, 24-7 last year, is uh, very oddly not talking about the global protests happening right now. Gee, I wonder why. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Luke here of WeAreChange.org, and we got a lot of crazy information to get into, especially surrounding Dr. Fauci that was just exposed by an organization that he was spearheading before that just called him out, as well as new shocking revelations about what he did to innocent people puppies literally you, you can't make this story up with how sinister it is with of course his stamp of approval but before getting into all of that plus a lot more on a personal note we just finished a couple of hours ago our first in life timcast irl event and it was freaking incredible with of course danny polish chuck ryan long absolutely killing it on the stage we did a long q a with barnes viva frey sheamus joey b tunes lydia ian tim pole and of course myself we had a lot of fun it was absolutely incredible meeting the people that came out out there for this members exclusive only event and I I truly believe that this is going to be the future of events, and that's why if you're signed up on LukeUncensored.com, just know that future events will, of course, only be available just for members alone. And I really do believe doing these events this way with members only being
being available to come is the best way to do it. So if you're signed up already to LukeUncensored.com, definitely stay tuned for more future exciting announcements just on that platform alone. Now, I definitely think we're in somewhat of a very strange position when even Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, is talking and warning people about hyperinflation here in the United States, saying specifically, quote, hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening. It will happen in the U.S. soon, and so the world. Now, why is hyperinflation becoming more and more of a reality? Well, that's because of failed big brother centralized bureaucratic government policies that usually do the opposite of what they pretend to do. As of course, we have reckless money printing for equity efforts, horrific scientific gain of function studies, the creation of some of the worst weapons thought to man, and of course, a huge sum of corporate welfare that many in the ruling establishment used to siphon off the wealth from this country as if it was a sinking ship going down with its crew. Now, I think it's only fair to say that this problem was only made worse by this current president that has absolutely exacerbated the supply chain crisis in this country through, of course, his mandates. It's also important to notice the impact of the lockdowns that were implemented last year, along with government unemployment benefits that made it worthwhile for people not to work at the same time as, of course, the government just printed money out of thin air in record numbers. And now with the economic consequences being absolutely unavoidable right in front of our face what does the biden administration do well they implement a policy where many workers have to jump through government hoops in order to even be able to work with their mandate passport system that is forcing a huge labor force in the united states to literally not be able to work. But according to some, like Hillary Clinton, the government isn't going far enough, including in the United Kingdom, where already the levels of compliance are at its highest comparatively to the world. But Hillary Clinton is demanding more mandates, more restrictions, more controls on the people living in the United Kingdom, as she recently demanded that people who don't jump through the government hoops when they're asked to do so should also be fired from their jobs, like some people are being fired in the United States. Other institutions in the United States are even taking it further, as John Hopkins University has just announced that they're implementing a mandate for everyone to take the flu shot, demanding that students, facility, and staff now take an additional procedure against the flu, since uh, why not? Let's just add you know, more hoops, uh, more medical issues that you have to be mandated for, because if you're going to start with one sickness, why not another one? And that's exactly what's happening here with, of course, still many people being confused as the Washington Post, even admittedly, wrote a piece saying that if you do take a procedure for a particular sickness, that you'll be never fully ready for that sickness. Literally, the Washington Post, I can't read the headline here. This, as the CDC has just announced the importance of third shots, third procedures on individuals who have already complied with the first two, saying that in the future, 
this third shot could be mandated to be compliant with, of course, government's domestic passport systems. And as these passport systems, just like the mandates, just like the lockdowns, just like the restrictions have wrecked havoc on this economy, on our prosperity, on our mental, psychological, and physical well-beings, what's the result of all of this? Well, something very eerily called for by many global elites which is only described as a, quote, great reset, a term coined by the World Economic Forum, used by many billionaires and politicians all throughout the world. This, as one of these people, Bill Gates just announced that more than 50% of business travel will disappear in the not-so-distant future, as he is predicting something that, of course, many global elites have been demanding, and that, of course, is stopping the plebs from being able to travel the world. All, of course, to, quote, help the environment. And as Bill Gates is making predictions about how your life will be restricted, controlled, and you'll have the lack of access and the less ability to be able to travel the world, he, of course, just took his super luxury yacht that costs over $200 million to the southwest shores of Turkey. And as he lives his life in decadence, talking about how your life will be restricted soon, all, of course, as he also builds and develops microchips that will be able to control people's fertility at the click of a button. But don't worry, this man that routinely lies about his very close relationship with Jeffrey Epstein has, of course, your best interest at heart. As, of course, you know, developing the latest surveillance technology that it will track, trace, and database and control almost every aspect of your human existence at the touch of a button by some centralized billionaire banker or globalist or corporatist is, of course, always for your personal best interest. As, of course, there's even new patents proposal for a digital surveillance domestic passport system that, of course, will be based off your social credit score. Why are such patents and technologies being developed? Why is Bill Gates funneling billions of dollars into Orwellian technology? Well, that's a question that I usually answer on LukeUncensored.com, but... Go to LukeUncensored.com. As you know, if you've been watching this channel, we're definitely not the biggest cheerleaders and fans or sickle fans like in the mainstream media of, of course, Dr. Fauci. We like to view individuals in the critical matter, especially when they have power and authority over others. They should be met with, of course, transparency and accountability. Dr. Fauci has been met with absolute glorious praise with the mainstream media acting like his own personal fluffer. As, of course, he routinely chooses to do interviews with people that never challenge him, never question him, or never even there to call him out on many of the ridiculous flip-flops and duplicitous statements that he has contradicted himself on so many times. Too many times to mention masks, mandates, effectiveness. There's so many things he said that have absolutely turned out to be not true at all. And there have even been compilations made of him contradicting himself, which he does routinely. And now there's a major bombshell story by Vanity Fair, which uh, we have to be honest here is, is absolutely surprising to see from them, that talks about how the NIH, the National Institute of Health, just released information and a statement 
that directly links Dr. Fauci to conducting very dangerous gain-of-function research on chimeric bat-related sicknesses that were specifically created to hurt and infect human beings. Now, why is this significant? Why is this important? Well, that's because Dr. Fauci was denying that this was happening extensively when he was on record when he was providing sworn testimony to the U.S. representatives of this government. He said that there's no way that he personally called off on this funding. There's no way that this was gain-of-function research. There's no way that he did any of these things. And uh, now, of course, the same organization which he previously ran just decided to call him out in it in an extraordinary expose that directly points the finger at Dr. Fauci here. Starting the article with Dr. Fauci saying, quote, I totally resent the lie you are now propagating a statement that he issued when, of course, he was cornered and questioned about this very specific issue, which now we know he was lying through his teeth about. As, of course, this man that loves his voice even said that people who criticize him or criticizing science when they came to this specific issue... They said the people who don't believe them are just conspiracy theorists that don't like the science. And now we're finding out that it wasn't science that Dr. Fauci was espousing. It was lies and huge conflicts of interest that directly pinpoint him to personally approving very dangerous research at this level three Wuhan laboratory, which many key U.S. diplomatic cables even warned about the possibility of sicknesses coming out of because of their lax safety and control protocols. This is the same laboratory that Dr. Fauci made sure was doing dangerous work with the same category of sickness that is going around the world right now. And the people who have raised concerns about this, again, correlation does not prove causation, but there is a very big correlation here that deserves to be fully investigated, fully looked into, and, and absolutely questioned out right. But it's also important to note here that the people who questioned this from the very beginning, institutions like the Zero, Zero Hedge, were censored from the internet for even raising concerns about this. And now we have come full circle to the larger realization that, yes, Dr. Fauci had his fingerprints on this, and he was lying about it from the very beginning. And it's interesting to see this from the Vanity Fair, an organization that also previously did the bidding of Dr. Fauci and sang his praises and, and didn't really question it before, as they previously ran an article that was entitled, Anthony Fauci once again forced to basically call Rand Paul a sniveling moron. That was their article. Very biased, very convoluted, very emotionally based. Meant more, of course, to send a statement than actually inform people about what's happening. But this is the same author that now in Vanity Fair exposed Dr. Fauci for lying and proved Rand Paul absolutely right about this matter from the very beginning. And Rand Paul was right. And he was vilified for it by many mainstream media outlets that attacked him viciously for daring to question Dr. Fauci on what we know right now is absolutely genuinely one of the biggest stories out there and deserves 
a lot more attention than it's getting right now. Now, of course, the same mainstream media that loves Dr. Fauci is reluctant to talk about to talk about this in some instances. But there are some mainstream media organizations actually talking about this. But it's also important to note that Dr. Fauci is still on air, like on ABC, and he uh, doesn't get any pushback on this larger issue. He doesn't get question. He's on national television talking about how people aged 5 to 11 should get uh, a medical procedure for a sickness that statistically the story speaks for itself when it comes to the risk of those specific children. Another major bombshell that just came out is that Dr. Fauci as NIH director also gave hundreds of thousands of dollars of your tax-paying hard-earned money to a lab in Tunisia that essentially tortured dogs in inhumane ways, specifically beagle puppies that had their vocal cords removed and their heads locked in a mesh cage while hungry sand flies fed on them, eating them alive. I mean, holy freaking cow. The level of, of cruelty, of, of inhumanity here that has happened to these poor, innocent animals that Dr. Fauci called off on, signed for himself for this experimentation to be done. And what was the larger scientific purpose of, of this happening well so far i haven't been able to see an explanation why is the united states sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to foreign countries to torture animals what in the world else are they doing that we still don't even know about these are the same people praised by the mainstream media telling you how you need to give up all of your personal freedoms, all of your personal liberties, all of the things that governments have always tried to take away from their citizenry, take away their decisions of what they want to do with their bodies, all in the name because this man has, quote, your best interest at heart. And if you believe that, you've been psychologically brainwashed with trauma-based mind control. Right now, there's a bipartisan legislator of government officials demanding answers from Fauci on why he did this. I hope we get some. This is a big issue. It should be a national issue. Dr. Fauci should be held accountable for his misgressions here. Arrest Fauci was trending on Twitter temporarily, but there's a big agenda to silence any criticism of him not just on the mainstream media, but also on, of course, big tech social media. So sharing, getting the story out to your friends, family members, messaging them, emailing them. This URL is absolutely critically important if you found this video important. If you dislike. You can support Luke and his work at wearechange.org. Bestpoliticalt-shirts.com is his t-shirt site. <clears throat> and while he's talking there unfolding those stories, I'm a little bit horrified because first off, if they're willing to do that to beagles, do you not think they're willing to do that to people? I'm just saying, like they're studying animals for what? You're going to have a dog, many dogs, many puppies, beagle puppies eaten to death by having their heads trapped in a cage with sand flies eating them to death. And you don't want to hear them bark during the experiment. So let's remove their vocal cords because that would be more, that's, that's humane, right? And so it reminds me that experiment of a scene from the book 1984 by George Orwell. The protagonist, his name is Winston Smith. 
It's a long story, but let me just cut to the ending and it's going to be a little bit of a spoiler. Winston finds his interrogator. His name's O'Brien and Winston's in room 101. Room 101 is the residence of Winston's worst fear. And O'Brien puts his head in a cage and has live rats come out to gnaw his face unless he betrays his beloved Julia and becomes part of the collective that big brother and O'Brien himself are pushing Winston toward. They're pushing him off a cliff. So that's terrorism on an individual individual. Winston could back. He could yell back. O'Brien could hear his screams. O'Brien probably enjoyed his screams. Those beagles, nobody could hear their screams. And those aren't the only animals being tested on by NIH. I mean, they have a children's movie, The Secret of Nim with some mice. That's about the National Institutes of Mental Health, Mental Health, where they were experimenting on human beings and then portraying it. You know, here's a children's story. So abuse of animals is bad. They can't talk back. They can't defend themselves. Abuse against human beings, secondarily, also bad, might be worse. And the people who are talking back about Fauci over the past 40 years that have critical thoughts, dissenting thoughts, they've been censored. They've been deplatformed. Fauci gets to continue doing his job as one of the highest paid government non-elected employees without any pushback because a lot of these politicians fear him. Why do they fear little Tony Fauci? Because the guy has an arsenal of offensive bioweapons at his beck and call. And as you see, the rest of these people will bend over backwards, promoting him, protecting him, and making sure that his plan and his, uh, you know, he's just the Renfield for the globalists. He's uh, serving their needs. And, you know, it's this servicing the plan of his masters. He's not doing it for the American people. He's not doing it for those beagle puppies. He's not doing it out of love. There's power, control, and greed and avarice involved in that story. So, um, also, I wanted to say, after hearing about that NIH letter, I'd like to see a deep dive, wouldn't you? I mean, that's part of the, let's let's see the source material. What did they actually say? What can we learn from that? We're going to do that later in the show. We got LD on the West Coast. He's in the control room. And we also have, in the studio behind me, who, who do we got behind me <clears throat> over here? The research team? Got a whole team back here. Let's introduce ourselves. What's up, everyone? What up? This is Joshua Hale coming from Washington State. Just flew over for the weekend. Real excited to be here. Shout out to my awesome mom. Thanks for watching Grand Theft World. Justin Olson used to be on Grand Theft World a bit at the time. Glad to be back in studio and getting learned up and being here with you all. And I'm Tony Myers. I'm up for the weekend celebrating Rich's birthday. One year older, one year wiser. So happy birthday, Richard. Uh, thank you. It's been great having uh, you guys here. And we, we had the party yesterday and uh, lots of joy, lots of camaraderie, lots of sharing of optimism. And uh, now we're getting something practical and good done for the world. All right. So later on, uh, Research Room, we're going to do deep dive into that NIH letter. Right. But before we can go to that, we probably have to go to Christy Lee. And she's going to be talking about... <clears throat> The real problem with uh, the real liability problem is that these companies are not being held liable for their products and their consequences. Let's go to Christy Lee from the InfoWars crew. 
Protection from liability is the real immunity problem, bringing you what's ignored, sensationalized, unbalanced, misleading, or just plain false. Here's your media malfeasance for the week beginning October 18th. NPR continues to assert its opinion over news with this headline. The political fight over vaccine mandates deepens despite their effectiveness. So it takes a position right off the bat and then defends it rather than evaluate both sides. It says vaccine mandates are an effective tool in promoting widespread vaccinations. So is the goal widespread vaccinations or widespread health? NPR goes on to say the resistance to the mandates is a uniquely American predicament. Is it? Are we just going to ignore protests in Australia or in Europe? And then it targets evangelical Christians as part of the problem. Don't even get me started on that. It also doesn't address even once that part of the vaccine hesitancy might have to do with an immunity problem, the immunity from liability given to the makers. Right now, pharmaceutical companies have total immunity for vaccines. They are not responsible for any adverse reactions or death from the vaccines. You get a vaccine and you're on your own. And so that's one of the things we're faced with here is this bold, self-righteous requirement that uh, to protect people and require the vaccine, but no one is recognizing who's going to be responsible for the adverse reactions. And there are adverse reactions. I have a report in Medicare, out of Medicare, which is a very accurate report that shows we're having significant reactions and numbers of deaths. And so until somebody says they're going to be responsible, all we're doing is shoveling back off on the worker that if they get the vaccine, and have an adverse reaction, they've got to take care of it themselves. CNN gets confronted on its media malfeasance issue again this week. And Brian Stelter, BS for short, can't handle it. Well, who's the people stopping the conversation? Who are they? Um, people that work at networks, <laughs> frankly, like the one I'm speaking on right now, who try and claim that you know, it was it was racist to investigate the lab leak theory. It was. But I mean, who let's said just that take at CNN? Example. But I'm just saying that when you say allowed, I just think it's a provocative thing you say. You say you say we're not allowed to talk about these things, but they're all over the internet. Well, what, I can Google them. Brian, I can find them everywhere. I've heard about every story you oh, mentioned. So I'm just suggesting, of course, people are allowed to cover whatever they want to cover. But you and I both know, and it would be delusional to claim otherwise, that touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of mm. internal self-censorship. This mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times. And an article linking COVID-19 vaccines and myocarditis goes poof. It was published on October 1st and then temporarily removed without explanation. Here's an excerpt. Within eight weeks of the public offering of COVID-19 products to the 12 and 15 year old age group, we've found 19 times the expected number of myocarditis cases in the vaccination volunteers over background myocarditis rates for this age group. In addition, a five-fold increase in myocarditis rate was observed subsequent to dose two as opposed to dose one in 15 year old males. And here's the notice. The publisher regrets that this article has been temporarily removed. A replacement will appear as soon as possible in which the reason for the removal of the article will be specified or the article will be reinstated. The article was co-authored by Jessica Rose. She says the removal was unheard of and that the journal it was published in is in breach of contract.
and ignored this week this letter from the National Institute of Health, which says EcoHealth Alliance violated the terms and conditions of its grant and corrects the lies of the NIH director and Dr. Fauci. Let's just wrap up this week with Joe Rogan doubling down on CNN's Don Lemon for trying to defend lying about Rogan's treatment. See, because it used to be that way. They would say something and no one would have recourse. Do you know what this but is? But when you're yeah. saying something and it, then the person you're saying it about has literally 10 times the audience you do. You dumb her. Do you know what you did? You just proved my point. For KLIM.News, I'm Christy Lee. Joe Rogan, we're going to hear from him uh, later in this podcast. CNN doubled down. CNN tripled down. They weren't. They didn't. They weren't good enough to leave well enough alone. They wanted to to keep taking shots at Joe. Uh, I was just perusing through. I will show it uh, real quick, and then we'll cover it later in this episode. Uh, let's go like this browser. You guys see this? Let's go to the top of it. Cognitive warfare. This is 2020 right here. Last year, cognitive warfare. It's the new landscape. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. Before we could do that, we got to move on to some more clips. We're getting into the section called uh, Wuhan Fauci and SARS CoV 2. That's a boring name. It's usually something like the Fauci flu and the Wuhan crew. All right. So Rand Paul vindicated. Can Fauci be charged? What is this? Rand Paul has been questioning Fauci for like six or nine months now about. Uh, Dr. Fauci, did you do the gain of function? He's like, no, we did not do the gain of function several times. And he basically says, Dr. Rand Paul, an ophthalmologist is an idiot and he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's Fauci's line. And he's sticking to it. As I mentioned in the intro, Fauci's boss, Francis Collins, uh, who is the director of the national institutes of health. He stepped down after a long career, I'm sure it was just time for him to retire. But now the NIH is saying something that's contradicting one of its longest standing employees, Tony Fauci. They are saying gain of function is something they do because there's a lot of records on it. It's not just a couple million. It looks like it's a lot more money than anybody heretofore has suspected. So in an effort to dig a little deeper, let's check out this clip. And Rand Paul and Fauci, can they work out their differences are they going to hold hands and be friends or is one of them going to go to jail? Let's check it out. Um, and if you look, you know, th this is them. This is Rand Paul going, I told you so doesn't even begin to cover it here. Correct. Correct. So uh, again, the NAIH is correcting what they've said. Let's read it. Okay. This is the Honorable James Comer, ranking member of the Committee of Oversight and Reform out of D.C. Hmm? It's just yesterday. Thank you for your com uh, continued interest in the work of the National Institute of Health. I am writing today to avoid additional information and documents regarding NIH's grant to EcoHealth Alliance, Inc. <laughs> oh, we'll provide it. Yay. Yay. It's important to state at the outside that the published genomic data demonstrates that the bat coronaviruses studied under the NHA grant to EcoHealth Alliance, Inc., and subworded to the Wuhan Institute of Virology are not and could not have become SARS-CoV-2. Couldn't have done it, right? But that's not what we're talking about. Uh, again, you notice how even in this, they try to put that Trojan horse in the beginning. So, so even if this comes out, that's the kind of headline they're going to run. 
But that's not the case. We're not saying, first of all, I've never said this was a lab leak. That's the other thing. But Fauci lied about creating these types of viruses, period. Both the progress report and the analysis attached here again confirm that conclusion as the sequences of the virus are genetically very distant. The fifth and final progress report for grant R01AI110964, awarded to EcoHealth Alliance, Inc., is attached with redactions only for personally identifiable information. This progress report was submitted to NIH in August 2021 in response to NIH's compliance enforcement efforts. It includes data from a research project conducted during the 2018-2019 grant period using bat coronaviruses, genome sequences already existing in nature. Oh, oh. Yeah, and again, you notice how they kind of whitewash it? Not even 100 thumbs, YouTube. Can we get more than 100 thumbs so we can get this information out? You're not going to see this on NBC or CBS. And if you do see it, you'll hear it in passing with the bullshit coating with a cherry on top. You know what I'm saying? Do you get it? Huh? Are you understanding? The limited experimental uh, experiment described in the final progress report provided by EcoHealth Alliance was testing if spike proteins from naturally occurring bat coronavirus circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in a mouse model. All other aspects of the mice, including the immune system, remained unchanged. In this limited experiment, laboratory mice infected with the SHC014WIV1 bat coronavirus became sicker than those infected with the uh, WIV1 bat coronavirus. So let's just stop it right there. You see what that just says? First of all, no shit. We don't care what you did to the mice before you put this in there. Okay. Okay, but again, they, they're, they're, they're like, the mice were untouched, all other aspects, right? Huh. Hmm. Hmm. And then they tell you right here, there are two different types because it's a biologically enhanced virus in a lab. As sometimes occurs with science, okay, uh, this was, what is this? An unexpected result of the research as opposed to something that the researchers... Oh, see, everything's unexpected. It's unbelievable. <laughs> as opposed to something that researchers set out to do. Regardless, the viruses being studied under the grant were genetically very distant. For, they just keep trying to make that distance. Just trying to keep that distance. The research plan was reviewed by the NIH. Um, let's see. In advance of funding, an NIH determined that it did not uh, to fit the definition of research involving enhanced pathogens of pandemic potential because these bat coronaviruses had not been shown to infect humans. So because it wasn't a study using humans and it hadn't infected humans before, they just act like it wasn't a genetically modified virus. Again, semantical games and Johnny nonsense. You see how they try to invert reality? And this is why I don't think you can even charge Fauci. They already have put it in the language. You can't charge Fauci with any, anything. This is a big cover story for him. Give me a break. I, I mean, wow. As such, the research was not subject to departmental review under the HHS P3CO framework. However, 
Out of the abundance of caution, and as uh, additional layers of oversight, language was included in the terms and conditions of the grant award uh, to EcoHealth that outlined criteria for secondary review, such as requirements that grant uh, that the grantee report immediately uh, a one-log increase in growth. Let's go. These measures would prompt a secondary review to determine whether the research aims should be evaluated or new biosafety measures should be en enacted. EcoHealth failed to report this finding right away. Oh, really? Oh, oh, did you? Wow. Wow. As was required by the terms of the grant. And believe me, guys, they've got lawyer upon lawyer craft in this bullshit. Lawyer upon lawyer craft in this. Okay? But, but I mean, what they have to admit to is tremendous. Tremendous. EcoHealth is being notified that they have five days from today to submit to NIH any and all unpublished data from the experiments and work conducted under this award. Additional compliance efforts continue. The second do document is a genetic analysis demonstrating that uh, the naturally occurring bat coronaviruses used in experiments under the NIH grant from 2014 to 2018 are decades removed from the SARS-CoV-2 evolutionary. And again, they want to go back to the naturally occurring, natu the naturally occurring. See how they try to skirt the language? The analysis compares the sequence relationships between, oh, here, oh, now we're comparing sequence relationships. Oh, SARS-CoV-1, the cause of SARS outbreak in 20, 2003. <laughs> SARS-CoV-2, the cause of the COVID-19, oh, they're so concerned about the COVID-1984 pandemic that gave so much government power to bureaucrats within the health field. Uh, WIV-1, a naturally occurring bat coronavirus used in experiments funded by the NIH. RATG-13, one of the closest bat coronavirus relatives to SARS-CoV-2, collected by the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And uh, BANL-52, one of the several bat coronaviruses recently identified from brats living in the caves of Laos. While it might appear that the similarity... <laughs> of RATG13 and BANL52, okay? Bat coronavirus to SARS-CoV-2 is close because it overlaps by 96 to 97%. <laughs> Experts agree that even if these viruses are far too divergent, experts agree. Experts agree. Oh, I love those experts. Fact checkers and experts, they always agree, don't they? In 2021, they sure do. And they've been so spot on and so concerned with you and me and how we live our lives. Experts agree. <laughs> I mean, that even these viruses are far too divergent to have been the progenitor of SARS-CoV-2. Um, <laughs> for comparison, today's human genome is 96% similar to the closest ancestor, the chimpanzee. Humans and chimpanzees are thought to have diverged, again, thought to have diverged six million years ago. No evidence. Guys, just so everybody understands my, my position on evolution, microevolution, you can demonstrate. Macroevolution, that's a whole different thing. And whether you believe in macroevolution or not, to compare that evolution to that of 
large biological beings that are jumping species to species, human or otherwise, is ridiculous. And they know it's ridiculous. And they're clouding the issue. Okay, the analysis attached confirms that the back coronaviruses studied under the EcoHealth Alliance grant could not have been the source. Again, they keep going. This isn't what we're, we're worried about here. We're worried about Fauci lying under oath that that research just was not gain of function. Of course it was. Of course it was. So guys, let's do it again. If you just joined us, you want to support this program, thumbs this up, subscribe and share. But remember, we're pretty damn restricted on YouTube. We were able to uh, skate by this one because we're reading a letter from the NIH. I do want to remind everybody, all my documentary films, Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, and New World Order Defined, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shade the Motion Picture are free right here, right now. We got the GoFundMe, but really the way to support me is to get at least that free Rockfin account. Let's get 40,000 strong today, today, today. In fact, okay, just so you know, there's an exclusive over there right now. We're probably not putting it up on YouTube, but it is important. If you are in the Davenport, Iowa area, they are fighting back in Iowa on the 25th. There's also an event coming up I'm going to be discussing on the 23rd in Illinois. But fighting back to take the masks off of children. Uh, go watch that video free over there. Another in-depth report from Jason Burmis. Now, we just talked about the NIH letter. We want to learn more. There's Burmis with the deep dive. He's a voracious researcher and i agree you should be signed up to his rock fin r-o-k-f-i-n.com go there search jason burmas or or subscribe to grand theft world on Rockfin, and then find burmas that way he puts out consistent uh document deep dives these sort of things it's not the only thing he does he has a wide palette in his talent pool and what he produces but consistently a couple times a month he's going to give you a document deep dive like that I watch him. That's where I learn some of this stuff uh, as I go through life because, you know, I've known him for it's like 15, 16 years at this point. He's been consistent the whole time. The things he talked about back in 2006 when I met him, he's still talking about today, but with greater detail and accuracy, right? Uh, more research under his belt. But he was right back then. He's just has better artifacts and evidence to purvey and explain to people. Now, I do want to point out a couple of things about the document that he was presenting you with. Um, NIH pulled funding on EcoHealth, not recently. See, they just told EcoHealth, you got five days to tell us what's going on. Otherwise, things are going to happen. Well, according to this document, which comes from the, the fine folks at USA Today, this is a fact check. And they were trying to debunk some stuff. But along the way, they provide us with some really useful information about EcoHealth. And it says uh, in 2014, uh, the NIH approved a grant for EcoHealth Alliance uh, designed for research into understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence, right, at the Wuhan Institute uh, to study bat and the potential transfer to humans of this virus. And then it got a grant for it. So if you go up to the end of the story, on April 23rd of 2020, NIH informed EcoHealth Alliance it would no longer be receiving funding from the agency and that the remainder of the grant shall be rescinded. My question is why? USA Today did not ask that question. And then there's a statement from NIH. So EcoHealth and NIH have been somewhat at odds for uh, several months now, almost a year. And that five days, I doubt they're going to turn any, anything over substantial. So it's up to the muckrakers, it's up to the researchers, it's up to audience members who like to search these things. If NIH knew in April of 2020 
that they got to pull the funding from EcoHealth. What is the reasoning behind that? And might it turn up that EcoHealth was deeper in bed with NIH and the Wuhan Institute of Virology than heretofore Fauci alluded to? Because he said they have no connection. They're not doing gain of function. None of this is going on. And uh, as Alex Jones said earlier this week, that's like Michael Jordan telling you he doesn't know anything about basketball. It's not believable if you know about Michael Jordan. If you know about Tony Fauci and the fact that he's on tape and on record talking about gain of function and that the risks might outweigh the rewards, but they're going to do it anyway. These very dangerous experiments that have never led to preventing a pandemic as they claim. They have led to a pandemic or two that they seem to gain power from consistently. So um, control room behind me, research room. Uh, do you guys have any, uh, any thoughts on that? That Burma's deep dive we just went through? I mean, to start out, you have to think about Anthony Fauci's history, you know, how much he lied during the AIDS pandemic, um, his history of getting involved with that whole situation. You're talking now, about AZT? Well, not just AZT, but then just the way he describes um, and flip flopped on transmissibility of AIDS. You get AIDS um, from cereal boxes? Cereal boxes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, pushing AZT um, therapeutics that they had other therapeutics on the table that could have worked quite well. This is and, true. That's the story of Dallas Buyers Club and that AZT was a right. 1960s chemotherapy drug for cancer patients that killed cancer patients too quickly. They had put it on the shelf and then somebody thought they could get money from AIDS patients by filling them up with AZT. Tony Fauci's right in the middle of that. that do you see a pattern there? Do you see, a, do pattern see a pattern now? It's yeah. very useful to certain pharmaceutical companies with inventory of drugs that they either want to sell or are making to sell. So I, I throw it back at you then. Is, uh, is this then just covering their tracks a little bit, like lawyer yes. speak, or yes. is it uh, go deeper than that? Are they trying to cover more up than what? Because they say only, what, 600000 that EcoHealth grant went to gain a function after right. having to backtrack and say, well, no, we weren't doing gain of function research. Right. And they should argue about the definition of gain of function. It becomes this. The answer to That's your crazy. question, I think, is in the NIH letter that Jason just deep dived with, right? And so when they go into the Which very seems specific, to implicate that like they're, they're trying like, to here's a grant, a and here's yeah. what this grant did, and this grant doesn't fit the other thing, so we're all done here. And we're right. like, wait, what about the other grants? What what aren't you telling us with that denial, right? So That's they're right. hoping people just look at the one point. It's like the it, it's just like one point of data, and they're accepting it as the whole map. Right. 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 That's exactly right. Yeah. That's sort of like reminds me of what happened what with the, the it, it, as an analogy. It reminds me of what happened with the DARPA documents a couple of weeks ago, right? Oh no, you know they came with us with this crazy idea of aerosolized, you know, um, flu virus. We're going to spray in a cave or something like that, penetrates the skin. Oh, the, like the that's Dazak that's crazy. Project diffuse. Mm -hmm. And DARPA's like, oh, yeah. we're just going to wash our hands clean. Like we don't touch stuff like that. Wink, wink. Right, right, right. So DARPA's sure. admission of Same it in August here. is like a press release to say we're not associated with that. And methinks thou doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, as an analogy, that's kind of what's going on here. A little bit yeah. with the Seco Health Alliance NIH admission, plus with Francis Collins stepping down, what, two weeks? All, all of this is quite sus suspicious, to say the least. It's almost um, a preponderance of coincidences, Tony. It is absolutely a preponderance. It certainly went in civil court. but And the Fauci movie just came out. It's true, too. All right. If you guys have a barf bag handy, I'll give you the lowdown because I did 
I did take one for the team. Are I, you I was serious? Like, I was like, somebody no has to watch this. Somebody has to watch this. We're not going to play any clips from it, thankfully. <laughs> um, I had no idea you did that. That that's, this yeah. submission is sort of blowing my mind right now. I'm not going to lie. I did it over. It took two nights. I couldn't get through it. In one oh, jeez. Because I kept getting like nauseous, like I was in an airplane <laughs> going up and down or something. And uh, it's not. I mean, he's just one guy, right? So I'm not yeah. saying like one guy is behind all this stuff, but he definitely has a track record and they, the footage that like they've been filming this guy over a long period of time, preparing for what he's doing today. Like right. you don't have, like, there's no one else sitting around that's been around that has a bunch of file photo uh, footage, and these sort of things that could be used and leveraged 40 years later to make a documentary. Like not many people have that. So there is Unless a lot of Michael Jordan then and now, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of then and now, documents. but because he was at such a high stature during the AIDS crisis, there was lots there's of, there's a lot of footage, footage from in the footage. past. Right. right. And then essentially he's a nice guy. He's a good family man, oh, all these yeah. sort of things, nothing substantive. It's highly emotionally driven and very thin on defending his position that he's taking up. Because, I'll see popular. Yeah. Let's go with the crowd, get emotionally riled up. And That's unfortunate. I, yeah. But uh, I mean, so it was very self-congratulatory. And then I had like my just, brain vomited out because I don't want that long term in my head. So you got to hit the ignore button. Did he put a flag down in the memorial it. in DC for all the COVID victims? I, I do not recall. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't it's see the scene one. I saw in one of the advertisements. So it's yeah, it's possible I missed charged. a few minutes because I did have to go puke a few times during the <laughs> session and I forgot to hit pause because it's just you and hits Dave you. Landau, man. You both it's can't you. hold yeah. it in. Yeah. Yeah. We both have weak constitutions. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. But this whole thing just seems like either um, a misdirect, it's both a misdirection at the same time trying to cover their ass from a liability perspective. That's what yeah. all this, this, this whole situation is, which is not surprising. Um, but at the same like guil- time, guilty people do these things. This is, we're getting to see slow motion. I mean, the hell, the CNN did it this week, and we're going to get to some clips very shortly here, just uh, having to triple down now that, you know, their coverage on ivermectin was legitimate because i'm sure their lawyers came back right like holy shit all right so that's rogan's just, got mean, a hell of a case i don't like being gaslit by the media but by watching the no stuff that we have to watch to make the show you kind of get gaslit so i heard crystal tell me there is no research on ivermectin relative relevant oh yeah rel- yeah we're right? gonna have to i'm like i, know, I got, I saw, I I heard 67 that too, I know. meta studies over here how do you not have access to the same type of information uh, uh correct and, uh, we went into Sager it like how many thing. times yeah i know because joe rogan hasn't told them yet they don't know that that's kind of how that is they're not leaders in that area they're kind of like downstream right so it's almost like how do we get the meta study with the the ivermectin in rogan's hot hands to slam it on cnn's head it's like we just found excalibur but we're not worthy but we know where king arthur might be and he could use that sword (laughs) to slay the dragon we could just put you know connect them together it's like brokerage you know I you like need the this idea. thing. We know where that thing is. Have at it. We want to watch. Nice have Pierre Corey on. Um, said Brett Weinstein on. I'm sure they've directed him to many studies, but at the same time, you know, just you know, doesn't have it all like immediately available to him and probably always just researching that. But there's a reason why he was prescribed that medication by a medical doctor. It, you know, it's not just all fluff. There is a, a mechanism of action that stops. There it is. Viral right. replication with the protease enzyme, which is what that new Merck drug is all about for the most part. So, Ivermectin. <laughs> all right. So, here's what I got I got Ivermectin, Ivermectin. 
related to COVID. These are specific stories. We, we talked about these last week, oh, yeah. but I just, you know, cause it's gaslighting, right? You have to check your sanity here. Is there, or <laughs> is there not on uh, this website right here, ivermectin for COVID-19. So it's ivermectin for the thing we're talking about. Real-time meta-analysis of 64 studies updated today. It's very active. Maybe I should be tweeting this at people, right? Yeah, I, I've been going over that uh, the couple of times I was hosting by myself. I went over that. Uh, I don't even remember how many times. I mean, and it's updated regularly um, with more recent studies. Many different countries have been doing studies on it. I think Oxford's still finishing up their study. Uh, the one yeah, we've Oxford been tracking University. this study for 10 months now. It came out in January when we first started tracking it because that's when and, I put it in the history blueprint. And they do organize it by early treatment, late treatment, middle treatment. Yeah, here's early treatment you know, right here, which 67% is 67% improvement. That's nothing, Crystal. It's nothing, right? Because there is no the treatment there. that they recommend right now for it. Is that not better than nothing? Well, they you know, right? well, like they regenerate. The answer on has it. been yes. Whereas re, uh, not Regeneron, that's the antibodies. But what's the sure. uh, what's the one with causing renal failure? It starts with an R. Remdesivir. A remdesivir. That yeah, is yeah. what hospitals are giving. So hospitals, Crystal, Sager, hospitals are giving ineffective treatments like remdesivir that cause renal failure. They're giving the ventilators on high pressure, low oxygen, which kills people. When people have Those, inflamed lungs, it's literally just blowing out your lungs when they're, right. they're most vulnerable. And there are 67 studies that somebody, Fauci, WIH, uh, or, you know, Institutes of Health, but it's WIV, I almost said, Wuhan should take care of it. United Nations, FDA, CDC, meta studies, you know, meta studies on ivermectin. Consider it. People are dying. Other countries are using ivermectin, including Japan now. So, I mean, unless the rest of the world is that backwards, I don't know what more to say at this well, point. Well, maybe it's not a, like, it's, I'm not saying it's panacea. I'm not saying it's cure. I'm saying it might be part of an no effective is, treatment though. regimen that has yet to be introduced after almost two years. Well, we could talk about intravenous vitamin C then. I mean, we could talk about a whole host of different potential therapeutics for it. I mean, ivermectin just happens to be one of, of many. You know, True, because you've got the budesonide. The, budesonide, the, sure. Yeah. The steroid, the corticosteroids. You got prednisone, I think, has been used in treatments. Mm -hmm. uh, hydroxychloroquine, yep. uh, vitamin uh, D, zinc. Well, yeah, and they were using neb nebulizer for some of these things. Yeah, but there's just there's a cornucopia of things that have made hospitalizations go down, deaths go down, and they may They're not have direct studies and show the exact mechanism of action, but people have taken them with success. So, I mean, that, that it's only co correlative and I understand that, but at the same time, it doesn't mean many of these are just all purpose sort of anti-inflammatories to begin with. The other so thing they're is going to have a general trust... effect on one's health and they're all, all very, very safe. And of course, I'm not a doctor. This is what I would just do for myself. Uh, if I was, and that's that all we have charge over in this world is ourselves, is ourselves, right? right? And we can, so, we can make our own individual choice. You know, I peeked in have, Fauci's toolbox. He only had one tool. He has a syringe. A vaccine is his tool for everything as of the decade of the vaccine with Bill Gates 10 years ago. Well, you know, it all depends. So do we on trust the guy to run the situation when he already has in his back pocket, the thing he wants to sell you regardless of really what's going on? Cause that's the evidence on the table that the guy's all about pushing vaccines. That vaccines wants, are ineffective therapeutics, AZT and it. or remdesivir. So, he, you know, of course, when he has a financial interest in both of those, when, you know, just in a history of that. No, I'm thinking he's saying history repeats or anything. He reminds me of Buffalo Bill. Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. Sure. He's trying to get you to take it. 
take it. Take it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So. These sort of things are going on out there. We have something like that coming up. Oh, yeah. By the... Go for it, LG. What are you saying? <laughs> oh, man. I There we go. We got a sneak peek to, to <laughs> save you all the time. Uh, so you don't have to endure what Richard endured. Oh, the sneak peek of the Fauci documentary? That's right. That's right. Oh, great, 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 great. Let's go to that. We got This is the trailer. It puts the needle in its skin. It puts it in whenever it's told. I'm a pureblood. I don't want the jab. I won't take the vax. It puts the needle in its skin or else it gets the pink slip. It puts the needle in its skin. You can't make me take it! Please! Please don't! It puts the needle in its skin! Now you see why I wanted to spare you guys from that. It's awful. Horrifying. I'm having nightmares now for weeks. I guess it is Halloween, so or it's very close to Halloween rather. So yeah. it's in in theme. And I think his mask wasn't being worn properly. Yeah. But at least he did have it on. Did have it Better on. Than nothing. In, in, yeah. in that particular appearance. He had it on. <laughs> I thought right, it did perfectly. I don't know yeah. about you. But. All right, so let's go. Uh, Tyler Durden's got some news for us. National fit, Institutes he certainly of fit Health. The man. Let me put it that way. Sorry. Admits gain of fun, uh, gain funding, gain of function for COVID experiments. Gives EcoHealth five days report data. This is also probably tying into uh, the Burmese deep dive. Let's go ahead and bring that up on screen if we're able to uh, either research room or the control room. Either one of you guys. We'll take a look at it. Um, we'll probably have to be the research because I'm not in my normal environment tonight. But if you just want to bring that up, there's a couple LD. There's, a, I think, a couple videos in there. I think stuff we've already seen. So I don't know if there's anything worth playing, but it just like, goes over all the. Hey, there might be a browser button on your. Uh, Is there a browser button? On your stream deck? I had to look at what it's called. On I your stream deck, there this. might be well, one that says browser. That whole studio is programmed for the autonomy lectures. So you might not. We're, we're going to hit buttons and see what happens. We're going to hit buttons and see. We're going to, we're doing it live because we didn't plan. Search. Yeah, do that. If not, I can pull it up. I'm impressed with how much Tyler get Tyler Durden gets done over there at Zero Hedge. You know, he's really. It's almost like he's two people getting things done over there. Now we go back to the research cave. Oh, there it is. Okay. Nice. Let me see though. I can. Get we the have other, browser. The other browser. Oh. Okay. Can we see this? Yeah, we can work it out. Oh my goodness! Look at that. Doing it live, everyone. Okay. So NIH admits funding gain-of-function COVID experiments gives EcoHealth five days to report data. That's basically what Burmese just went over. Um, what that so, really means is EcoHealth has five days to delete all that data. So basically. Right? <laughs> 
it's not enough time to return much, the data. Yeah. It's not Correct. return. It's not enough time to to return the substantial data and evidence people are looking for. But it is enough time to cover their ass. So that they got five days. Exactly. That's why you give them a couple of days, right? You know, wink, wink. In a letter addressed to Representative James Comer, Republican Kentucky, NIH Principal Deputy Director Lawrence A. Tabak cites a quote limited experiment end quote to determine whether against, quote, spike proteins from naturally occurring back coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in a mouse model, end quote. According to the letter, humanized mice infected with the modified bat virus became sicker than those exposed to an unmodified version of the same bat coronavirus. So it's pretty- First off, I got to call bullshit because NIH, first off, the bat coronaviruses did not attach to humans or the mice, and they had to humanize the mice and- that's how they got it. To well, jump. the humanized so they, There's mice. a series of papers from 2013, 2014, 2015 discussing gain of function where they're like, we can't get this to work. Then we should do this. And then they banned this. They got it to work in 2017. Right. And then all the plans changed. And by 2019, oops, the thing happened. Right. But they're yeah. totally prepared and they didn't tell us. Well, you know, ostensibly the research is for what um, a vaccine development for a potential future pandemic. Not because they would accidentally have a lab, well, release. Yeah, As that's right. Accident. Yeah. You know, nothing there. It's just to understand, you know, pathogenicity, I guess, between uh, humans and... Uh, Do they have a link to the source article? Animals. But, you know, it's interesting that all the animal viruses letter? they were trying weren't infected for humans and they had to gain of... What was that? I don't oh, even know what I'm thinking about. They had to put action... They had to put some extra yeah, function. Maybe I don't there. have to think about it. They have a little function. They had to function harder. <laughs> they're doing. <laughs> that they did, though. And um, yeah, I mean, this is... Is that uh, the letter to the Kentucky yeah, Republican? You can just probably click on that. One. Da, 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 oh, yeah, so. Getting into the source materials. Just looks like image. There oh, yeah, it's a, it's a little thing there. And this is the same document that, that Burmese was just going over, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay. Department Good. of HHS. The, let's see here. The limited experiments described in the final progress reported, excuse me, report provided by EcoHealth Alliance, this is what in the fourth paragraph, was testing of spike proteins from naturally occurring bad coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in a mouse model. All other aspects of the mice, including the immune system, remained unchanged. In this limited experiment, laboratory mice infected with the SHC014 WIV1 bat coronavirus became sicker than those infected with the WIV1 bat coronavirus, which would be the original. As sometimes occurs in science, this was an unexpected result of the research, uh as opposed to something that the researchers set out to do. Regardless, the viruses being studied under this grant were genetically very distant from SARS-CoV-2. And it goes on to state uh, just exactly what Burmans continue to pontificate on. But it's very interesting that they're willing to now admit this. It's like, oh, yeah, this money did go here. But, you know, not 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 for the reasons you you think it's so distant. The the type of gain of function we were working on is right. so distant from the SARS-CoV-2 model. Nothing to see here. Nothing to worry about. That's very similar to what The Intercept reported many weeks ago. All right. Well, I got something here from 2013. Right. Sure. 2013. This comes from wired.com. Let's just read page one. 
In November 2002, a deadly new virus emerged suddenly in the south of China. In less than a year, the disease had caused, uh, and the disease it caused, known as SARS, spread to 33 countries, sickening more than 8,000 people and killing more than 700. Then it disappeared. You just close out of that thing. Oh, wait, leave it over. Now, researchers say they have, for the first time, isolated a closely related virus from bats in China that can infect human cells. This shows that right now in China, there are bats carrying a virus that can directly infect people and cause other, another SARS pandemic, says Peter Daszak, one of the authors and president of EcoHealth Alliance in New York City. So I said, see the Lancet FOIA that he faked, right? Uh, Correct. The FOIA that dumped the, his Lancet article as propaganda. And, and lies, last week lies, we covered lies too early I, in the story, which right. means he was in on it. But let's continue. Uh, let's see. In 2005, Dazak and others found viral DNA closely resembling the SARS virus in three species of Chinese horseshoe bats. However, while the sequences of those viral genomes were 88 to 92% identical with that of the SARS coronavirus, they showed a marked difference in region of coding for so-called spike protein. In the SARS virus, this protein binds to a receptor on the surface of human cells, ACE2, mediating its entry. The differences meant that the bat viruses would not be able to infect human cells until they humanized the mice, everybody. This was their problem. The bat viruses that Dazak found would not infect human beings. It was not natural that bat viruses were infecting human being ACE2 receptors. And that's exactly what SARS-CoV-2 does successfully. If nature could do it, Dazak and EcoHealth wouldn't have got billions of dollars to do these. That things. is the gain of function right there. Now, new research suggests that civets may not be necessary to start a SARS pandemic. For more than a year, scientists from China, Australia, United States collected anal swabs or fecal sample samples from horseshoe bats at a cave at Kunming in the south of China. They found coronavirus RNA in 27 of 117 sampled animals. Among the viruses were two new strains of coronavirus that resemble SARS strain more closely than previously identified in bats, especially the part of the genome coding for the important spike protein. The scientists also managed to isolate the live virus from one of the animals. In experiments reported to uh, online today in Nature, they showed that the virus infected pig and bat kidney cells, and perhaps more important, cells lining the human lung. That is gain of function. That's the ACE2 receptor. That's a smoking gun. That's 2013. Article goes on. I got more notes on it, but that's not the article I was looking for. I was looking for... This is the United States right to know. This is how you know Dazak's full of it and covered it up because they got the emails proving it last November in 2020. So this was exhibit 12, I think, in episode seven of this podcast. That wasn't what I was looking for. I was looking for something from 2014 where they started to get oh, into the, the specifics of the ACE2 receptors. Okay. And I'm going to have to continue. To Is this when the moratorium that. happened or right before it? When they were discussing like the importance oh, of gain of function research before the you know the funding was pulled for it. Here's another one. Uh, this one's more recent. Let's do it like this. Focus it. The spike glycoprotein of the new coronavirus contains a furin-like cleavage site absent in COVID of the same clade. clade right. So that's proof of gain of function. The furin-like. Sure. Furin that's one of the site. smoking guns. 
This was alongside the CGG. This was Dazak's fake uh, Lancet article. This is the gain of function moratorium. That's 2014. Here we go. That's the one you're looking 20, for. No, this one, 2015. Oh, oh, okay. Because even after the moratorium in 2014, there's still a debate. There's still, it's no, still yeah, going sure. on. Uh, lab made coronavirus triggers debate. The creation of a chimeric SARS like virus. Creation, is that natural when you create stuff? <clears throat> no, this is artificial in the lab. Has scientists discussing the risks of gain of function research? Now everyone knows about the risks of gain of function research because their lives have been shattered by the plague. Let's go real quick to in 2013, the United States government put a full stop to all federal funding of gain of function studies with particular concern rising about influenza SARS and MERS. NIH, National Institutes of Health, has funded such studies because they help define the fundamental nature of human pathogen interaction and enable the assessment of the pandemic potential of emerging infectious agents to inform the public health and preparedness health efforts. They did not do any of those things as they claim, right? They're, they're claiming they do it for these reasons, but they didn't do these things during the pandemic, did they? Correct. National Institute Director Francis Collins, who resigned last week, said in a statement at this time, these studies, however, also entail biosafety and biosecurity risks, which need to be understood better. Well, we're coming to learn about them right now, aren't we, Mr. Collins? Right? This is 2013. So when he says in front of the Congress in a couple of weeks, he had nothing to do with this stuff. This is 2015 from the scientists. Collins is quoted here. He's talking about this stuff, right? That says right there. Chimeric they coronavirus. Actually... Correct. Okay. So when those people were like, you're a conspiracy theorist. Why? Because I can read English. Like being able to read and not doing so. And then being able to read and doing so. Like who's the smart person? The smart you person read with is understanding. using understanding. It's a powerful thing. Oh, look, this is a reference to Ralph Barrick right here. Right. But Ralph Barrick and others argue the study's importance. These people like pushed forward gain of function. The results move this virus from a candidate emerging pathogen to a clear and present danger, says Peter Dazak, the guy who helped make it right. 2015. So this story that's unfolding in front of everybody, you know, uh, Rogan and Sagar and Crystal and those people, they know about part of this now. They don't know the history. You can find this in the Wayback Machine right here because they deleted it. So you don't find it. July 14th, 2020 looks like, uh, or is when I found that. So last summer, but that's the date, November 16th, 2015. Here's, so they've been working uh, on, sorry, one last one. This is also from 2015. A SARS like cluster of circulating back coronaviruses shows potential for human emergence. Okay. And when you read through the description, what is that? ACE2. That's how it connects, right? They couldn't do that with the Chinese horseshoe bats back in 2013. But by 2015, who is this? The bat lady, Zheng Li Shi. Who's this? Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina. Uh, is Dazak credited in this one? But at least we have that one. We got that one. Any of these other names useful from the leaks? The most senior people, by the way, are, are listed at the end of these, and the, the new people were listed at the beginning. That's how they list the research papers. This document, uh, 12... 2015 so december 2015 nature medicine gain of function and eco health ace2 receptor connections so you guys can read through that on your own time the page uh 15 uh let's see 1512 page 1512 because this is in a big of a middle of a big journal you can start to see who funded it 
Oh, this is Fauci right here, by the way. National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Eco Health Alliance, NIH. Do we have any questions? Let's go further. One more. Oh, but you're thinking too page. much. You're thinking too much. I know. Let me just read from There's the section. There's no way called... that's gain of function. I know. Changes I know. on the definition. Don't worry about it, bro. Just... Let me just get this in focus for you. Construction of SARS-like chimeric viruses. Both wild type and chimeric viruses were derived from either SARS-CoV or Bonnie or the corresponding mouse adapted. What? Mouse adapted? Like their ACE2 receptors are humanized? SARS-CoV MA15 infectious clone as previously described. The clone was designed and purchased from BioBasic as six contiguous cDNAs using published sequences. Sounds like gain of function. It sounds like they're splicing things together. Ethics study, right? University of North Carolina, where Barrick is, biosafety committee. This study was carried out in accordance with the recommendations for the care and use of animals. Oh, we know sure. Fauci loves animals, don't we? Oh, yeah. At the Office of Laboratory <laughs> Animal Welfare, <laughs> University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, right? Oh, my goodness. What is going on in these places? <laughs> and then uh, that's enough exhibits on that point. I feel like I've made it. We got more, but we got other things we got to cover, right? Well, I mean, to have that many exhibits and, uh, you know, on a show like this, which is uh, we do as much research as we possibly can, but why isn't this being brought to anyone's attention to actually try, you know, potentially indict him on? CNN doesn't have the resources, Tony. They're too busy paying for Don Lamont's wardrobe, which is stunning. (laughs) <laughs> oh i can't i have no rebuttal. yeah there's no there's no there's no follow-up to that. that's no. a drop moment right there yeah, all right really so is. uh nih admits gain of function got it let's go to the see next one we, yeah let's see what else we got here um, fauci and hhs officials discuss using the virus from china to enforce universal vaccines and there's footage that sounds fantastical because as we all know he did not have sex with that fact no that's mixing he did not do gain of function i was mixing the two things up, mm. right he didn't do gain of function clinton didn't do Lewinsky. let's cut to the tape and see what really happened not of Lewinsky. We, no one wants to see that let's let's go to the fauci <laughs> tape almost needed another barf bag newly uncovered video shows anthony fauci and other hhs officials discussing how a new virus from china could be used to enforce universal vaccination back in October of 2019. Here's one America's Pearson Sharp. When they released As many it. of us have long suspected, this pandemic and all the resulting chaos was never about fighting a new virus and protecting public safety. This entire exercise has been a government-sanctioned effort to strip Americans of their rights and force us to follow their orders without question or else. You're not allowed to question or raise any objections or the full weight of the federal government will come down on you no exceptions. We're supposedly in the midst of the worst pandemic in the history of the world where hospitals are overflowing with sick and dying patients. But yet at the same time, we can afford to fire hundreds of thousands of healthcare workers who refuse to take the experimental vaccine. Imagine that. And all to fight against the most dangerous virus humanity has ever faced, that you only have a 99.997% chance of surviving. 
It's so deadly when you're diagnosed, doctors just tell you to go home and take DayQuil until it goes away. Clearly, something's not adding up, and many now believe it's because this entire situation may have been contrived from the very start. Footage has just been uncovered from a panel at the Milken Institute where the high prophet of pharma, the good doctor and dog murderer, Anthony Fauci, was discussing viruses with other officials from the Department of Health and Inhuman Services. In the video, Fauci complains that releasing a vaccine the proper way takes way too long, at least 10 years, he says, and how unfortunate it is that people don't take the regular flu seriously. The other officials agree and suggest blowing the system up and finding a new way to impose a universal flu vaccine. They noted that people would be reluctant to take that kind of vaccine when it hasn't been tried or tested. That's when another doctor, Rick Bright, also a member of the Rockefeller Foundation, proposed that they should disrupt the bureaucratic process somehow and cut through all the red tape using what he called an entity of excitement. And then Bright tops it all by suggesting, you know, it's not too crazy to think there could be an outbreak of a novel avian flu virus from China and they could then use that to make a global mRNA vaccine to be tested out on the public. And the best part of all, all of this happened in October of 2019. Watch it here for yourself. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, you have to prove that this works. And then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of an, a novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. It's hard to misinterpret what's being said here. They're essentially outlining the pandemic. Everything we've seen from the last year and a half described right here in this video before it happened. And this isn't the first time Fauci has gone on the record to apparently broadcast his intentions about the pandemic. Back when President Trump first took office, 
Fauci came out with a suspiciously prescient prediction that a major viral pandemic will strike the United States during Trump's administration. The topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And now, here we are today living through the scenario that Fauci said was coming all the way back in 2017. The government has used this pandemic to enact sweeping totalitarian changes to our everyday lives, seizing control faster than anyone thought possible. And never in the history of the world has the government ever taken power and then given it back voluntarily. And while China gains strength, Taliban terrorists take over countries, our border collapses amid a flood of millions of third world illegal opportunists. Inflation skyrockets and the supply chain dries up. We're being threatened with even more restrictions of our rights if we don't comply with the tyrannical vaccine mandates. Unless we, the people, demand that our rights be preserved and our civil liberties be protected and our government be held responsible for its treachery, then this rogue administration will never stop encroaching on our freedoms. For One American News, I'm Pearson Sharp. That guy reads in the teleprompter really well. I think he needs some carpet in his basement, though, to take out that echo. Or maybe just some furniture to break up. Anyway. Sure. Producer eyes. Anyway, uh, I got a couple notes here. <laughs> it's Fauci. Why are you telling people about the surprise outbreak in 2017? Like, we're having a surprise party, but keep a secret. You know, it's like he's telling people we're going to have an outbreak. It's no longer a surprise in 2017. The other idea I had from that was I think we need to make sure it's to say Fauci hates dogs. Because here's my theory on this. It's not really against mm-hmm. Fauci, but I think it would help take too take, soon, bro. Take the public down a notch, right? On their Fauci worship, right? So I'm not not doing anything against the messenger. I'm just putting a message out there that mm-hmm. Al Capone could not be taken down for his crimes, but the government got him on tax evasion, right? Fauci is not being taken down for his crimes, but if people find out he kills dogs, dude. Public opinion. Public opinion is the court, right? We have read from Bernays and Freddie A.J. Ayer and all these other propagandists Mm -hmm. of the 20th century, and uh, that's all in play on Fauci's side. Why not play it back and have some stickers that say Fauci hates dogs? And on the back of the T-shirt, by the way, you have the story. Like here, here's the experiment. Look it up. Google this. Start learning about these people whom you trust as your doctor, and they've never met you. How crazy is that? You don't have a throw pillow and a. He's a guy on TV, and you're filling yourself up because he said some words have you checked this guy out don't have the sign in the front yard you know we believe Fauci whatever have you checked out the drug dealers he works for and what their (laughs) track record is in this place speaking of which we do have a sponsor for this episode let's go ahead and roll no it's not this episode there is a sponsor of the COVID pandemic that's that's what we're saying they sponsor all the other episodes you see out there as far as news they do not sponsor us let's go to their sponsor and see what uh, Fizzer's up to. Its symbol used to be a blue big dick pill. I'm just saying. 
that's where they're from. Mmm, pizza. I didn't hear the delivery guy pull up. <laughs> that's because it's not delivery. Really? And it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. Come on, that's pizza. No, it's very nearly pizza, but not quite. It's almost pizza. See? Come on, let's eat. So it's uh, tofu pizza or something like that. No, you could put tofu on a pizza and still legally call it pizza. But don't call this pizza. It's almost pizza. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. But it's food, though, right? Come on. Mmm, pizza. Nice one, Mom. I mean, hang on here. What exactly is this, Carol? It looks like pizza. It's meant to. But it's not. If it was pizza, it would just say pizza. Look, I'll eat some. Pizza. That was their intention. Whose? Just try it, Tom. It's getting cold. No. If anything, it's getting hotter. Okay, what is this, Carol? Just eat some. Hell no. I'll eat it. No. <laughs> what the f I never said it was pizza. <laughs> if it's almost dinner, it's almost time for almost pizza. The thing that's much like pizza, roughly speaking. From oh. Pfizer. Oh. Now, do we have that montage of all the places that Pfizer might be sponsoring that people look at as health information agencies, but really they're just fronts for a drug dealer? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I have it somewhere in the show card buried way deep, but yeah, Lawrence, we're, it's in chat we're digging it up. We're doing it live. But we right got now. it. Yeah, we got it in the chat. We're triggering complexity. We're calling audibles because I think that fits really well with the it almost does. pizza. No, I like Because it's almost a vaccine. It's almost. It doesn't it's give all, you really right. immunity. It's almost vaccine. It doesn't really give you protection. It's almost vaccine. Well, you know, it's a, it's a vaccine they now, vaccines, but they had they to change the, the definition. Game. Very clever, SNL. Because they knew people would make the pizza connection. Is it National Pizza Day again? Sure. That's what they said last time when WikiLeaks dropped it. They're like, no, no, there's nothing to see here. They're just talking about National Pizza Day. Get, you know, two for one. It'll be the Pizza Gate plus pizza, vaccines. Pizza. Pizza. See. Now call Little Caesars little, and tell little them they Caesars, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're going to call Little Caesars. Like I won't that. take coupons because I would not eat their pizza. <laughs> They're fine, so, that's, that's a good example of almost pizza right there. Can I be sued for that? <laughs> yeah. Because then they'd have to show us the okay. ingredients, and we'd I find out it, it really is almost pizza. It's almost yoga mats, probably. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, Good morning, America. The Good people. If Pfizer well. sponsor that, I love that show. Okay, maybe I'll take some of their vaccines. Let's see how this works. Propaganda 101. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. If you're in the audience and all of a sudden you're looking to take a Viagra, it's because you just saw the logo for Viagra a whole bunch of times, but the, you, you think it's a Pfizer logo, but really, isn't that the same 
is, don't they have a little blue pill that they sell? Isn't that just like the logo? Or am I misremembering my biopharmaceutical cartel companies? No idea. Not gonna, I'm glad that none not of us has to know on that one. what a Viagra looks like. I know yeah, they exist. That's uh, one I think thing I haven't had to educate myself on recently. They used to have an ad recently. campaign, Little Blue Pill. Luckily. I think it's right. This, the logo for Pfizer is like the big dick pill. That's what. Anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure they have an ED pill. I mean, it's Pfizer. ED, you got abbreviations for it. You're advanced. All right. We're moving <laughs> on to the next uh, section. <clears throat> we're into vaccines, lockdowns, and therapeutics now. And uh, let's see. Joe Rogan. He threatening Sanjay Gupta? Is he going to choke him out? What's this story all about? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, well, yeah. Oh, it's freedom, we have the freedom tunes. tunes. So, we're, you know, sort oh, of a nice little introduction. It's a shameless video. Okay. Uh, into this whole, you know, yeah. they doubled or tripled down this week. See, or CNN did. That's like a triple dog dare. Usually it doesn't. It's a triple dog well. dare. And, you know, yeah. Joe Rogan had a very eloquent, I think Don Lamont is just trying to get on the Joe Rogan's show. I'm just calling it out. Because that's the only way he's ever. You mean you tell me there. he's jealous? He might be. He might have a crush. A little, little jelly. All right. So uh, go ahead. Let's let's roll this clip. Uh, Seamus Freedom Tunes, and let's see what I'm we. Because sure. I haven't seen this one yet. I'm interested it's too. Funny. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied? <laughs> <laughs> about me taking horse dewormer that's that's a lie that they're conscious of it's not a mistake they're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying and now's the part of the episode where i get to say you dumb motherfucker I'm, I'm quoting from a headline. Are oh, you Tarantino? Yeah. Tarantino? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you dumb motherfucker. Joe Rogan responds to Don Lamont. This is breaking points with Crystal and Sager who think that Ivermectin doesn't have 67 meta studies to show it's COVID applicable. Let's go to them now. You see how I did that? Okay, let's go ahead and uh, move on. This is our, our fun segment. We always believe save the fun ones for the end. Uh, Joe Rogan, we're listening to his late, latest episode with Michael Malice, and I'll try to make this as serious as possible. We discussed previously how Don Lemon um, dragged Dr. Sanjay Gupta on his show and publicly flogged him, saying, no, 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 Sanjay, we did not lie here on this program. We did not lie. It's not a lie to call ivermectin a horse dewormer. You know, it is used in some veterinary capacity. Capacity. That's basically like saying anything that pets also take is a pet medicine. And I think we all know what's going on there. I thought it was a very, very ridiculous move for them to have Sanjay Gupta on, basically kind of publicly confront him, try to make him make him apologize, essentially, for saying that CNN. Well, and when he had started to actually explain Joe's view, cut him off. Don Lemon right. cuts him off so that he can't possibly even explain, like, well, here's the reality and yeah. here's what might have been well, wrong I think, on our network. So Joe responded um, to Don Lemon in, in the eloquent only way that Rogan can. Let's take a listen to what he said. Now, I do not know what the motivation for demonizing this, this particular medication is. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. But I would imagine some of it has to do with money. The reason being is that it is a generic drug now. They've, the patent has run out. So anybody can make it. And it's worth like 30 cents a dose. Now, Merck 
has its own antiviral that's supposed to do the same thing that they claim ivermectin does, as does Pfizer. They're both about to release it. I don't know if that's why the FDA is making snarky tweets about it being veterinary medicine, but I do know that it was used for humans for fucking years yeah. before they ever started using it for animals. And I also do know that there is a massive amount of medications that have veterinary applications, including well, penicillin. Well, Joe, it's like me calling Child Protective Services because my neighbor was feeding her baby cat food. And by cat food, I mean milk. Yeah. It, right. it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's insane. Like, it's insane. Uh, dogs take Xanax and all, all yes. these other things. So it, it's, Wait a minute. Dogs take Xanax? Yeah. People have like anxiety-ridden dogs. Of course, I get guarantees. The Alchie's dogs or, are yeah, anxiety-ridden. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, come yeah. over to my house. My dog just lays. I know. Down, I met your. I met Marshall. Yeah, yeah, he's a sweet. He doesn't need Xanax because he's fucking. He's a dog. He's, he's chill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, some people get rescue dogs. I should take that back because sure. I, I did have a dog that had anxiety because I got her when she was two. Or maybe little... it's an older dog gets a puppy and the dog doesn't know what to do. Yeah, there there's situations. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could they yeah. think they're yeah. That um, but. I don't think it's necessarily about the money so much. It's it's about obedience because mm -hmm. they're the ones who are promulgating how everyone has to act. And then you have this guy from Austin over here, this comedian, uh, telling people there was another way and the science isn't as settled. And all of a sudden, their sense of authority is diminished because when you have choices, that means that person who wants to be the one to go to no longer is the one who has all the answers. Well, this is what is so funny about that. They don't understand that when they say things that are absolutely untrue, it diminishes their authority. They, they, they're not even aware of what they're doing. Like they don't have an alternative. When Don Lemon goes on with lie? Sanjay yep. Gooper, Gupta and says, actually, it really is a veterinary medicine. It really no, is but that's deworming not what, this horses. Is, this was the lie. He goes, it's not a lie to say it's also used as horse medicine. Goes, that's not what you said. Yeah, that's not what you said. You didn't say yeah. this drug, which also is used for horses. <clears throat> of, of what relevance is that? It doesn't have any relevance. Is that exactly what you're talking about with penicillin right. and, and with like a, a gigantic number of medicines that also have veterinary applications. But by doing that, you just you just prove my point. They, they don't even understand what they just did. You, you think no one's, like it's gonna end with you? See, because it used to be that way. They would say something and no one would have recourse. Do you know what this but is? But when you're yeah. saying something, and it, then the person you're saying it about has literally 10 times the audience you do. You dumb motherfucker. Do you know what you did? You just proved my point. <laughs> I know we had to include the uh, the dog thing in there. It was just funny, but I wanted to make sure everybody got you know the first part of what he was talking about, and then the actual response there with Lemon. It is a great point, um, exactly the one that we made here, which is look in the distribution age of the internet, and especially in the age where Don Lemon gets like four hundred thousand people in the key, four hundred thousand people overall in the key demo. What is it? Probably like a hundred k. Just by the way, if we were getting that, we would both be on the street. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives you an idea of how much of a joke the actual viewership for these programs is. But as he's pointing to, when you have 10 times the audience, you can't say things which are not just lies, but whenever you try to cover up what you're saying, whenever you try in order to apologize or, or sorry, to fudge the facts in a certain way and say, no, 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 we didn't actually do this way. We have the internet now. There's not, not even just this show. I mean, we're bigger than Don Lemon, but you know, Rogan is many or more orders of magnitude larger than us. He can respond and to show and point out exactly what. And when you have enough people who are invested, which they clearly 
clearly are, then it's just meaningless. You know, it really is. Like, Don Lemon still thinks it's 2002, and you can lie about the Iraq war with impunity and still survive. But They're in a bubble. You know, it's, a, it's a whole new world out here, Don. They're in a bubble. First, let me say about ivermectin, just to get all the caveats oh, right. out there. It is at best unproven and at worst doesn't work. There is not evidence to support the idea that it is an effective treatment for COVID-19. So let's just put that out there. But all of his points about it being weirdly demonized, I also thought were really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I thought his guests made a good point there about, you know, sometimes it's not as simple as just, oh, it's about the money. It's also about power. So the fact that you had people saying, you know, maybe there's a different route to take and and questioning the official line, that causes a reaction above and beyond just being able to say, oh, look, guys, here's the data. Here's what we found. You know, there are trials. on It does work for river blindness and these other things, but we haven't found that it's worked here. And here's the, you know, the trials that are ongoing and keep we'll keep you abreast of the data. No, there has to be this whole, like, freak out and, um, labeling it as horse dewormer exclusively. Right. And yes, it has veterinary applications as well. So do a lot of other drugs. And yes, by the way, there also were people that went out because there was no ivermectin available to them and got the horse version. And you should not do that, guys. It's not a good idea to do that. Yeah. But that is not what Joe Rogan did. And yeah, so his doctor prescribed it. Yeah. Like, he's like, I can afford people medication, yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, that is not what Joe Rogan did. And when you say that that is what Joe Rogan did, that's called a lie. Um, so there's a lot there. I also think on the media piece, it is funny because they're in this bubble where it's not just that they um, look down their nose at Rogan or at us. Like, I really genuinely think that they don't understand. No, they don't understand That there's a world outside of cable news. Correct. That exists and is also much larger Mm -hmm. than what they're at this point pathetically small audiences ultimately are. They don't have the control over the information and over the culture that they once did. And I don't think that there's been an adjustment to recognize that reality. I thought one of the most telling things in the exchange between Don Lemon and Sanjay Gupta is he Lemon started off that exchange by saying, I know that interview was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Right. It's like, why would you say that? Yeah. Why do you, in an attempt to just diminish the whole thing, like, I know you just did this as some stupid lark well, yeah, on this like, irrelevant what podcast. Your, what makes your interview not tongue-in-cheek? It's actually far more tongue-in-cheek in my mind. It's basically fake. You're well, both in weird boxes. Right, really up there it's for three much minutes. shorter yeah. versus, like, contrast that to the three-hour-long conversation that they had, Mm -hmm. uh, Sanjay and Joe, going back and forth on the data and that, what about this study? What about this instance? Let's look it up right now and let's talk about it and let's go through it. That was a much less tongue-in-cheek and much more serious attempt to get at the truth and help people weigh where their risks were and what their, you know, what is the right decision for themselves and their families and their lives than anything that you've seen ultimately on CNN. But I thought that very dismissive comment at the beginning from Lemon kind of said it all about how clueless they are about their role at this point in the media ecosystem and about the fact that, yeah, if you say something that's just not true, 
that doesn't, to Joe's point, that doesn't improve your credibility. That doesn't help you make your point. That undermines your credibility, not just on this, but on every other news story. He said it very well to Sanjay, too. He's like, do you understand how when people see that and then they see what's happening in Syria, they go, I don't know about that. Or with Hunter Biden, he goes, how can I trust what you're saying on a variety of other subjects whenever I know that you lied about me and many other people know that you lied about me? And that's why, look, the flashpoint around this is very useful in pointing out why do people have all-time low trust in media? Or, I'm sorry, second all-time low, actually, according to the latest Gallup data. I went and I looked and relished. The Financial Times did a piece. I mean, all three of the cable networks are already back down to their 2015 levels of ratings. And it's wow. just going to continue to crash, crash, crash. Wow. And what did we cover earlier in the show? The Trump social media network, which may means he's not running again, they're screwed. If it's Biden versus like even like Ron DeSantis, you know, good, good luck, okay, in terms of trying to get people to pay attention the way that they did under Trump. Trump was the greatest thing that ever happened to them. He saved them for about five years. But without him, they're dead, all of them. And, you know, like I said, Trump social media, uh, Trump's media network, that's going to cannibalize Fox. Um, for the other ones, I mean, they're just slowly losing out to the Internet. Our show is already many, many multiples uh, bigger than what the key audience demographics are for these mainstream media channels on their cables. And there's people who are way bigger than us. So when you consider all of that, their days are numbered. But I sh we shouldn't exaggerate on one thing. They still have a stranglehold on power. Right, like yes. the people in power think that they matter, so they do matter, even if nobody watches. Elites it. are still in the same bubble that Don Lemon is exactly. in. They still right. imagine. That's why he doesn't care. They right. still imagine that they have the cachet and have the audience levels and have the hold on the culture that they once did. So because it's this elite group, it's actually interesting. This is the whole Morning Joe um, strategy yeah. was not to get the highest ratings. Which they don't. But to pitch yeah. to an elite audience and to become influential that way. It's and, true. And it worked. When I walk down my street in the morning, like 6 a.m. or something like that, I all I see are, are Morning Joe TVs on in people's living rooms. Yeah. It's fast. And everybody around me works in politics on the Hill or like whatever. And I know that's not the case for most people. Uh, it's like, and I, but it's always, a, it's always interesting to me. I'm like, oh, this is what they watch. Like, yeah. this is how they get their media. CNBC, yeah. it's the same strategy. Same thing. Very low ratings. Like, yeah. not a lot of people have CNBC on in the background all day. I had to stop when he was talking about Morning Joe. Is he talking about Joe Scarborough, the congressman who had a suspicious dead woman in, in his offices and had to stop being a congressman and then became a news giver in the morning? I think that's, I think that's what they're talking that, about. Morning yeah, Joe? Yeah, you think that... <laughs> It's an interesting episode to leave with, but I'm just saying, Morning Joe. That's what I think of Scarborough and uh, Zabig Brzezinski's daughter that he married, didn't he? Didn't he marry Mika Brzezinski? Isn't that a thing? I mean, I yeah. don't really keep up on these things, but somehow it infects my brain anyway. It's like osmosis from the outside world. I'm not focused on it, but I can pick up a, and glean what these people are up to. Yeah, Scarborough. He's he's got a sketchy type of history. If you're not familiar with that story, you should check out the dead intern or the dead. Uh, aid to the congressman in his office and found in the park or something like that. Uh, but let's not get distracted with Morning Joe and them watching Morning Joe in the morning in that neighborhood. Uh, we heard about Bubbles, Tongues and Cheeks, and Don Lamont. Not surprising. His take on a three-hour conversation between Sanjay and Joe Rogan would be taken as something that wasn't really serious. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how he got that. I think that's the unique thing that Don Lamont brings to the table is that only he could frame the situation that way. 
and uh, have Tom by the pay in the big bucks on his mind. Yeah, that's why I do. They pay him a big bucks, and he's there defending CNN because during the interview, legally, Sanjay kind of said his employer lied, right? And if you don't think Joe Rogan might be suing CNN, and that might be exhibit number two or three in the process, right? And Don Lamont was told. You get Sanjay on the show. And then after the first Those time, they're like, that's face. not good enough. And then the lawyers at CNN right. is like, get him on a third time, triple down on this. And they're trying to set it up. Yeah, I don't know so if Sanjay is really going to play ball. He might be able to go out on his own and leave him behind. He could, you know, uh, that might be the only chance on this to save his bit. integrity. All right. So that would clip. be quite an integrity saver, though. If you were to do that, would be pretty. He's changed his perspective substantially in, in the past on things like cannabis and, and you know. I know. So yeah, that's why he, I, he does like, show I, that he I, has I find the, it interesting to consider that as a hypothetical, you know. We're saying he might still have a soul and have the ability to learn maybe and improve his direction. We'll see. We'll check it out. We will uh, see. Uh, we, the next clip is a short clip. It's uh, Joe Rogan accuses Google of hiding information on vaccine deaths. Now, I'm incredulous at that claim, but I do think we should investigate it just in case it's true. So let's check it out. Google would never hide anything because that would be evil. And Google said to me a million times, we're not evil. Or maybe they were telling us not to be evil, right? They, they did. Didn't they have a phrase they're saying that said, don't to be us, evil? don't be evil, but they, they're, they're allowed us. to be evil. I believe yeah, that's how it kind of works. Plan. Yeah. You know? Observation. All right, it's let's... just a prescription for the, you know, us masses. And yeah, uh, let's see what this quote's all about. We'll have it in frame and focus. <laughs> It's one of the reasons why I stopped using Google to search things too. <laughs> they're doing they're doing something to curate information where like if I wanted to find specific cases about people who died from vaccine uh, related injuries, I had to go to DuckDuckGo. I yeah. wasn't I wasn't finding them on Google. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, this is crazy. Like yes. you you guys are hiding information. I'm looking for very specific people in very specific cases and I'm getting CDC websites and I'm getting, you know, uh, articles on the, the the disinformation attached to to vaccines and vaccines being safe and effective, which for the most part they are just like peanuts are safe and effective for the most part. Well, well you know? I mean Peanuts That's, are safe and effective for the most part, unless you're allergic to them, right, Joe? That's the point he's making. So let's talk about what he's thinking here. Curating reality is what Google does. It's not a search engine, you naive internet user. It's a hiding algorithm. It's there to define and curate your reality according to their needs, not according to the, your searches. And um, they hide things pretty usefully. Like you can know it exists and know what to search for and it'll still not show it to you. That's pretty advanced. Especially as of they recent. They had to break it. Right. I mean, it's become more and more pernicious. Uh, I'd say a couple of years ago, five, certainly 10 years ago, it was pretty easy to search for almost anything you wanted and get the results that you actually wanted if you know how to use the search engine properly. Nowadays, it's nearly impossible. And you know, to that effect, the way back machine type engines out there that are preserving and snapshotting the internet, so to speak. Sometimes they're also being scrubbed. So you almost have to double snapshot certain information. I mean, it's uh, really Orwellian at this point. Um, they're as conspicuous as I've ever seen it before in my entire life. In, in addition to hiding information, it can just redirect what you're searching for and say, we know you're looking for this thing, but here's this other thing we actually want you to think in its place. Curating that reality. Yeah, if you As search for Grand Theft World, they might point you towards CDC or FDA or the White House or, you know, they're like, Did don't, you mean don't, yeah. Grand Theft Auto? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you got that? 
This ain't Grand Theft Auto, folks. I'm curious now. Uh, this isn't Grand Theft Auto, Auto, folks. This isn't a video game. <laughs> there you That's go. Right. It's not a video game. Uh, we had Alex on a delay. That was the problem. We have him. <laughs> we keep him in a little can and we, we have to open it. Alex is like our genie. You know, you just rub the, the rub the bottle. <laughs> genie in a bottle. Alex in a can. Same hey, before thing. we close out, uh, Rogan versus Gupta. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's cut to Goopa. that. Eight, that Gooper. <laughs> Sanjay Gooper. pooped a lot Super. on that interview. Gooper, uh, pooper. Let's go to the eight-minute Stephen Crowder summation because I have a feeling there might be some interesting commentary in his. Oh, okay. This is about from last week, but he did it on you know because he does a Monday through Thursday, so this is covering. Covering, I think this Monday, him covering what happened last week, but I'm sure there is some funny. He always picks up on something that. Yeah, it was. Uh, so. It was it's a the last one, clip. I believe, on there, right? No, it's the red one right above the one we just covered. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. The red. Yeah, one. yeah. Rogan confronts cowardly CNN doctor Sanjay Gupta, Stephen Crowder. So, uh, CNN lied about Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Sanjay Gupta was confronted. We're going to show you if it seems like it's a little bit long. You need to see how many times Sanjay Gupta had the ability to be truthful and how he avoided. He obfuscated, weaseled out, and then immediately uh, switched direction when going on CNN, as well as he wrote an op-ed that no one will read, of course, because it was written by Sanjay Gupta at CNN. The timeline <laughs> That's true. really matters here. Uh, so let's first show... For context, last month, CNN went after Joe Rogan yeah. uh, while he was taking ivermectin along with other therapies when he had COVID, got over it within three days. Some would say that's a success story. Uh, they were accusing him of taking, quote, horse dewormer for weeks. Here you go. Joe Rogan just announced that he's tested positive for coronavirus. Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. One of those drugs he mentioned, ivermectin, is something more often used to deworm horses. Nope, wrong. CDC says there's no evidence it works on COVID. Its increased usage has only led to a substantial increase in overdoses after a push by some on the wrong. far right. Not true. Seeding vaccine misinformation. When you have a horse deworming medication that's discouraged by the government, that actually causes some people in this crazed environment we're in to actually want to try it. That's the upside down where we're in with figures like Joe Rogan. <laughs> so that was all the horse dewormer you see it. They were very clearly implying that it was yeah. only horse dewormer that was used as a, ma- a majority right. of the time as a horse dewormer. Also false. You're talking that's about billions true. of prescriptions that have been given out. Hundreds of millions each year, yeah. just to be clear. Uh, here is Gupta. On And you've seen this, but I want to show you the timeline so you can understand the danger of cowardice. May seem like a nice guy. Not a guy you can trust. Here's Gupta on with Rogan when he was actually confronted. Feet to the fire. Calling it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing. I get that. It's a lie. It's a lie (laughs) on a news network. And it's a lie that's a willing... That's that's a lie that they're conscious of. They said Cyprus you are not a horse, you are not a cow. Stop taking this stuff or something like that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people? A drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel the, Prize, the Nobel Prize in 2015. 15, yeah, yeah, no, a, a drug well, that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie? And say that's horse dewormer. I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You got this it with right you. here. Somebody gave it to me. All right, hang on. I, I, do see, you, the, the thing is, we're, we're, we're like going so fast. Like, I feel like uh, I'm missing, it's going pretty I'm slow here. I want yeah. to, it's a problem that your news network it was not, lies. 
Well, I don't. I don't. Dude, what did they say? They lied what and they said say? I was taking horse mean? dewormer. Ivermectin can be a very effective medication for parasitic disease, and as you say, it's probably you know I think what a quarter billion people have taken it around the world. More, I get that. Way more. So way but, more. Can, Billions can, of people have taken it. Can I just come back to the one? I want to talk about I, two, <laughs> no, no, two, no, no, two no, things no. on you the have, to, you have Before <laughs> we get to that, does it bother you that the news network you work for? out and out lied well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer they, they they shouldn't have said that why did they do that i don't know you didn't ask you i didn't think that was your, did, you're the medical guy over there I, it's I, defamatory it, it is it is uh yeah they shouldn't have done that it's I get, defamatory right well i don't know if it's defamatory i bet it is <laughs> I he bet like, you it is. Guess what? He knows that it is. I know. And he calls him a couple times. He's like, billions. Many, many, many yeah. more. Dude. <laughs> and, like, dude, come, come on. on. Look, look. And the issue wasn't whether ivermectin is 100% of proven effective in humans. That wasn't the point. The point was they said Joe Rogan was taking horse dewormer. Why? And this is why a lot of people think that it's more, more effective than maybe it is. I think that the uh, if you look at the clinical data, it looks promising. But the more people lie about it and say horse dewormer, people know who get a prescription from their doctor say, oh, well, that's a lie. Now I'm not going to believe anything that CNN says. Yeah. Uh, here is now Sanjay Gupta on CNN after this changing his mm -hmm. tune. So it is not a lie to say that the drug is used as a horse dewormer. I, I, I think that's important. And it is not <laughs> a dewer lemon for COVID. <laughs> Correct. That's right. That's correct. It, it, it is not approved for COVID. Now, I think what, what Joe's point that is... It has been approved for humans, and, but not necessarily for COVID, right? Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> it's, been, it's been used for a parasitic disease for something. It's called river blindness, and it's been very effective for that. But, you know, just because it works for one thing doesn't mean it works for something else. Right. No one is saying that that means it works for something else. However, no. we, we use prescriptions off-label all the time, and in many ways they're more effective than the reason they were created in the first place. There are anti-seizure medications that are yeah. then used as uh, anti-spasm medications. You have medications that are created out there as antidepressants that end up working for nerve pain. For crying, This isn't something new. Now, here's something even funnier. <laughs> Gupta was clearly, look, what a, can I, oh yeah, I'm not on YouTube, what a pussy, this is what matters, so this is the kind of people who are in your media, I'm going to go to Overlay A2, uh, Tokenau, and I'll go back to the others, he uh, published an article trying to make Rogan sound physically scary as well as unintelligent, so he wrote, that's what bothered me, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, it was just, the, that's what really bothered me, what do you think, he was going to attack you on his <laughs> yeah, show, right, just start hitting you, you had every oh, opportunity to stand up for yourself, he's holding me accountable, yeah, right, I can't believe, part of me thought the MS MMA, a former Taekwondo champion, might hurdle himself across the table and throttle my neck and with good reason. But instead, he <laughs> smiled and off we went. Well, that seems like he's pleasant. Joe took great pride in his test, insisting the thickness of his lines must mean stronger immunity. Where he's talking about the antibody yeah. lines. He was joking, just to be clear. <laughs> he was joking. I am fairly certain he was joking. Good! Okay, yeah. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that my antibody line was significantly thicker than his oh, anyways. Well, good okay. for you, Taj Mahals. Let's just be clear, too. This is the same dishonest, this journalist tactic. Remember the New York Times? They, uh... Said that Officer Sicknick at the Capitol. Yeah. He was killed by being bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Well, it turns out that's not the case. Well, then they don't cover it. No. Yeah. They issue a, re a retraction on page 74. Right. 
Remember that? Remember the Tom Cotton debunked lab theory? Oh, he yeah. he didn't get killed by a fire extinguisher. He went home, walked home, said he was fine to his family, went into his room, and he had a stroke. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, but they said now. In other words, maybe the stress didn't help from the day. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Or, but he wasn't beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. No. Very very different. Then the media just moves on. Remember Tom Cotton? They just went after him. Said he was a racist for the yeah. lab leak theory. Yeah. Right. Then they also tried to ghost John Stewart for suggesting it was a la- it was a theory it was racist and then when they find out they just go ooh we'll uh, we'll we'll just move on same thing with Nick Sandman this is a racist this is what's wrong with America they almost destroyed a kid's life yeah and the only reason these issues are corrected is because of people like Joe Rogan and because of programs like this and that's why we are currently suspended on YouTube hey. Want to bet they're not going to cover female inmates getting pregnant in prisons on CNN? Want to bet they're not going to cover the Loudoun County situation where girls were serial raped at CNN? But they want to remove the outlets that do. And when Sanjay Gupta was faced with that outlet, when he went on that outlet, and I remember him saying, I've never had a three-hour conversation with anyone in my life. Then you've lived an asshole's life. Do you understand that? <laughs> then you are the problem if you only learn how to speak in sound bites. You haven't learned how to interact with human beings. And you and your producers over there, okay, Zucker and Griffin at M- uh, MSNBC, and yes, the folks at Fox News who said change my mind would never work because it had to be sound bites. You are the reason for the divisiveness in the media. Don't blame the people who are fighting back there he said it so we didn't have to (laughs) all right i'm going to read a couple headlines here uh southwest delta airlines back down from vaccine mandates that's crystal and sager uh zero hedge has a story more than 180 san francisco city officials including police and sheriff's employees placed on leave for not being vaccinated and then the next one is the one i want to go to uh, the video, the cop who told Democratic governor to kiss my ass says Vax mandates have w- awoken a sleeping giant. I haven't seen this met this yet. It's a six minute clip. It's a whole I have a whole bunch here on the show card of just people protesting this week since many of those mandates are going well. Take this job and shove it. That was Johnny Paycheck back in the day. I do believe in a certain way. To- Let's see how this guy says it. We're yeah, talking about the cop world. The cop yeah, the yeah, cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah Is there one. a couple in there? Yeah, it's a cop. No, one. I got it. I got it. Got it. He's like, which cop? <laughs> Told the governor. Pacific Northwest vaccine mandates in Washington state just kicked in, and already people are being forced out of their jobs. Among those are dozens of Seattle police officers and firefighters. Now, you can see them here climbing the steps of City Hall today to turn in their boots. Also among the unvaxxed and unemployed are 127 Washington state patrol employees, including my next guest, Trooper Robert LeMay. This is my final sign off. Um, After 22 years of serving the citizens of the state of Washington, I'm being asked to leave because I am dirty. State 1034, this is the last time you'll hear me in a state patrol car. And Jay Ansley can kiss me. Robert LeMay joins me now. Robert, now, it's fine for you to be out there patrolling unvaccinated for the last 19 months. But now yes. I guess you're just not wanted, not needed, not wanted. How does that feel? Well, it feels pretty bad. The problem is, is they uh, they awoken a sleeping giant. Um, I've had so many contacts. Um, I, I'm not a social media type guy, so my kids have been helping me out. And they're like, you're getting two million hits here. You're getting I've had contacts from Great Britain 
I guess I'm in Russian paperwork. I mean, it, it's insane. It's going across the state and across the world. Um, it's been unlimited talk shows. Um, I've been on talk shows pretty much solid since two o'clock yesterday, and I could do a ton more if they if I had the time of day. It, it's just a mess. Now, Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin defended this vaccine mandate this way. <laughs> what we want as a city is we want to have our valued employees, but we need for public health for them to be vaccinated. The people of Seattle, when they dial 911, they want to know the person who's responding to that emergency is fully vaccinated. The people of Seattle need to know that that person is fully vaccinated and least likely to transmit COVID to them or their loved ones. Robert, your reaction to that? Well, I happen to be sitting in downtown Seattle right now. I haven't seen a patrol car all day. Um, I'd say the same for us. What about all the homeless people? They've allowed on the roadways to walk around and just do crazy things and violence. I don't see them wearing masks or getting vaccinated. It's it's ridiculous. It's a control thing. I mean, Jansley is a big uh, opponent of this, as everybody knows. Um, same thing. I mean, we tried religious exemptions. We tried everything legally we could possibly do. He even They even fired our senior chaplain. His only job is to pray and help people, and they fired him. So it's not just a me thing. It's not just, you know, a chaplain thing. It's a we thing. I mean, I do as a job site today talking to guys, electricians, union carpenters. I mean, everybody is pissed off. And from the amount of turnout for something as small that I did, um, I, I guess it was started a catalyst. I mean, I'm getting... Um, people of higher ranks, uh, um, military people that are forwarding this, um, state senators well, I'm hearing. Um, go ahead. Yeah, well, the, in, tonight the Supreme Court declined to hear a case involving a vaccine mandate challenge filed by Maine healthcare workers. And now it's not a ruling on the merits. They just at this juncture, uh, one justice, Justice Breyer, declined to hear the case. So as of now, no court relief for people like you. Uh, at the highest level, at least, uh, for these vaccine mandates. Where is this going to leave, in your view, uh, Robert, police forces across the country, hospitals across the country, because they brag about, oh, we have 96 percent compliance. We have 99 percent compliance. Um, as Southwest Airlines says, we're not going to do the vax mandate, mandate today. Well, congratulations to them. And there's a lot of fire services that aren't doing it to you in the state of Washington. Um, pretty much all the sheriffs, except for King County, because that person was appointed instead of elected, um, they're not doing it either. So they're pretty frustrated in the state of Washington, from understanding. Jay Inslee's pretty torqued off. I know my chief is, who's pushing for this just as much. And it's really sad. I mean, we, we're losing a lot of officers. But the question they're really not asking to these officers are the ones that are vaccinated, are they still leaving? And I can tell you, those numbers are extreme. Um, the troopers that actually left today, the final number we got was 74 troopers. Well, okay. When I actually talk to the people, there's a lot more that just retired. Um, we have guys that just flat quit before they had to be fired. So there's another number. And then the hundreds of people that have been vaccinated just lost faith in this state and in the Washington State Patrol. So Seattle PD guys, the same way. Um, this is ferry systems. This is DOT. I mean, this goes on and on and on. It's ridiculous. Well, last time I checked, they weren't really worried about the vaccination status at the border when we had you know, tens of thousands of people waved in in one, uh, you know, a two-week period. So they don't, they don't seem too concerned about that, Robert. No. Uh, what's next for you, other than being a celebrity now? What's next for you? You know, so I'm overwhelmed. Um, I really am. I, I'm a pretty private person. Um, 
And um, my son's in the military and I'm like, son, this is what's happened. He goes, all right, dad, I'm going black. Um, so it, it's, we're just trying to put our feet on the ground. I mean, it's funny. We were, we're very religious people and we prayed about all this. It's we're, when this kind of first started, you know, Lord, what do you want us to do? And what's our path? And um, we've had applications out of state and all types of stuff, but Lord never really pointed us to one point. So we said, okay, maybe mm -hmm. this is the fight. Well, then that came out and it went viral. And I'm like, okay, this is where you want us to do right now. So I'm the spokesperson for thousands and thousands. I even say millions of people. I think there's 2 million people that have actually viewed it. Um, it's been 99% positive from everybody. Um, wow. I think this is my path right now. Um, there's a lot of job offers that I'm getting phenomenal job offers. All right. Well, um, a, I'm just a sleeping to... giant. Yeah. We may be yeah, a, yes, sleep, a sleeping giant. So we hope that that's what's happened here. We've awakened it slowly, but surely Robert, um, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Now speaking. And we probably have 20 more stories like that. Police unions, uh, Italian senator for uh, suspended for not showing vaccine pass passport. New York City's largest police union sues over COVID vaccine mandate. Biden says cops and other first responders should be fired for not getting the vaccine and mocks people who use freedom as a defense for oh wow. Let, let's check out Biden's town hall for a minute. Uh, Hunter Biden's dad went and stood in a room with some pre-selected, pre-vaccinated, pre-vetted people and questions, and they conducted a a stage theater for a limited audience. They filmed it for our benefit. Do we have a clip from that session, which I'm sure was a remarkable encounter? I do somewhere in the show card, but if LD, if you just want to find like this, some general coverage of that, we can maybe bring up the article. Yeah. Yeah. The Daily the, Mail article. I don't know if it has a, yeah, yeah, it, does. I mean, it has can, short clips. So it's right there in, in, okay. in the red. There. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Biden says cops and other first responders should. There it is. President Biden unleashed his anger at people refusing vaccination on Thursday. During a CNN town hall, he said it was right that the emergency responders were fired if they would not get vaccinated against COVID-19. He also ridiculed people who said mandates infringed their freedom. Quote, I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. Come on, end quote. Come on, he said. Come on, man. Come on. Earlier, he faced a grilling over his massive social spending proposals, and he offered the broadest update yet on what he's willing to give up in order to win over centrists who have deadlocked his legislation or legislative agenda. So let's see here. Yeah, there actually, LD, if you want to bring this up, I think there's a. It's ironic too because he's yeah, saying there's you some don't videos have the here to kill people, in, uh, but clearly he does in this article. That'll probably. What's up? Well, he says you know you don't have the right to kill people. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but he kills people all the time. Maybe not. Maybe there are. It's a mass murder trying to insulate his monopoly. <laughs> it's like a flag in the wind, you know, whichever one's blowing the most money. That blue blows. one right there, is that a video clip? Because I, no, I guess they're all like pictures. They're just here, showing like different elements. I have a good one right here. Yeah, one? Uh, short yeah. and sweet. <laughs> leave the military as, as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like chicago los angeles right here in baltimore are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates i'm wondering where you stand on that should police officers emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines and if not should they be stay at home or let go yes and yes 
by the way, by the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working. All the stuff about people leaving and people getting it, you have you have everyone from United Airlines to Spirit, all these airlines, we're not going to get all 96, 97% of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated, not true. You got about a 90-some percent vaccination rate. I mean, so there's a, the idea is that, uh, look, the two things that concern me, one are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on. Freedom. Number one. Number two, the second one is that, uh, you know, the, the gross misinformation that's out there. All right. All right. Let me just let me have at it for a second because I can punch up. He's the president. Yeah, we're sitting <laughs> back here. making fun. He yeah. mocked it and people laughed there. I don't think that was laugh track. I think people in the room actually laughed when he's like, oh, come on. You have the right to kill people with your COVID. Get out of here. Right. That, that whole sort of thing. First off, uh, what's the death rate for average? You know, what's it's like less than a percent. Right. It's like a point two five percent. Nine nine point nine nine seven for zero to nineteen years old. Yeah, I have it. Right. Okay. So if 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 I had COVID and I'm not vaccinated and you're vaccinated and it can't really kill you anyway, percentage wise. Correct. How much? Like, there's no evidence of causality there, and yet he just makes it a thing. Like you're murdering people. That's imagination. That's a divergence from reality, and people should notice that in an executive leader. It's an He's argument talking about something that doesn't exist. It's an argument that it's a straw man. It doesn't exist. Sure. It's, it's made it's probably the one that's like used the man. most, though, to say to take away people's individual rights. Like you don't, you don't have the right to infect other people. Is it's an injection that-, that people don't have informed consent for. It's a gene therapy. That's not what they're consenting to anyway. Uh, and it's 3% effective according to Johnson and Johnson after like three months or whatever. So right. you're, you're ruining people's lives because they won't take a synthetic chemical pathogen producing experimental injection. That's 3% effective at best against something that's only 0.25% deadly. <laughs> so his argument makes no sense. He's clearly intellectually bankrupt. And I Either would say way, that intellectually bankrupt people tend to resort to violence. So when he's talking about killing people, he does have the right to do that to just deep six people they they snatch and rendition and imprison people all the time he was an expert at that during the obama administration and his boss obama bragged that he's really good at killing people serial killers hanging out sharing their their whispers that's true it's a pretty scary thing when they get together and share plans you know yeah this doesn't seem to work out that great but that argument's it's a it's a very it's a sort of tired bromide or cliche because it's oftentimes thrown around but even if this was a disease that was much more transmissible and much more deadly it still wouldn't be enough of an argument to take away an individual's right to choose how they go about conducting their lives people left to their own devices when you give people the ability to make their own rational choices will choose most likely to find the way that best suits them and their family to survive mm-hmm. um you know, left to their own devices. But uh, when they in- infantilize by telling us our overlords, our political overlords, our corporate overlords, and those that are unelected rulers is 
we oftentimes state on this show, um, when they dictate to us as though we're little children and we follow along with that, then yeah, we really don't think about it at all. And, uh, you know, it's, a, this is the importance of preserving individual rights, individual freedom is that it also preserves uh, responsibility for individual choice as well. And it makes people actually engage with that sort of volitional, autonomous and responsible portion of them, which we call consciousness or our conscience. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I just don't ever feel like that argument could ever really be used. I heard Brett Weinstein once say, in really deadly situations, maybe the government could come in. I'm like, no, this, you give, you give a little bit of that slippery slope and you can see how quickly it uh, leads to tyranny. It's uh, better to give the individual the, the, the choice as to whether or not they're going to engage with society, depending on the threat risk of a, a thousand different things that we engage with daily. And we see this figurehead of this control structure uh, joking with freedom, like misrepresenting it too. Like, yes, that choice is our choice, but here they're bringing freedom up in the only light, like anybody that believes in freedom is following this track against our narrative that makes it evil. And thus, you know, it sucks that that's happening, but it's also a pretty good case for freedom if that's the best they got. Yeah, he's, he's saying that people who believe in freedom are some part of uh, a part of some silent, sneaky killer. That he has no evidence for and that's an empty claim i'm sure it's on been, garland's list somewhere should have been dismissed about. as arbitrary some <laughs> some point along that way all right this next clip we have up is uh it's it's what a tyrant looks like it's it's a portrait of a tyrant let's check it out from the twitter oh sorry rich that, that's the one we just played oh right on cool <laughs> then uh our next clip <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about great uh, saxophone players earlier today with the question answering the students, and we were talking about music because one of the students was playing, and we talked about Jerry Mulligan, and I'm going to take my Jerry Mulligan right now and do it again. Uh, We're talking about the destruction of dissent. It's the inverse of manufacturing consent. So there's a a theme. I think Chomsky had the book on manufacturing consent, right, back in the day? Yeah. They're doing the inverse of that. Let's check in with Brett and Heather of the Dark Horsey podcast. It's like a hobby horse. A horse. You put it in darkness. a quarter. You put it in a quarter, and it goes around for eight minutes, and then you get off and move on sword with the hanging over it. It does have a sword of Damocles. Yes, mm-hmm. it's, it's proprietary. All right, so <laughs> let's 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 check in in the uh, the room where they There's have a lot the of sink. other fun things there too. Sorry, check in with Brett's sink let's in the see. background. Yeah, another rocking chat. He likes to wash his hands. We'll enjoy that. An Australian paper, the Courier Mail, uh, I'm not sure, I think it may be Brisbane, although I'm not actually positive where in Australia it's coming out of. The headline, this is from six days ago, the headline is, Don't Freak Out, Catching COVID After You Are Vaccinated Improves Immunity. Subheadline: if you are fully vaccinated against COVID, the next step to improve your immunity may be to actually catch the virus. Now, at first pass, this looks like complete lunacy and looks like they're just you know, throwing up their arms and, you know, saying anything they feel like saying at any moment, because that has certainly not been the approach in the past. There is also built into this the um, idea that we are hearing, but I have yet to see any data to support the idea of quote unquote super immunity, wherein the acquired immunity you get from the actual disease um, is enhanced by also getting the vaccine. And now they're arguing vice versa, like that there is some enhanced immunity from actually having both exposures as opposed to just having had the disease 
versus just having had the vaccine. But that aside Tape from it and whether or not that is true or not, it's hard to imagine what the immunological mechanism might be. But you know, you think not? Okay. Oh, I think I think it is almost certain that this is true at some tiny level. At some tiny level. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, you know that that actually doesn't necessarily matter here. What what does matter is if if in Australia, a country that has been going you know guns blazing on everyone absolutely must get vaccinated. If what they're saying is, and you know again another thing that is that this is hinging on is the idea that having been vaccinated, uh, we're we're now admitting that actually it doesn't really stop transmission very much. But what what they are saying is that it will reduce um, the impact of the disease on you. Maybe true, maybe not. Uh, but if that is if if that is the case, they are saying, look, you're going to run into know? the disease. They're basically assuming endemism. You're going to run into the disease. Just right, just the deal with it. You'll be fine. Now so you aren't necessarily going to be fine. There are everybody. people who have died you know? after getting COVID after having been fully vaccinated, and there are group. lots and lots of people who get COVID who do just fine. Right? It has an incredibly variable effect on people, but. To me, what this what this says, if we are to take it at face value, is okay then. Vaccinated or not, you're going to run into this. What we need is early treatment. What we need is to use the wide array of drugs that we have available to us uh, to deal with treating people as they show up. And hey, it looks like uh, vaccinated people and unvaccinated people are both likely to run into this. And really, there's no reason to be um, pitting those populations against one another in the political sphere, in the media, unless what you're doing is not does not have anything to do with public health or about COVID at all. Unless what you were trying to do is create division among populations. Create division among populations or sell one product. Um, uh, yes. To, and to you know, I don't, I don't know enough about the recent politics in Australia to know, but if that headline came out in the US, um, I would be responding with, okay, clearly we've moved from Trump derangement syndrome to COVID derangement syndrome. And there's just, there, there's no ability to have a conversation about this that has nuance that says, terrible virus, terrible disease. Let's figure out how best to move forward because actually we have shared fate here, people. Yeah. Um, I would add to your, your list of things we should obviously be doing, you know, the elephant in the room increasingly is properly preparing with vitamin D, for example, right? right? This is the lowest, lowest hanging fruit on the tree. And yet we don't recommend it, which suggests that we are not actually all that concerned at the public health level. We are apparently either completely inept or, um, not that concerned about your actual health and we're doing other things. I would say, I mean, so obviously adding things to a list that is the simplest makes it less simple, <laughs> but, um, the three maybe top things on my list of what, uh, what a country or a world that was actually interested in public health in light of this particular virus and disease would be to encourage um, supplementation of vitamin D in any population where uh, they are likely to be deficient in it, which is to say um, the the higher latitudes you're higher longitudes you're at no higher latitudes you're at rather and um the more likely you are to be spending time inside which also correlates that's one um recommending that people go outside that people spend time outside that people get their exercise outside that people socialize outside yep. not just for vitamin d reasons but because this virus isn't transmitting outside still and then third and this does take resources and it does take money and it will take time, but in improving the filtration systems of indoor air. 
because in you know the smaller the space you're in with other people the more likely are that you are breathing in air that they have exhaled this is part of why this is a big part of why this virus and like all respiratory viruses are more likely to spread inside so we need to be focusing on filtration and you know airlines are doing it and yes those are very small spaces and and very you know very easy to control but we have the technology and it will take some time, it will take some money, but this is the way to make people more safe going forward. Every tool at our disposal, mm-hmm. it really ought to be. Um, all right, so if we can return for a second to uh, the question of where we are. We've got something that masquerades as consensus, but mm-hmm. the point is whatever that thing is, it is coercion dependent. Coercion dependent consensus, the implication of it is roughly the opposite of uh of an actual consensus. It's closer to a hostage video in which somebody says some things because there's a gun pointed at them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also, uh, you know, we've heard Chomsky's phrase, the manufacture of consent is resonant, but there's a way in which we are seeing the inverse of many things. And even though it's an easy extrapolation, we don't, get the implication. And so um, the manufacturer of consent is the mirror image of um, the destruction of dissent, which is what we are seeing. Mm. Those who dissent about uh, either, you know, sex and gender issues and claim that there's some substantial difference between males and females, Mm -hmm. right? Or those who uh, claim things against the public health narrative are punished severely, resulting in a much tinier number of people willing to say these things out loud. And in fact, lots of people will lie to themselves. Um, so, you know, the destruction of dissent is is uh, yep. is key to how this works. Um, so I'm not sure how much how much more there is to say. I did have a thought about uh, in light of the role that the you know, that we have we have seen played by YouTube in particular, it did occur to me that there is room for uh, us to do YouTube a favor. And uh, we've done a little pro bono work generating a a slogan uh, for the people who generate the the community guidelines. And the slogan is going to be something like YouTube community guidelines because you can't handle the truth. (laughs) Yes. 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 All right. I think, I think that works. His humor is so dry. You could put it in a dehydrator instead of having the heating element. (laughs) Oh, just naturally suck the vapor out of anything. Moisture. All right. Um, I did like the uh, CDC reference, the coercion dependent consent. So yeah, CDC, coercion. You know, just throwing that out there. Coercion. That's oh. uh, the opposite of freedom. Uh, I would believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. All right. I'm going to, uh, we got to deep dive into a document real quick because it ties into what they're talking about. And because he's like, you know, what, he's making these arguments and he's like, if they're not doing these things for health, then what are they doing these things for? What are the lockdowns? For? What's seems this pandemic to ask that question all about? Yeah, right. He's begging the question. Seven, Maybe he yeah. knows the answer. Maybe he's still looking. I would assert that we can look to they, them, those who are doing this in their own documents. And then we can kind of see what they're doing on some of these things. So I'm going to put my browser. Deductions. Correct. Yeah. 
This is, if you can see it, page 37 of 45. This is the bibliography and sources for the document we're about to deep dive into. But I wanted to show you, uh, let's see. Online collaboration with Johns Hopkins University. You know them from the event 201 exercise and these sort of things. Uh, it's talking about cognitive biotechnology, altering the human experience, cognitive warfare and attack on truth and thoughts. And then under experiments, <clears throat> DTEX, Disruptive Technology Experiment, 7th of October, 2020. NATO Innovation Hub, Disruptive Technology Experiment on Disinformation. Okay. So at the bottom of this document on every page, you're going to see Innovation Hub, and you can see that it's part of NATO Innovation Hub Disruptive Technology Experiment, DTEX. So now I'm going to go up to the cover page. Looks like this. I got a snappy graphic, Cognitive Warfare. Okay. That's page one of 45. Let's go to page two, Executive Summary, The Advent of Cognitive Warfare. And they're talking about hacking the individual. Trust is the target because that's how they get connectivity and command and control. Cognitive warfare, participatory propaganda, behavioral economy. It's like social credit system type stuff. Cyber psychology. Okay. Understanding that the brain is the key challenge for the future. Vulnerabilities of the human brain, the role of emotions, the battle for attention. There's a good Netflix uh, CEO quote there. Um, we'll, we'll go down into this document, catch a couple pages. Here we go. The militarization of brain, brain science, progress and viability of neuroscience and technology. That's the neuro S slash T abbreviation throughout the document. Uh, and then it's all about the humans. And then there's recommendations for NATO at the end. So let's just go down a couple pages into this and uh, executive summary. And they're basing this paper on the war fighting 2040. So it's a future thinking paper. And this is much like the 2007 uh military documents from the United Kingdom, and that had to do with strategic global trends program. They're also projecting the future. So a lot of military organizations, nonprofit organizations, they're projecting out into the future and they have certain plans for certain decades. So as we go down, we see this is talking about the, the war against the human brain, the information warfare to cognitive warfare. So it's been an info war and now it's going to become cognitive warfare. The new battleground is hacking the individual. And then as you go down, they're talking about trust in particular among allies is a targeted vulnerability. Cognitive centers of gra gravity, uh, they'll target with info weapons. And then they talk about participatory propaganda and uh, mm, quoting, look at the language info weapons, you know, yeah. like they've, they've literally it's all militarized. militarized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole thing. That's a sort of lexicon behavioral right? economy, right? They turn it from right. the data economy yep. into your social bio network, carbon credit, you know, economy. Yeah, that's what they're alluding to. These future uh, trends things. It reminds me of uh, a big new Brzezinski's. What was it? Between two. Between two ages? Yeah, yeah, between two ages. It's like a future outlook book. And like it's interesting what he talks about in that book, which was, I believe, in the 90s. I forget that was an earlier book or later book. But um, still, but, nonetheless, like those future outlook books by the tech, you know, by the globalists, by those that were in the establishment, by those who had the future vision of what the world will look like now that we're sort of living under. It's, uh, it's very interesting when you see documents like this. There's also that one that Burmis goes on about the one from nasa i always uh, forget yeah with the dennis bushnell document mm -hmm, which sure. is very right. interesting in and of itself too so sorry go ahead this but. one this one reads right right here mm -hmm. uh 
cyber psychology is the crossroads of two human fields, psychology and cybernetics. All this is relevant to defense and security and all other areas that matter to NATO as it prepares for transformation. What is NATO transforming into, Transformation. Transformers. It's more than meets your mind until you read the documents. Then you can meet it all centered on the clarification (laughs) of the mechanisms of thought and the conceptions, uses and limits of cybernetic systems. Cyber psychology is a key issue in the vast field of cognitive science. uh, Then it says, here's the brain. Uh, We got to understand the brain. It's a key challenge for the future. How are people making decisions and how can we interrupt those patterns to put our ideas in there? That's what they want to know. Oh, look, let's look at the vulnerabilities of the human brain and reestablish new patterns. Right. Want to, right. And Klaus it's a closed Schwab, system feedback loop. That's all human being is. He's That's talking about implantable says. devices about in it, his fourth American revo- fourth industrial revolution. Uh, right. The role of yeah. emotions in the digital realm. What f- what allows the digital industries and their customers, notably notably advertisers, right? Ted Kaczynski wasn't the only one, along with Bill Hicks, to hate those advertisers that take away <laughs> people's freedom, to distinguish individuals in the crowd and refine personalization and behavioral analysis are emotions. Every social media platform, every website is designed to be addictive and to trigger some emotional bursts, trapping the brain in a cycle of posts. It's applied behaviorism, all of it. Like marketing is just applied behaviorism 101. The the battle for attention. This is a NATO document. This is their future enemy. They're not looking at Iran. They're They're not looking at Uzbekistan. They're looking at your brain, people. All right, page 15 of 45. The, the subtle things you don't even know about yourself is what we are competing at. with sleep, says Reed Hastings, <laughs> CEO of Netflix. There you go. Okay, mm-hmm. they're competing with sleep. Long term impacts of technology on so the brain. Give them crack. As Dr. James Giordano claims, quote, the brain will be the battlefield for the 21st century, footnote 28. And when it comes to shaping the brain, the technological environment plays a key role. No shit, Sherlock. The brain has only one chance to develop. Damage to the brain is often irreversible. Understanding and protecting our brains from external aggression of all kinds will be one of the major challenges of the future. And then it goes down to promises of the neurosciences. I mean, like mRNA technology and hurt their enemies militarization of brain science in the wake of the United States brain initiative initiated in 2014, when they closed gain of function, uh, all the major powers, EU, China, Russia have launched their own brain research programs with substantial fundings. China sees the brain quote as the HQ of the human body and precisely attacking your HQ is one of the most effective strategies for determining victory on the battlefield. Well, that's Mm. interesting. The military sort of referenced lexicon there figure so this is under the uh military intelligence use we got darpa Hmm. we got iarpa we got nato we got all the big four four or five letter agencies here to approach agencies are there to keep you safe rich that's right you don't have to worry about anything they're definitely not keeping me educated though i do learn from reading their papers to approach this issue is important to establish four fundamental premises firstly the neuroscience and technology and will be increasingly more and more widely incorporated into approaches for national security, intelligence gathering analysis, and the aspects of military operations. Secondly, that such capabilities afford considerable power. Thirdly, many countries are actively actively developing and subsidizing neuroscience and technology research under dual-use agendas and or, or for direct incorporation into military programs. Fourthly, these international efforts could lead to a capabilities race as nations react to new developments by attempting to counter and or improve upon each other's discoveries. Direct weaponization of neuroscience and technology. 
and neurobioeconomy. What? Advance the understanding of substrates and mechanisms. Neurobioeconomy. Okay, here you go, right here. If you know how to read, improve knowledge of processes of cognition, emotion, and behavior. They're going to improve knowledge of these processes, not for your safety, Uh, not for your betterment. So I had something on the show card last week. Maybe I'll go back and dig it out where they uh, were operating on some people putting in, I think, microchips or something to that effect inside the brain. Appendix. Uh, for to stop depression and to stop other negative emotions so it's already beginning and it was at some sort of rockefeller institute with it where this was conducted at least one of them which is interesting but yes i mean they're literally the transhumanist sort of goal is beginning literally or has begun and it's it's certainly it's uh you know foundational stages right now with what they're attempting to do in order to control thoughts and control how people uh, ruminate on certain ideas and maybe with the possibility of changing character and identity and personality and those sorts of characteristics that also come with con- I mean, in other words arresting and destroying consciousness isn't that sun sort of sum it up well this is them heading toward their new operational go ahead Justin. yeah it's it's in trauma-based thought control and you know you can create split personalities out of that and you just get it into one thought loop and you make something tragic or seemingly tragic happen you make one narrative and all of a sudden there's a brand new identity tied to some very specific belief that it has to follow and uh once you get somebody in that loop you know it's very very difficult for them to see outside of it from inside that perspective weaponizing the religious instinct in us yeah we'll sacrifice anyone for an idea or the belief in some foolish some foolish thing we might have done about two-thirds of the way through the document they start to go into their sales pitch towards a new operational domain the advent of the concept of cognitive warfare cw brings a third major combat dimension to the batter modern battlefield to the physical and informational dimensions is now added a cognitive dimension it creates a new space of competition beyond the land maritime air and cybernetic spatial dimensions which adversaries have already integrated cognitive spatial cutting edge warfare they need a new place to wage war. They're going to do it between your ears full time, not just part time to get war ev- everywhere else. Physical. They want to get into the technical. So it's cyber. like 5D warfare, asymmetrical, whatever. Yeah. In a world permeated with technology, wartime in the cognitive domain mobilizes a wider range of battle spaces than the physical mm-hmm. and informational dimensions can do. It's a new place for them to sell war, war weapons and use them on people. It's the very essence to seize control of human beings, civilian as well as military. Its very essence is to seize control of human beings, organizations, nations, but also of ideas, psychology, especially of behavioral thoughts, as well as environment. You ever hear of the Total Information Awareness Group? The uh, Stubblebine was right. Was it Stubblebine or was, no, it was the other guy? Um, th- that's what this sounds like. It's I very know, right? essence. No, yeah. CW, right? This is what they're talking about. Let me just see if I can. I'm doing reading comprehension. Cognitive warfare. Its very essence is to seize control of human beings, civilian as well as military, organizations, nations, but also of ideas, psychology, especially behavioral thoughts, as well as environment. In addition, rapid advances in brain science as part of a broadly defined cognitive warfare have the potential to greatly expand traditional conflicts. Who would want to expand conflicts? Only crazy people and produce effects at lower costs. So no, lower costs, you know, I mean, at least they're being honest about their intentions. Lower cost, I mean, money has costs. nothing to do with this at all, right? 
wink, lower wink. cost chaos. <laughs> you know, they're just, uh, they're just trying to be efficient. That's all. And then just like um, the first global revolution in the, the club of Rome, this document, sure. NATO, it's also about humans, right? Victory will be defined more in terms of capturing the psychocultural rather than the geographical high ground. Understanding and empathy will be important weapons of war. People understand Fauci just fine, don't they? That might well, be. mixed up with also, you know, uh, complete hegemony and belligerent, belligerent behavior in the form of locking us down, uh, mandates, masks and vaccines, uh, threatening to lose our job. Like when, so there's like this mixture of, oh yeah, we're empathetic. And at the same time, you know, here's a little bit carrot stick. And here we're just going to take everything away from you again. And so it's, a, you know, creating this sort of Stockholm syndrome effect. Page 31, they cover the ethical areas, uh, ethical mm. concerns of this research. This area of research, <laughs> some human, concerns, you know, this area of research, human enhancement and cognitive weapons is likely to be the subject of ma major ethical and legal challenges. Human enhancement, <laughs> human enhancement. Is that really? like mRNA, challenges? like software for your body, Moderna type stuff? That would be human enhancement, right? Uh, certainly yeah, that's many there are surgeries of all types mrna technology yeah it would be human enhancement most certainly there is a need to consider these challenges as there is not only the possibility that these human enhancement technologies are deliberately used for malicious purposes mm. but there may there but there may be implications for the ability of military personnel to respect the law of armed conflict and then uh -huh. recommendations for nato they got a need for cooperation. They better get together with these other groups. Do you ever do a deep dive with the etymology of cybernetics? I'm just curious if the audience is aware of what it means to uh, Kybernetes and the idea of. Yeah, uh, it means helmsman, ship of helmsman, state. Helmsman, correct. Comes yeah. from Plato's Republic. I so, believe. It's trying so to control or steer the mind, in other words, with their new cybernetic agenda, with their. Closed system feedback loops where they inject a narrative and hope that we in lockstep follow along with it. And if they, the more they can get to fall in line with the agenda, the more than we feedback with them stating that we kind of want to be a part of that, whether or not we want really to be, it's sort of a uh, gas lit into us at some point. And if not, then they let the dialectic emerge where we are fighting one another and we never actually look to the, the people actually perpetrating this inhuman situation in which we find ourselves well i think i thought this part on page 32 is funny because it's the definition of the human domain <laughs> and it says within the context of multi-domain operations the human domain is arguably the most important domain oh but really it is, but arguably. it's most overlooked now they're gonna they're looking at us because they Jeez, couldn't win in bad. afghanistan read this recent wars have shown the instant inability to achieve strategic goals e.g in afghanistan but also to understand <laughs> foreign and complex human so we don't do we don't understand that so let's there. just attack people's brains yeah cognitive yeah. warfare was forced upon the western liberal democracies by challenging international actors who have strategized to avoid military confrontation so other people created it that's why we have to do this because the other side is doing it right the human domain of operations could tentatively be defined as quote the sphere of interest in which strategies and operations can be designed and implemented that by targeting the cognitive capabilities of individuals and or communities with a set of specific tools and techniques in particular digital ones will influence their perception and tamper with their reasoning capabilities hence gaining command and control of their decision making perception and behavior levers in order to achieve the desired effect 
effects. Now, that it's not NATO talking about they Random? were in control. See if anyone gets that reference out there. Command and control your body. He's saying, you know, what kind of signals are they sending out there might trigger trigger some people to act in certain ways. It is insane. I mean, like, look at it. Also, the domain, look at the domain that the cost is lower. It's much easier to manipulate people based on uh, a series of ideas and uh, peer pressure and, you know, essentially affecting the individual's sort of like instinctual fears and desires and uh, making everyone go along with sort of group mentality. And, uh, you know, it's a very cheap method of warfare. It's something that can be applied universally. It's not something that's like localized to a particular situation, depending on the terrain. The terrain's in between one's ears, and the only thing that would prevent anything of that nature would just be translation to different languages. But otherwise, uh, it's a much cheaper way to conduct warfare, and it unfortunately might be more effective than the way in which we've seen many people follow in lockstep with the WHO and then the CDC, HHS and the NIH and NIAID and all these sorts of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but structures, these sort of pyramidal bad structures, actors. bad actors, a uh, thousand layers of complexity, you know, that sort of thing where there's all these uh, sort of authoritative people put in positions that are, you know, there to interpret the science. And in fact, I found out that they are the science embodied. Last, last quotes from so. this document. This comes from page 36 of 45 because the rest is the addendums and the bibliography is where we started. Sure. Information yeah. plays a key role in this indirect form of warfare, but the advent of cognitive warfare is different from simple uh. info war. It is a war through information, the real target being the human mind and beyond the human per se. Moreover, progresses 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 in nbic make it impo- make it possible to extend propaganda and influencing strategies the sophistication of nbic fueled hybrid attacks today represent an unprecedented level of threat in as much as they target the vital infrastructure everyone relies on the human mind cognitive warfare may well be the missing element no, it's the fifth element. Bruce Willis was looking for that. It allows the transition <laughs> from military victory on the battlefield to lasting political success. Oh, that's the purpose of NATO doing this. They have a political objective. That's what was funny the great general in history? Is it Von Clausewitz or probably yeah, another on one war. actually on war where he yeah, said but- uh, it's about defeating the purpose, I believe, is to defeat your enemy psychologically before you even go into the battle. Something of that nature. I'm they do the reference Sun Tzu in this document as well. I just didn't read that quote. It's all, I mean, Sun Tzu, a lot of his work does prove like, the importance of the psychology of the battle itself. And that's what they're really outlining here. Now, it's more than just what they're saying, simple propaganda, right? They're saying they're going to essentially, the way I'll break it down for people, it's like Bernays plus like the couple decades of behaviorism in the mid uh, 20th century combined into a very sophisticated form of psi war that's being perpetrated on a given population, uh, much more directed to our more subtle characteristics, uh, subconscious that we're not quite aware of, but sort of uh, incense in us a, a, a feeling or need to participate on one side or another uh, in this sort of false dichotomy they set up in this ridiculous narrative with the COVID situation. 
So last paragraph uh, continued. The human domain might well be the decisive domain wherein multi-domain operations achieve the commander's effect. Remember, they have a political success agenda here. The five first domains can give tactical and operational victories. Only the human domain can achieve the final and full victory. It's almost like, uh, hmm. what, what was it? Aldous Huxley talking about battle for the mind back in the day? Hmm. Maybe NATO took that up and thought that was a good idea. Quote, recognizing the human dona- domain and generating concepts and capabilities to, adv- to gain advantage therein should be a disruptive innovation. Huh. Have they done any disruptive innovations lately, like the Great Reset? And here we end back at the bibliography and sources <laughs> where we started. So that's a deep dive on the DTEX Disruptive Technology Experiment document from 2020, NATO Innovation Hub Disruptive Technology Experiment. And uh, we'll have this linked up in the show notes for this episode, just as we do with every deep dive and document that we cover. And now we can move on. I think the next clip we had up here. There's, I actually want to touch, yeah, yeah, touch on do. something. Yeah, there's like a silver lining that I see in cognitive warfare, interestingly enough, because it is in the domain of the minds of the people. And as far as us here and the type of people that would listen to a podcast like this and other of the freedom mindset, you know, what, what they're doing with cognitive warfare is only through distraction and coercion and really distorting what reality is. But once you see through that, you can't unsee it. And on one hand, they think that their, their final and full victory is in the human domain. Um, but on the other hand, freedom's final and full victory is very well in the human domain. So the decentralization of this information actually, like once you wake up to that, the warfare is on that level, um, you can practice intellectual self-defense. And where a bullet will kill you, you know, you can actually use a question as a shield against a lot of the psychological warfare that's going on in the world. Yeah. And that's what they want to do by attacking the brain. And that's the same thing that uh, Orwell wrote about in 1984. O'Brien was going after the brain. It was between Winston's ears where freedom existed, that pesky thing that they have to go after. We talked about before, but it's, yeah, the control of language, right? Yeah. You have to control language, every despot in history. Um, the number one goal is to control the lexicon because when, when there's a power vacuum, if you can control the language, you control effectively someone's reality. Uh, you can sort of analogize it with the idea of being a dark magician who's casting spells or words on people. And that conditions the sort of mythology around which a sort of culture or society grows up and believes in and rallies their own sort of uh, a cultural identity around and the way they interact and the ethic they build from it. All of it builds up from that. So um when we are an ethic based on nature, on reality, on reason, and something from which we can understand apophatically and describe ideas of natural law and so forth, ethically speaking, uh, it's a whole different mindset. Um, it's a whole different perspective. It's, a, it's something actually grounded and something we all share, something we all can agree with, something we find universal as part of the human condition. And obviously right now, this we're as far away from any sort of concept that Ironically, has we men had talked about hundreds of years ago and employed in a form of government, but we seem to have forgotten that for word games and critical theory and just outright lies. I mean, you can just translate that whole document there. It's like, yeah, we're just doing psi war and we're just trying to be as sophisticated as po- possible in the way in which we employ psi uh, war. And here's why it's so great. It's cheaper. It's more effective. We can apply it more universally. I mean, that's all it's really saying. 
and it makes it look like nothing's going on outside because everything's peaceful. But right. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right. I mean, that's that's that. Okay, that's the most pernicious thing about the war. There's a war on it. for your mind. <laughs> but I mean, it's, <laughs> God. I mean, the fact William Sargent wrote up, but, "Battlefield for the Mind." I don't know where that's at down here, but Battlefield but that's, for the that's Mind. That's what we're fighting right book, now because people like it's it's important that there's four hundred plus million guns out there in America. It's one of the reasons why we're not quite Australia right now. But at the same time, and also the separation of power between the state and the federal government, other things of that nature. But you know, and the Bill of Rights, besides all of those other factors, um, the most pernicious thing right now is essentially what you just alluded to, which is, uh, you, you know, when we look at the, the totality of what's going on with COVID and the, the narrative and the, it's abstract. Everything is a hype. It's based on fear. It's based on mind control. It's based on Stockholm syndrome. It's like carrot and stick approach. It's the mandate approach. It's the sort of infantile way in which our leaders talk to a sort of, uh, you know, Prussian educated youth, so to speak. Uh, I just read the subtitle on this. It's just just interesting because like, you know, it's the, the warfare isn't conspicuous enough. In other words, for most people to understand. That's what's that's what's troubling. Even at this point, for us, like you have been in this for a decade plus, it's like we look at this. It's like, oh my god, it's like as 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 obvious as it possibly can be, and yet so many people just they don't get there. There really is sort of like a there is a war going on in a way, and not to like overstate that. It's and war make it on seem for like, your brain. It's hey, overwhelming. There's an I found barrier to wanting. You know, you you want to not believe it's true, so you got to get over that empathic barrier with the. Yeah, you got to read. You yeah, read. Okay, so this book's from 1951 or 1957. Battle for the Mind by William Sargent. The, a, a Physiology of Conversion and Brainwashing. How Evangelists, Psychiatrists, Politicians, and Medicine Men Can Change Your Beliefs and Behavior. This is not a conspiracy theory book. This is first edition. What year was that? 1957. 57, okay. And reprinted in 1950. Well, we talked about, remember last week we talked about delusions, right? We had Chris Martinson talking about all yeah, the, the mass, mass mm-hmm. uh, psychosis. Mass psychosis, sure. Yeah. So the brainwashing in ancient times, brainwashing in religion and politics, applications of religious conversion and techniques, these sort of things uh, are pretty interesting. And, and William Sargent. And government I, is see. like religion. Let's and see just here. like so is uh this COVID cult nonsense or Trump derangement syndrome or what whatever other euphemism we want to use to describe. Sorry, go ahead. I was just trying to remember where William Sargent. Let me see if he's in a history blueprint here. I was wondering. Yeah. I, that name seems familiar, but I'm thinking of that other sergeant who wrote um, S A R G E N T. Is this guy Battle for the Mind by William Sargent? Let me put the brain. Or I think I was Smedley Butler for some reason. Why would I be thinking of Warfare? William Sargent. Tavistock Institute for Human Behavior, mm. Rockefeller Foundation, Psychological Warfare, Black Magic, Harvard Medical <laughs> there, School. There you literally go. Black yes, in British infiltration of the United brain. States com- intelligence community. Yeah. And uh, the ultimate revolution, that's Aldous Huxley, right? Aldous Huxley was inspired by William Sargent. They're very close. And uh, let me go back because there was a couple other interesting pieces right here. B.F. Skinner, Ewan Cameron, Ian, uh, Ivan Pavlov, John Watson, LSD, yeah, all MK the Ultra, yep. right? Correct. Yep. So that'll get you, you want to go down a rabbit hole, there's a rabbit hole. If you want to come over here to the ultimate revolution, 
Uh, let's see. I thought there was a document right here. A ABC News. This is this is classic. Okay. Uh, this used to be. This is 1979, and it looks like it's still on YouTube right there. Because what I did is I programmed I this so. link. I programmed this link to ask Google at the present day if you can find this on the internet. And uh, there's about 508 million results for mission mind control from ABC News uh, available on the internet. So that still gives me hope. Here's uh, what is this? 1979. So you guys can still see this. This is the United States using LSD on uh, citizens, MK Ultra, CIA mind control experiments, of which Ted Kaczynski was part of that. He's known That's as right. the Unabomber, but he's a Harvard student working on his PhD. He's a under mathematician. Henry Henry Murray. Mm -hmm. And earlier today, our uh, our colleague Pete Quinones of the Free Men Beyond the Wall podcast, he was doing part two of reading the Unabomber's Manifesto. He was doing it with Aaron of Timeline Earth, I do believe. And I'm not supporting Ted Kaczynski. I don't support the violent actions that he's you know, charged with taking, all those sort of things. I'm just saying as a reasonable human being, if you don't read through that or listen through that and see some semblance of what's going on in today's society, uh, he was an astute observer of what was obvious to him and not obvious to other people for like 30 years after. He was very so, aware of the cybernetic agenda. And he was um, an unwitting, uninformed participant on the experimental side of MKUltra. He wasn't literally, helping Literally, yes. Yeah, literally, were, yes. That's correct. Right. That's literally the thing. So the government created what they called a monster. Then they went out and locked him up in a supermax prison to study how that all works because that's how they roll. And also so, there was a documentary called The Net. Uh, yes, I believe, das that Net German by, Das Net. That's correct. Uh, um, I forget the producer's name, but it's a, it's a German documentary. People can look it up. It's an incredible documentary and they have a sort of I believe a dialogue oh, with Ted Kaczynski uh, within that whole documentary, which is about cybernetics, by the way. And it's which uh, is right very, here. Look, so have it? Uh, uh, there, yeah, I up. have Umpleby's six hour cybernetics. Well, that one's fantastic, too, because he gets into George Soros's theory Watch that of applied the cybernetics letter. in a social environment and how they conceived feedback in a social environment. And, you know, apply that to what's going on today and you'll see what they've been talking about for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also mentioned in uh, The Minds of Men by Aaron and Melissa Dykes. And if you look here, I watched their documentary and look at all the things in this documentary. I'm just going to show this off for a second because Truth Stream Media kicks ass consistently for like they've been around 10 years now since they left. Hey, well, good for them. That's crazy. They talk about the about. cult of scientific management. They talk about. Uh, Are you on the brain right now? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Put it on the brain. Put it on the brain. Boom. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, question of torture, CIA interrogation, mission mind control, Dulles, whole bunch of CFR, CIA, Cold You got to remember the MK Ultra. MK Ultra. There's a bunch of stuff. MK programs, from my understanding. There is this alphabet soup of them, essentially. The cool MK. thing was when I watched their film, almost everything in their film I had in here. So it was really easy. Look, neurosurgery. Would, we were you just would. talking about that with the NATO document. Uh, Project, Artichoke, Bluebird, all these various PTSD studies, Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research. Like that's really uh, an excellent, and they mentioned the Unabomber in there. What's that called again? What's that plug? Oh, The the Minds of Men. It's a film by The Aaron Minds of Dykes. Men. Okay. Right here. You can watch the trailer on the Vimeo. It's still out there. 2018, they published that. What is the science of government? 
The Minds of Men is a three-plus year investigation into the experimentation, art, and practice of social engineering and mind control during the Cold War, a mind-bending journey into the past that gives startling insight into the world we are living in today. Oh, you mean their testing platform in the 20th century? It's like, oh, we got this figured out now. We're going to apply it to the world. And they're going to bring us robots. Autonomous weapon systems, cool. killer robots, DARPA. It's, cool. uh, I mean, it it's looking nice. like a fascinating they're, they're future. They're not going to weaponize people, them. They're Sky planning out a fascinating future. These people love us, Tony. They love really? Us. They're loving us to death. They're killing us with mm. kindness. That's that is the way I feel so much better about this whole situation now. You know, in um, in 1984, they had this thing called Ingsoc, Ingsoc, which was really English socialism, Mm -hmm. which is really the Fabian socialists from England, the New World Order that H.G. Wells wrote a book called The New World Order and the New Machiavelli and all these sort of open conspiracy. He's writing about the group of people that he's with that are taking over the world and making it into their image. That's also That's the logo. That's why it's so it? prophetic. The wolf and sheep's wolf clothing, clothing is one Fabian logo. And I think they have another logo where they're shaping, they're pounding as a stained glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Anvil. yeah oh. I think we have actually video. I don't have it here, but I have video of the stained glass of them shaping the world and the image with uh, the hammers. That's what they're all about. It's in their symbology. Yeah. All right. So uh, this next clip coming up is Stephen Crowder must watch Grand Theft World occasionally because he took uh, the the vax uh, pandemic of the vaccinated, and uh, he talked about it in one of his clips, or maybe he just observed the same thing because it's kind of obvious at this point what's going on. Smart let's check guy. in. Yeah, yeah, smart yeah. guy. Maybe someone there gets informed. I don't know. Uh, let's check in with the louder with Crowder crew and see if they can make us laugh while informing us of the news. It's tough. Be able to talk about this on YouTube. No. Uh, anybody dependent enhancement syndrome. Okay, so this is what I wanted to talk about really quickly. And let me just tell you uh, that there are things that we'll go through here as far as data, and there are things that we can claim, obviously, things that are irrefutable. And then, and here's the thing, we will be making some inferences. None of us are doctors. None of us are telling you how to handle your own health. And we should be able to have these discussions on YouTube when presenting opposing points of view from qualified doctors, including Nobel Prize winners. This actually gives you guys a good contrast as the kind of thing that we would love to cover on YouTube and never would be able to. And uh, you'll see it's not nearly as controversial Mm -hmm. as chest feeding, but YouTube doesn't allow it. So this is what we've been told, okay? The premise has been set. The stage has been set. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. And early on, it was if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask because you can't because you can't catch it. You can't spread it. Well, okay, you can catch it. You can spread it, but you won't get hospitalized and you won't die from it. And then it turned out, well, if it's more than four months after you can get hospitalized, you can die from it. Okay, here's the thing. We are now seeing some serious problems with people who've been vaccinated. That's what they're talking about. Potentially a third booster shot. This is the Johnson Johnson should have been two shots. Missed out on a cash grab there. Oops. Um, And let's keep in mind that before the vaccines came out. People were warning about some potential negative consequences uh, that could take place. And not because of malice, but because sometimes when you vaccinate and you do it quickly, maybe if the vaccine isn't effective, it can create other problems like more infectious variants or problems with the immune response to new variants. And do you know who was warning against this? Who? You guys call him Dr. Fauci. Mm. The, The public knows him as the truth and the law. There's safety associated. Does the vaccine make you worse? And there are diseases 
in which you vaccinate someone, they get infected with what you're trying to protect them with, and you actually enhance the infection. You can get a good feel for that in animal models. So that's going to be interspersed at the same time that we're testing. We're going to try and make sure we don't have enhancement. So the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. Just to be clear, before you guys try and argue against me, I understand what you're about to say. You're about to say, well, he's talking about traditional vaccines where you inject with the actual uh, virus. Uh, No, he he used that as an example because he's incredibly inarticulate. Then he said, we have to make sure that with this vaccine, referring to the vaccines that were currently being worked on, that that is not the case. All right. So don't try and lawyer us out of this. We all understand what he was saying. And if you watch the clip in full context, it's incredibly clear. He's not the only one who was ringing the alarm bell. And again, they weren't saying this would happen. They were all saying it could happen. Robert Malone, one of the inventors of the mRNA uh, technology, agreed with Dr. Fauci. Antibody-dependent enhancement. So it's one of a spectrum of, it's the easiest one to explain, of a spectrum of... uh, effects that can occur with vaccines in which the vaccination actually makes the disease worse. The most notable example is what happened in the 60s with respiratory syncytial virus, a uh, vaccine, a virus which kills young uh, infants um, with uh, fairly high frequency. And it was slated as being the next pediatric vaccine to be developed after the classical MMR series. And uh, it was found that as they deployed this in the initial clinical found trials, you couldn't turn a light on. the children and infants <laughs> that received the vaccine actually died at a much Is my horse in frame? Negative controls that had not received the vaccine. So antibody-dependent enhancement is the vaccinologist's worst nightmare, that the product that you work so hard to create actually causes worse disease. We have the flawed clinical studies. I acknowledge that they're far from perfect. Like me like uh, Nicholas Cage on the cover of Face Off. Certain <laughs> types of adverse events. It's the least interesting man in the world. designed to detect is antibody-dependent enhancement. And that's recognized by the FDA because in the FDA authorization letter uh, for emergency use authorization, they specifically say that the data are not sufficient to rule out antibody-dependent Whoa. enhancement. It remains a significant risk and suggested to the vaccine companies that they should do follow-on clinical studies to detect the presence or absence of antibody-dependent enhancement. But they didn't insist that the vaccine companies do that. And the vaccine companies, as near as I can tell from looking at clinicaltrials.gov in the literature, the vaccine companies decided to take a pass and not investigate whether or not ADE would occur. So let me just uh, wow. Let me just repeat this. You had Dr. Fauci saying that this is a possibility. Right. We're talking about antibody enhancement uh, dependency syndrome. Sorry, mm-hmm. I might get the acronym wrong here because it's tough for me to always remember. No syndrome. It. What? No syndrome. No syndrome. Oh, I'm just adding the. Well, I have AIDS on the brain because we have. Fauci. <laughs> oh, you got AIDS. Um, Why? Because that guy just admitted to inventing it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> effectively. Wow. <laughs> Oh, but the good thing is Fauci spent a lot of money to cure it, and whoops, you're all dead. <laughs> Oopsies. Uh, don't worry, I'll put up some flags. <laughs> so Fauci warned, saying it's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Then there were letters that were being sent. This doctor was talking about one of the inventors. I don't know if he's the patent holder of the mRNA vaccine. I know he's one of the inventors, the creators of it, uh, talked about the FDA saying, hey, this is we cannot even exclude this as a risk. 
and you guys need to do follow-up studies. They have not. Now we have, again, these are all quacks, Luc Montagné, who also happened to win the Nobel Prize for discovering HIV. Must have discovered it from the last oh, guy. Oh, ah. yeah. <laughs> discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> Just... He sent him an office Christmas gift. He's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> uh, one guess. I um, had a lot of fun finding yeah. So <laughs> Luc Montagné discovered HIV, also won the Nobel Prize. He has also, and this is now he has mm. been saying since the vaccine, that yes, this is what is happening with the vaccine. Here he is. Et donc vous voyez toujours dans les pays, même pour là maintenant, c'est pareil, vous avez la courbe des vaccinations et la courbe des morts maintenant qui, qui suit. Je suis de près, si vous voulez des expériences qui sont faites in situ, c'est-à-dire sur des patients, des malades, qui sont devenus infectés par le, le corona après une vaccination. Hein? Et je veux vous montrer que ce, que, ce qui est apparu, c'est un virus variant qui résiste à la vaccination. So Comment peut-on vacciner en période épidémique Expliquez-moi. C'est impensable. Le silence, si vous voulez, beaucoup de gens savent ça. Les épidémiologistes le savent, tout ça. Ce sont des anticorps produits par le Picture euh, Danny DeVito, who's been on fire. à l'infection d'être plus forte. C'est ce qu'on appelle les antibody-depending uh, enhancements, c'est-à-dire des anticorps qui favorisent une infection. L'anticorps va se fixer He's sur le virus et à ce moment-là, il y a des récepteurs aux anticorps que nous avons dans le microbiote, etc., qui vont à ce moment-là piquer le virus, pas par hasard, mais enfin du fait même qu'il est lié à des anticorps. Vous voyez, il est clair que les nouveaux variants sont créés par la sélection des anticorps produits par la vaccination. So again, for people listening to audio, Nobel Prize winner. He mm -hmm. is saying, they said, should we be vaccinating this pandemic? He said, it's absolutely unthinkable. Right. He said, I absolutely think that we're seeing, I'll just keep saying AIDS from now on. AIDS. A or AIDS. 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 Here's kind of, I don't want to get too, again, I'm not a doctor, so I would encourage you to go read their, their studies that we have up there that have been published. Uh, some have been published in French journals. Uh, I believe some have been published in Danish journals. All the references are available at ladderwithcrowder.com. I would encourage you to read up on it. Let me summarize it for you. It's that the mRNA COVID vaccine is so narrowly tailored, basically, to a certain spike protein, it's theorized that it could encourage variants to grow and to spread, and that could be a sign of antibody uh, enhancement dependence. Right, and so they already gave you one case of this happening in the 1960s with uh, was RSV or RBS, whatever it was. And then measles was another one that actually happened where they came out with a vaccine that actually ended up doing more harm than good and, and was an example of this. But you don't have to go back to the 1960s, right? Because it's right. like, oh, well, that was the 1960s. We've gotten so much better. All right. And to be clear, that's not the measles vaccine that we use now. No, no, no. It had to yeah. be another one because this one actually came. And just people. to be clear, that's why people say, well, you know what? Your kids get vaccinated all the time. Do you know why? Because we had Oopsies with other measles vaccines, right. and it went through a process. That's why it's not the same as an experimental, whatever you would call, some people say gene therapy. It's not the same as an experimental mRNA vaccine that has never made it through trials right. and gone to market first where you are effectively, the trial. right, the large-scale trial. With the measles vaccine, it happened. People died. They said, oops, we'll create another one. And now, several down the line is where we have said, okay, we can safely get our children vaccinated against measles. So it's actually, it, it, it's a counter-argument to the left's own argument that yeah. what's different? The scientific process determines it's different. Mm -hmm. Right. And by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. But how long do you think it took them to develop the measles vaccine? Uh, it's the fastest in history, by the way. I'm Up until, you know, last year. Uh, four years. Four years. 
That was fantastic. Steven knows vaccines. Steven knows vaccines. It's like a whole new segment, right? So it took four years. That was the fastest one. And phase three trials are typically whenever they get into the, like, what are the side effects of this? You were right. We're basically living the phase three trial, unfortunately, right now to some degree, just because of how fast it's gone. But 2016, right? So modern medicine existed in 2016, last I checked. But it said the dengue virus uh, was designed, they, they did a vaccine to protect in the Philippines, right? So listen to the numbers. The vaccine was given to 800,000 children in the Philippines, 14, 14 out of 800,000 vaccinated children died after encountering the dengue virus in the community, and they hypothesized, they didn't prove, they hypothesized that it could be caused by ADE and pulled it from kids under, I believe, nine years of age. Whereas right now, uh, the CDC says it's 7,000 breakthrough cases, right? Right. To death. That's the numbers that they give you. It's more than 14. Right. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying here. These, this article then goes on to say, well, there's no evidence, right? It's no, there's no evidence in the Philippines that this right. happened, but yet it was this enough is of a concern as a case where you hypothesize that it might be. Why? Happened. Because it's happened before measles, yeah. the RSV vaccine. There've been other coronavirus vaccines as well. This is not a new thing. And Fauci himself said that it's a risk. <laughs> Fauci himself said it's a risk. Measles exactly vaccine was, was the say, shortest yeah. one. It was took four years, but I'm sure they're not doing open, uninformed consent phase three trials on people right now. They wouldn't do that. And Fauci wouldn't torture puppies. So there you have it. That's nope. the news. <laughs> That's Where's the, the bobblehead doll? You have it in the uh, background somewhere. I know. In a throw I pillow? That's not I don't know. I got a candle burner. Got a Fauci one. fan. They got a candle yeah. now. They do have a Fauci candle. Uh, major government report proves COVID vaccines are bioweapons. Oh, this is a claim by Greg Reed. He, it's a bold claim. That is how you get people's attention. But let's see if he can substantiate it with some evidence. Infowars.com. <laughs> Having the data from millions of cases over several weeks, nearly a third of all COVID cases in the UK, the data is clear. The so-called COVID vaccines are slowly killing people. The latest vaccine surveillance reports published by Public Health England show what we've already been hearing from doctors worldwide. The mRNA jabs are destroying people's immune systems. And it seems to be happening gradually over time, especially for the doubly vaccinated between 40 and 70 years old. They have already lost over 40% of their immune system capability and are losing an additional 5% every week. At this rate, by Christmas, we will have 0% immune system capability in all doubly vaccinated people over 40. And by March, everyone over 30 will have lost their immune systems as well. Over time, it appears that those aged 30 and younger are also seeing a degradation of their immune systems. It's normal for this age group to have a more vigorous immune system. So perhaps it does a better job fighting off the debilitating mRNA jabs at first. Time will tell, but the data shows a very difficult and dark winter lies ahead. And we've heard this before. 
Dr. Ryan Cole, a pathologist who has conducted over 100,000 COVID-19 lab tests, has also found that the mRNA shots are causing serious autoimmune disorders. And Dr. David Bauer, one of the top virologists running this so-called vaccine program in the UK, confirms all of this. We found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies, which block the virus from getting into your cells in the first place. We've also found that for people with only one dose of the Pfizer jab, that they are less likely to have high levels of these antibodies in their blood. And perhaps most importantly for all of us going forward is that we see that the older you are, the lower your levels are likely to be. And the time since you've had your second jab, as that time goes on, the lower your levels are also likely to be. And actually says that having a regular booster shot will be some kind of remedy. So that's telling us that we're probably going to be needing to prioritize boosters for older and more vulnerable people. Like a monthly subscription service to stay alive. Let us not forget how all of this was started by the communist Chinese, how they already recovered from COVID and are now flaunting military power, threatening the borders of Taiwan and India. In the book, Unrestricted Warfare, published in America 20 years ago, Officers of the communist Chinese military recognize that it's impossible to challenge the U.S. in a conventional military arena and explain how the only way to conquer America would be through deception so that the public never knew they were under attack. They described how they could accomplish this by flooding the U.S. with illicit drugs to demoralize us, infiltrating and subverting the stock markets, the judicial system, and the media, seizing control of vital natural resources, and creating a fake natural disaster using biological weapons. And finally, take down the entire electrical information grid to cause social panic, street riots, and a political crisis. With over a third of the population suffering from complete immune failure, taking down the grid this winter would be devastating. Now is the time to brace yourself for what's coming. For InfoWars.com, this is Greg Reese. So there's a chance because of the, uh, the immune enhanced deficiency. Is that what it is? A, e, I have trouble. Just like antibody dependent enhancement. Antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE. That's ADE. Where a common cold all of a sudden becomes a life-threatening event. The flu, a life-threatening event. It's Any like shutting down people's immune systems. And if he's right, you're going to see a cascade of people interacting with normal seasonal illnesses, having exaggerated reactions, cytokine storms, inflammation, blood clots, pneumonias, all these sort of things. And, and. They're going to have a new test for COVID because they're going to stop using PCRs. And they just fired a whole bunch of people from the healthcare system who otherwise had natural immunity and had already successfully survived through all of this. And everyone who works at the hospitals is shot up with the same stuff as the people coming in as patients. Correct me if I'm wrong. You are not wrong. That's exactly right. right. It's not like all the pieces are in place or anything. I'm not noticing any sort of pattern here. The only thing I I would... (laughs) sharpshoot greg on is 
Yes, China's involved, but China, the nation state, mm -hmm. is not really our enemy. The globalists are in charge of China. They're using right. it as a proxy They're, for us. That's why yeah. a ridiculous amount of America's productivity was was decentralized Outsour and outsourced, outsourced over there and, and shipped China. overseas. Correct. Right. Yeah. So we are dependent on them on purpose because it serves the globalist agenda to ruin America. So they They're propping up the world China. We're the being... only thing standing between them and a new world order. That's clear, right? Right. All right. Literally and also from an ideological standpoint as well. The rest of the Western world, or <clears throat> the first world nations, the, and the crown colony, so to speak, and the English speaking, speaking nations, as well as many European nations are waiting to see how we sort of respond, I think, to this like overall tyranny. I really do believe they're sort of like everyone's sort of looking at us right now, especially Australia, because they can also just be easily. If they're allowed to look by. at us, they have to wait and ask down there if they're allowed to look at America. Is that, the new, is that the new standard? Yeah. I don't know if America's figured out its pronouns yet. Well, let's throw it to somebody who has good experience. He's been around like almost as long as Fauci. Uh, he's right more often than Fauci, especially recently. You know, oh, yeah. uh, you look at it and uh, let's go down to Austin and go to the Infowars headquarters and hear Alex cover this uh, Tucker Carlson covering the same sort of angle, but from a different perspective. What's going on with antibody enhanced? What is it? A antibody dependent enhancement ades ades it's you know aids it's aids for the 21st century it's aiding your antibody dependent it's not really aiding it's going to be the new catchphrase this winter everybody so just you know stumble along with it it's going to be awkward at first and then you get antibody dependent enhancement okay cool let's hear it from the man himself Infowars, alex jones just noticing a correlation so it's a causation Exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com, DNA Force Plus. That's the other big news here. Not just that the NIH came out and said, yeah, Fauci deliberately lied. These are quotes and misled Congress, everybody else. He, he did do this. And we're giving Fauci and Daszak and all of them five days to give us all of the work you've done ever, period. Because it's not three million or 20 million or 100 million. It's like the doctor broke down earlier, 190 plus billion dollars in Fauci's history funding research into mutation and gain of function. Again, it's like saying Michael Jordan never played basketball. It's, it's, it, it's saying Fauci never did gain of function. Or Tom Brady never played football. Tom Brady was in front of Congress saying, I've never been in the football. I don't know what it is. You're like, okay, well, you're like, what is it? How many time world champion? Nope, I'm not. So it's not even about getting Fauci in prison. That's important. It's about what does this mean in the power structure this came out? Well, it means they're getting ready to burn Fauci and Peter Daszak and others to protect the people above them. And it also means people in government are figuring out, wait, this really is a depopulation operation? This is really about to happen? And the mutinies are so big inside the power structure that they're going, hey, we didn't get away with this. The public knows we did this. Let's start putting the brakes on this. Because... They had a plan when they start injecting the children and they start dying in mass. It's already happened in the studies. What they've been doing while they claim it's authorized, that there's going to end up being people that they're going to start shooting folks. And I don't want that to happen. But they intended that to then call people terrorists, but they know that's not going to work when mad dads and mad moms or neighbors or whatever or grandparents, you know, go after Big Pharma for, for this bioweapon attack. 
They know that it, no, no matter how they do it, no matter how many false flags they pull to make us look bad, the public's just going to go ahead and go, yeah, let's go ahead and rise up. And so they're gauging things and thinking, we wanted to create a world revolution, a world meltdown, a world breakdown, but our own doctors, our own scientists, our own lawyers, our own soldiers, our own bureaucrats, our own nurses are saying no. Okay? And so now they're having to back off so many other agendas because it's not working because their agenda of demoralization and destabilization only works if we give up because we don't know who did it. It's like Hitler wanted to make the Brits give up because they wouldn't give up. So he started bombing civilian targets and they went from 95% in polls that were against the new war because they just lost, you know, what was it? Six, seven million Brits died in World War One. Almost everybody had sons and dads never came back. But within a week of Hitler bombing civilian targets, they had a 99% wanted war. And, and but, but see, the globals thought, well, we'll intimidate and attack them and censor them and bully them and take their bank accounts away and call them Nazis and, 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 and censor them. And, but, but they'll never know really who did it, that it's a global combine. Or they'll just think it's Joe Biden did it. No, no, we know Joe Biden's a puppet. We know who did it, ADL, Southern Poverty Law Center, Hollywood, the globalist. I mean, we know all that. And so you're doing this attack on us, and we know it's you. You didn't suppress InfoWars. You failed. You failed bad. And I suggest you depart from the field of battle now, okay? That discretion is the greater form of valor, is it not? But if it is your will to press the attack, then that is the course we're on. And it means world war and mass death and billions dead. And it means the globalists dug out of their holes. The Anglo-American establishment, that has nothing to do with white people. It's the name of the combine. The Anglo-American corporate system will be destroyed in the process of this. It needs to stop. It's so evil. It's trying to absorb the strength of the West, get rid of Christianity, while it parlays the, the final strength into taking over the world to then carry out this, 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 this global operation. And it, it's just got to stop. So now... Tucker Carlson and others are saying, why are all these mystery illnesses out there? And then he knows they're going to attack and say, he's claiming the vaccine's causing mystery illnesses. And then he'll go, well, yeah, here's a scientist. ADE was predicted, and now these are ADE symptoms with the people that have the shots. Now, the next time they come in contact with a regular cold virus, it's way worse than COVID. That's what the scientist said years ago. It's what we predicted. It's what happened. So... We're going into this winter, and there's going to be a lot of people dying. It's already happening. And, and of course, they don't test for COVID because they don't have COVID. They have ADE. But it's the same damn thing, and it kills your lungs. So let's go ahead and go to Tucker Carlson last night. Government data from around the world show that so-called all-cause deaths are running well above normal. This is happening in Western Europe for example. What explains this? What could explain it? These are not deaths from COVID. These are deaths directly. These are deaths from some other things. What are they? We, can you just describe the outline of this? Because it's a pretty amazing story. Um, right. And I really am exploring this and have explored this a couple of times on the stack, on the sub stack, and I'm going to go back into that again. But let me quickly tell you what we know, which is in the big countries in Western Europe, in several of the big countries in Western Europe, notably the UK and Germany, which are the two, uh, you know, two of the two of the largest by population, deaths are suddenly running higher than normal. And that's been true in the UK for several months. Remember, the UK vaccinated a lot of people early this year. They've had deaths running higher than normal for a couple of months. Germany, the vaccinations happened 
closer to uh, the spring, and they've had deaths higher than normal in September. We don't know why. In the UK, <laughs> where there's more data, it looks like there's a lot of cardiovascular deaths that oh, are driving this. Yeah. We don't know what that means. In the US, it, it there are... There Let's come back. with the, We'll play the whole thing again next segment and we're at the conclusion. Um, yeah, we don't know what that means. If I walk up to you and shoot you in the head, I don't know why there's blood spurting out of it. Or if I pour gasoline on you and light it, I don't know why you're on fire. Or I put eggs on top of the, the, the skillet and turn it up on high, I don't know why it fries. I mean, if I go take a dump in the toilet, I don't know why it stinks. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. The damn CDC documents in October said we're going to have microcarditis and heart attacks and, and all this other stuff. They knew it. They knew they did it. UT did studies with the same type of injections in 2012 in rat studies for Fauci, and it freaking killed them with blood clots. <laughs> so, but it, look, at least it's starting to come out, but we don't have time for this. We don't have a year for us to all figure out they knew and did it on purpose. There'll be hundreds of millions dead by them. We're already, you already see the numbers up around the world are, oh, doubles in the heart attacks, doubles in the strokes, triples in little kids dying. It's all happening from the shots. Okay, so I, I know what Tucker Carlson's doing. He is a journalist. He's very professional, and he knows all this information. But he is laying a trap for the left, and I'm usually okay with that. And it always ends up making him you know, be proven right and that they're liars. And that's good to discredit them at the same time. But we don't have time for that because we don't have time to have the substack journalist on that talks about, yeah, we don't know why people are having microcarditis and heart attacks and platelet counts fall through the floor and uh, brain aneurysms and autoimmune diseases and, you know, 20-fold increase in this type of cancer. I mean, we don't know why all over the world right after people take the shots, that's happening. They never did studies that, that were public. So that's why. And then they just always just say, okay, we don't know what happened. That's why they skipped the studies because they'd already secretly done them and that's come out under other names. They knew exactly what would happen with this. This has all been played out. The only variable is will you wake up and admit it's happening when you're faced with them actually exterminating you and your family and coming for children? Can you handle the fact that, of course, they want to abort children before they're born, and now they want to kill them after they're born, and now they want to kill them now? And they want to erase their immune systems and make them minions of the system in their short, painful lives. That's in their own internal documents, how they're going to be accelerated customers for the medical system. Oh, yeah. Giving you diseases that they then treat. Absolutely evil. And then they control you through that and control you through the treatments that are coming to make you so sick and so ill, you can't live without further gene therapies to counteract the original gene therapy you gave them when they were young. That's the plan. Poisoning you and then withholding the cure. And that's going to be the big issue. The big issue in the future is going to be how to detox from these things, how to reverse the damage or stop the ongoing damage. And we've got a lot of evidence on that and a lot of information and a lot of doctors and scientists are saying, if you've been forced to take the shot or you had to, take ivermectin before, during, and after, and it looks like it's mitigating by not letting your body uh, manufacture as much of the spike protein, and then it basically stops a lot of that effect. Still, uh, there's been some problems, but it's, 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 it's been a lot better. Because again, what the vaccine gives you what they claim they're fighting. <clears throat> again, double jab Brits with worst diseases ever. That's what Lurgy means. 
could actually have COVID without realizing it. Oh, yeah, but then they go get tested and they don't because they don't. They have ADE, antibody dependency enhancement. So here's here's Carlson introducing the idea and like, oh, we don't know why. But I just showed you on screen. We'll put it back on screen, Tucker. Why don't you, Tucker, have the, the, the guy from Substack back on? And then, you know, that guy can say, oh, look, I've discovered that they knew this. And then he can he can discover the 2012 UT study. He can discover the 2013 Baylor discovery. And then he can discover, you know, the uh, you know, because we I don't care who discovers it. Just let let the, his guests discover it. And then we can send people to prison. Because I just want to beat these people. But we don't have time to like slowly introduce it to people and then show them and oh and then the oh Tucker implies that the vaccine's killing people. That's preposterous. Tucker implies it doesn't protect you, Tucker. And of course it's all true. But we don't have time for that. Just bring it all out. It's all there. It's all incontrovertible. I think people can handle being hit with a two by four to wake them up or a cold bucket of water. We don't have time anymore. Here's here's the guest. Government data from around the world show that so-called all-cause deaths are running well above normal. This is happening in Western Europe, for example. What explains this? What could explain it? These are not deaths from COVID. These are deaths directly. These are deaths from some other things. What are they? We, can you just describe the outline of this? Because it's a pretty amazing story. Um, right. And I really am exploring this and have explored this a couple of times on the stack, on the sub stack, and I'm going to go back into that again. But let me quickly tell you what we know, which is in the big countries in Western Europe, in several of the big countries in Western Europe, notably the UK and Germany, which are the two, uh, you know, two of the two of the largest by population, deaths are suddenly running higher than normal. And that's been true in the UK for several months. Remember, the UK vaccinated a lot of people early this year. They've had deaths running higher than normal for a couple of months. Germany, the vaccinations happened closer to uh, the spring, and they've had deaths higher than normal in September. We don't know why. In the UK, where there's more data, it looks like there's a lot of cardiovascular deaths that are driving this. We don't know what that means. In the US, there, are, there has been an excess in mortality in people under 50 that has gone on for two years now, and we have a terrible number of deaths happening in people that age. Some of those deaths are COVID. Some of those deaths appear to be lockdown-related or, i.e., um, drug overdoses, which we know are running really high. But in the yes. last few months, even as COVID deaths fell in the spring, deaths in that age group remain very high in the U.S. This is, uh, and, and again, there's a couple possibilities. One possibility is that some COVID deaths are being miscounted, although we count COVID deaths very aggressively. Another possibility is that this is that it's these lockdown slash drug overdose deaths, although Europe doesn't have nearly the problem that we do with that. Another, pro another possibility, and I hesitate even to say this out loud, Tucker, because I know what the response will be, is that this is cardiac related and it is something to do with the mass vaccination campaigns. But, uh, but oh, no. you know, we don't have evidence, we don't have enough evidence no, to separate what the possibilities are. All we know is that people are dying at unprecedented rates in the U.S. In, in the 30 to 50 age group, the 20 to 50 age group. And now we're seeing excess mortality in some European countries. And we really should find out why. Uh, yeah. Alex Berenson is a smart guy. And, and I'm glad he's on there. We have a couple of articles about him today. He says the media's agenda is not to mislead people, but to demoralize them. And, and that's absolutely true. That's what they're doing to everybody. That's another article on Infowars.com. But I have right here from the FDA's own website and the CDC. List of adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine in October. Uh, that's three months before they rolled it out. 
And oh, look at the list. It's microcarditis, Guillain-Barre, and narcolepsy, and anaphylaxis, and just everything else we said. Oh, okay. If you want to find it, here's the original article from back in July. Oops, FDA, we didn't find out about it until then, accidentally reveals list of COVID vaccine side effects, including microcarditis, autoimmune disease, and death. Well, that'll mess up your day. Oh, but this is from a couple weeks ago. John Hopkins data proves COVID shots causing majority of illness and death. You know, I've got hundreds of really interesting articles and things that are new, but I just keep going back to this every day because that's John Hopkins. And it, all over the world, right when the shot starts, death skyrockets. Illnesses, everything else. Right? And then I've got it all over the world admitting it. So what are we going to do about this? I mean, we're, again, they think that we just are hit with something this evil. We can't handle it. I'm going to go to break and I will get to viral video of a woman predicting COVID pandemic in 2019, warned of global tyranny and vax mandates. And, and then I'm going to hit some other geopolitical and China missile news. Uh, but this is a globalist anti-human revolution and they are actually meeting in Spain and declaring they're about to forcibly transform humanity. So we'll talk more about that as well separately. Control room knows when he says separately, he's about to pitch product probably. And that's our cue to get out <laughs> of that. Just thinking about that. I have plenty of his products. He's just not paying me to advertise them. So correct. Yeah. This Nothing is against where we this product. All right. So uh, yeah. scary information. Don't be fearful. Get informed. Who is Alex Berenson that Tucker Carlson was talking to? Would you like to hear more? Go right below Sanjay Gupta and Joe Rogan in the Joe Rogan experience on Spotify. And you'll find an interview with Alex Berenson, which I have not listened to yet, but it's on my list because he's sharp and he's kind of ahead of the curve of what everyone else is socially acceptable in media to talk about. So he's allowed to talk about some of the early stuff there. Um, the alarming death rate for 20 to 50 year olds now that he was talking about, there was no threat from COVID to 20 or 50 year olds, right? And there's now threats to children. If you, uh, LD, I don't have the FDA side effects paper from three months before they released the vaccine, but if you scrub back in that video, to where he was showing that on screen. He read some of the side effects, but if you go all the way to the end, I read to the end of the list, multi-system child fail. There was some uh, multi-system failure in children. So could we okay. go back to that, that, that end of that FDA slide on the morning of the side effects? Cause that's another thing. Side effects. There's for also children, a heart attack on there. There are some pretty severe that Alex didn't actually. They're giving cover. risk to, to gr age groups that aren't at risk from the virus correct that they claim that other countries for uh i believe it's sweden for under the age of 31 have banned the vaccine outright they are knowingly and willingly sacrificing a certain percentage of children by engaging in this process and they know and they know from their documents that they're doing it correct i think that's yeah. disturbing it's a little molech-ish oh yeah you know modern Ch child sacrifice ancient modern child stuff. sacrifice canaan Read up and if it doesn't outright kill them, it's fertility problems, or even if there is successful fertilization, it's all sort of genetic. It's not yeah. good. Yeah, it's not. Uh, the next video we have is a uh, COVID deaths cover up fiasco. This is a John Bound report, also from Infowars. You know why? Because Infowars is putting a bunch of budget into making these reports. We should get them in the time capsule as we uh, as we find them. Let's go to John Bound, who's Greg Reese's uh, you know other half.
with that uh, tandem, the dynamic duo coming from InfoWars. As the seats of power shift in the governor's seats in New York and New Jersey. I've got seven years, four months, and one day, and I am gone. I am sending my daughter to school out of state with orders never to return. This state is too expensive, and you're making it worse. I got the point. The truth behind the bureaucratic mass deaths in nursing homes and veterans hospitals bubbles to the surface. Well, was it a Cuomo cover-up? That is a burning question today after a top Cuomo aide appears to admit that the governor's office intentionally delayed releasing COVID death numbers at nursing homes to state legislators because they were worried a federal investigation was underway. An attorney representing victims' families says the numbers show the problem. At first, just 9,000 deaths linked to nursing homes and long-term care facilities were reported when the state attorney general says the real number was 15,000. This is just one big cover-up. Cuomo's troubles escalated when his chief of staff admitted the state withheld nursing home fatality numbers from the legislature because Cuomo staff worried they'd be used against us by the Trump White House. The families presented Governor Hochul with a booklet filled with photos of many seniors who died. And they're demanding the creation of a victim's compensation fund for nursing home COVID victims and the families they left behind. As New York totalitarian Governor Kathy Hochul took over the reins, she piled on another 12,000 unreported deaths to the New York COVID death toll. And now, after 19 long months, Hochul, the self-proclaimed COVID messiah. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. Is finally apologizing for Cuomo's mass death toll in nursing homes. A massacre Hochul oversaw as well when she was lieutenant governor. According to the New York Post, over the summer, a 242-page report by the New York State Bar Association quietly revealed that Cuomo's directive for New York nursing homes to admit COVID-19 patients increased the death toll among residents. And Cuomo's claims otherwise have been disproven. New York State Bar Association's Task Force on Nursing Homes and Long-Term Care also blasts Cuomo for not reversing the Department of Health's unreasonable mandate sooner than he did, saying it remained in effect weeks longer than necessary. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, a federal investigation is ramping up. In New Jersey, the federal investigation appears to be only focused on Paramus and Menlo Park not the other long-term care facilities where nearly 8,000 residents and dozens of staff members lost their lives. If there's a federal investigation going on on something, uh, you, you can assume up front that we're not going to have any, any commentary. It's estimated around 192 residents fatally contracted the coronavirus in the state's Menlo Park and Paramus Veterans Homes. Loved ones have said at one point the facilities did not have staff or patients wearing masks and COVID-positive residents were allowed to roam the hallways. You're not taking proper precautions. So they are just letting it spread rampantly throughout that building. New Jersey Governor Murphy again offered apologies and praise for the troops as a deflection for his own responsibility in the deaths of those that gave their lives defending the United States. You know, the system is truly broken when, after killing the patriarchs, matriarchs, and heroes within American families with their psychotic bureaucracy, the best we can hope for is an apology.
On behalf of John Bound, this is Darren McBreen reporting. Bound's got Breen doing his homework. How about that? I think <laughs> it's fantastic break, yeah. teamwork. And I couldn't even, I didn't even notice until Darren's like, oh yeah, this isn't even John Bound ending, ending the video. All right. So hopefully John Bound's on vacation and handed off his work. And that's why he did that's that. That's what I'm hoping as well. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that's a good thing. And uh, before we go to the next clip, I wanted to mention uh, Grand Theft World, where you're watching this, you're streaming, you know, you're seeing it on a stream someplace. Could be Rockfin, it could be Float, could be Odyssey, could be the YouTube uh, Felix Rodriguez account, you know, kind of a pirate account that we have going out there. Uh, there's a Grand Theft World website. You guys probably know about that. It's where we keep the notes and references for each episode. But there's also a Grand Theft World community that you might not know about. And uh, we just completed a new landing page. Joshua had just completed it. When I checked between breaks, I checked out the buttons. Now we're going to see if it works for you guys. You can see new descriptions, new features, new benefits, all sorts of new experiences await you. Go ahead and uh, LD, do you have that page someplace handy we can show on screen so people know what they're looking for? Go to grandtheftworld.com, click the blue square at the top, it says uh, join community, and then you'd see our offer. And I think our offering is very fair. We put a lot of value out there. And if you're interested in these topics and more of a super, that more interested than just superficially listening, and you want to dig in and you want to meet the others who listen to the podcast and uh, maybe have some research acumen and share documents and data ahead of time, you know, we produce this show once a week, but all during the week. The show card is filling up. Interesting clips are being circulated for consideration. Questions are being asked and answered. Uh, town hall meetings are going on for many hours uh, within the community, these sort of things. So uh, let's see. You got that uh, page there, LD? I'm on the spot. We didn't tell him about this audible. I talked to the guys in well, the room behind me, but we didn't tell LD. Yeah, I mean, uh, join community up here in the top right corner. I'm just not sure if this is... Uh the the new one that's not yet. the new page okay all right so so hang in i there. guess joshua has to click live it's, on whatever yeah i think it's still yet to go live but do you know the packages so here hit the three shot put, put joshua on screen while he's doing it he hit the three shot on the, on the stream deck you can see him working at the other side of the desk there oh that's frozen from earlier you're gonna have to refresh that camera and if you guys don't know how to do that don't worry about it we'll just keep yeah. moving with the show Justin's probably got it. Plug it in and out. Power no, you don't have to plug. You just go into the properties in OBS for that camera. Oh, deactivate, activate. Gotcha. Coaching OBS broadcast. It's open broadcasting system. I could tell the audience too. They can download it for free and be broadcasters like us. There's no danger in that. That's a good Lawrence, thing for the universe. The link in the chat. LD is going to get it. And then the research crew, they're still stuck on that camera fixing it. <laughs> LD, what do we got? Can you see it yet? No, not seeing which chat. Which chat, Joshua? Uh, production room. Grand Theft World production room. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything there. Dun, dun, dun. Tech gremlins attacking our live show while we're trying to pre prevent uh, pre present a new... Uh, members features and yeah, there it is there you go we'll go through the uh the wormhole right there and ld looks like he's got it there all right grandtheftworld.com slash sign your screen your screen up. okay now it loaded it, it was yeah. black for a second i was like we don't have it here we go ten dollars a month 25 dollars a month hundred dollars a month 
and a login making sense of the news by avoiding uh, avoiding mainstream media all right good headline and there's various members levels now all of you who are uh, at the only members level heretofore yeah i think you get grandfathered in to the next level right i think that's how we're right. going to work that seems fair. yeah that's correct that's correct people who supported us early should continue to get the valuable benefits as we add on for the new folks and uh yeah so and we'll go continue there. to come up with you know new ways to add subscriber value but right now certainly we're offering as much as we possibly can so it's been really good a lot of the town hall participation has been amazing they've gone on for many hours they're available to subscribers as well as well as back you know footage from interviews you've conducted over the years um some b-roll footage so to speak um there's just a lot we're trying to add in so it's coming together and we, we appreciate everyone's support it's really really helpful for us I'm interested at this point now that we've uh, kind of showcased the members area. That was a good way to get everyone's attention. You know, when things go wrong and sideways, that made everyone go, oh, let's see how this turns out. Uh, I'm interested Perfect in the intersection. I mean, yeah. I'm interested in the intersection of three roads, <clears throat> science, coercion, and censorship. I'm looking for maybe a couple nerds. Doesn't have to be two guys. It can be a guy and a girl telling me about the, those three roads, that intersection and how things work as far as what is science in actuality versus what is claimed in the social milieu. Do you guys have something to that effect? Maybe involving a horse that's not white, like in the Robert Malone video. That's why it was so dark, by the way, while you guys are getting that clip. In Robert Malone video, the cinematographer did his exposure based on the white horse, so he didn't lose detail on the horse, which made the subject uh, poorly lit Robert Malone. Inventor of the mRNA technology, very important person, left him a little underlit. I only know because I make those mistakes myself and uh, it's easy to do. You should actually not be distracted by such cinematographers errors and just listen to what the guy has to say. Cause that's the important thing. Don't let the media. Well, that's the thing message. about the new media landscape. You can make those cinematography errors and get away with it. So long as the sound's okay. Yeah. That's sound is paramount. You have to have mm. clear audio, multiple redundant sources of audio. Yeah. We've learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah only took a couple decades all right so let's go to uh some people maybe smarter than most uh and let's hear them talk about that intersection between science coercion and compliance professional intellectuals this is frontline covid critical care alliance thing. yeah yeah um, the FLCCC had their PayPal account suspended or canceled or whatever. So what we have here is a group of doctors who hold a heterodox position. Now, it's actually one held by thousands of doctors. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they have been unsuccessful. The big they that runs YouTube and associated properties has been unsuccessful at silencing the FLCCC. And the reason they have been unsuccessful is that these are highly credible doctors with a tremendous amount of on-the-ground experience, tremendous number of lives saved because they have innovated new standards of care for COVID, right? So people want to listen to what the, not everyone, but mm -hmm. many of us want to listen to what the FLCCC has to say. They and have so, relevant clinical experience and they are meeting success right. in their clinical experience. In their clinical experience, demonstrable mm -hmm. success. And so the point is, oh, 
Well, the attack that drives them into obscurity um, by using the terms of service of the various platforms has been unsuccessful. The propaganda campaign that has been used to blur the distinction between them and another group associated with Trump that has a similar sounding name. Mm, All of these right. things have been ineffective. And so what are we going to do now? Well, we're going to allow them to speak, but not be supported by people who want to hear what they have to say, right? We're so actually, did you say what the screen showed? Because it was it was very small, and there are some people listening and not watching. It was especially small for them, uh, the ones who were just listening. But yeah, so the screen shows a tweet in which the FLCCC reveals that PayPal has suspended their account. This is not the first time this has happened, right? For example, WikiLeaks has faced the mm. same. Uh, this is the first time it's happened to the FLCCC. I believe that is correct. But the basic point is there's some force that wants to create an artificial consensus and it likes to use the lightest hand possible, right? If it can drive you into obscurity with the terms of service of the various platforms on which you might choose to talk to people, it will certainly do that. But if mm -hmm. it has to get in the way of your livelihood very directly by interfering with people's ability to use a credit card to support you or to use PayPal or any of these things, it will do it. And those aren't the ultimate layers. There are layers even below that, that we will see. I mean, we saw uh, various things pulled, uh, the, um, uh, for example, Amazon web services that uh, didn't allow certain alternatives to Twitter uh, to exist um, on their service. There's lots of places to... When, when are we talking? During the election. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So things were... Uh, during, this, were, during the last presidential people election. People were thrown off about. of Twitter. They showed up on another platform, and then that platform suddenly found it couldn't use Amazon Web Services as a host. And so the point is there are lots of choke points, right? We sure. haven't seen them all yet. Some of them we've seen very occasionally, and some of them we see regularly, like this terms of service nonsense. Mm -hmm. Here's another one that I found absolutely jaw-dropping. Um, can you put up the paper, the Wayback Machine uh, that I sent you, Zach. Here we have a paper. Unfortunately, I'm going to be unable to read it on the screen that tiny, but this is a paper by Jessica Rose and Peter McCullough. These are both doctors. I can read the title from here. Um, yeah, go ahead. A report on myocarditis adverse events in the U.S. Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, in association with COVID-19 injectable biological products. So this is a peer-reviewed paper that Jessica and Peter um, are had published, and Elsevier, the publisher, has now withdrawn this paper. It hasn't withdrawn it formally. What it's done is put up a notice in its place. Zach, could you put up the notice? Temporary removal, and just then... Yeah, a temporary removal, and then can you read the oh, line... Boy. The publisher regrets that the article has been temporarily removed. A replacement will appear as soon as possible. I really, that's tiny from here. I can't, I can't. Yeah, well, the <laughs> last like thing, the last thing it says is that when the paper is put back up, it will contain a notice about why it was removed uh, if it is not fully reinstated. So mm -hmm. this is very exotic. Here we have two yeah. highly what qualified- What journal was this? Oh, it was published in Current Problems in Cardiology. Current Problems in Cardiology. So just, just so people who aren't academics or, or doctors know, Elsevier is one of, if not the largest academic publisher. Oh, it's better it than is, that. Uh, 
Okay, but that's but it's also true what I just said. It's absolutely true. Yes. <laughs> uh, it is also, I believe, the oldest academic publisher. This is by its own account, right? You know who they what, claim what is? Elsevier. Elsevier. What is by its own account? Elsevier, by its own account, is the oldest academic publishing house in existence, and they proudly proclaim themselves Galileo's publisher. Now, if one... Um, How, wow. Yes. If one <laughs> okay. delves deep enough, you find out that that's a little bit of a dubious claim, that Elsevier is the name of something that did not have a continuous existence. But nonetheless, for a publisher that okay. wishes mm -hmm. to, you know, to wave Galileo the mantle at us, of publishing Galileo. Wow. Right. Um, that is a remarkable failure. Mm -hmm. So I've never seen anything like that, uh, that removal. I've never, and, you know, I spend... I spend a fair bit of my time looking at academic papers on, on Elsevier's site and other places, and I've never seen anything like that. And it reveals the whole bankruptcy of this entire, uh, I don't even want to call it a discipline. It's many disciplines participating in the same failure. Mm -hmm. What exactly were, were Rose and McCullough supposed to do with their finding regarding myocarditis other than publish it where other cardiologists could scrutinize it and challenge it. They did exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I've seen the paper. It's excellent. This is a very good paper. Does that make it right? No. But what mm -hmm. do you want to do to find out if it's right? You want to put it in front of peers out in public and let that discussion happen. And now it's gone. And it's not just, you know, if they hadn't gotten it published, it might exist on a preprint server, right? Um, but presumably, since it was published, it's now simply not available at all, except via uh, way back machine. Right. And so all of this is to say that we have a consensus about the safety of the vaccines, about the ineffectiveness of early out of patent treatments, but that consensus is built out of intense coercion, mm -hmm. right? We've had people have their livelihoods interrupted. We have people's reputations threatened. We have people's peer-reviewed papers removed from the web. The point is, if you're looking at that consensus and saying, can that many doctors be wrong? You have to ask yourself the question, well, which doctors am I not hearing from and why? How many doctors are afraid to say what they know? How many doctors are uh, being threatened with the loss of their jobs, reputations, careers, everything? This consensus is not a consensus, right? And the problem is that a lot of, frankly, high quality thinkers who don't happen to have experience in science aren't spotting this. And they're That's simply right. looking at the number of voices all saying the same thing and saying, it's got to be right. Hey guys, I'm wondering if this next clip, uh, they warned us with Steven Crowder. Is that redundant with the one we played earlier? Because no, I think it's a different one. Good. It's a different one. Good. I would like to learn about antibody dependent enhancement. Right. I wrote it down on the card so I can remember it. I'd like to learn more about that so I can have a working knowledge and grasp of this because it seems like it's going to be a big deal during dark winter. It might even be one of the things behind why they might refer to such things as dark winter. As dark winter. And I'm not talking about the November 2001 anthrax exercise say, called Dark Winter 20 years ago by yeah, the same people who did Event 201 right before coronavirus kicked off. Nothing In fact, they did it the same that. month that they now say coronavirus erupted, released from the lab. 
but coincidence for sure. Coincidence, yeah. Yeah. It's a preponderance. Yeah. I heard of coincidences, preponderance. But, that but that doesn't stand against the words of Tony Fauci. He has very convincing words for people. Yeah, oh. let's go to this clip. It's on Rumble because, as you might know, Stephen Crowder got booted from the YouTube for a while. So we got to go over to Rumble. Yeah, I actually watch him. I watch him with the Mug Club subscription because when YouTube yeah. beat him beat him again i was like you know what i can pay steven crowder to watch the show live on his application because they got that it's nice. very reasonable and it's, it's a nice application while. it's fun yeah and then because of that i watched the glenn beck interview with michael malice and i've never watched glenn beck before and i gotta say i was surprised that he was able to let michael unfold that message and malice i think one of the best parts of the interview was where glenn just kind of went like this and listen to what Michael had to say, because it was contrary to what Glenn had been, uh, you know, believing probably up until he sure. encountered Michael's work. Correct. I don't believe that was the first time he had that realization during the interview. I believe that was kind of like I'm unfolded sh- because it's an interview. But right. at some point, because so Michael said, that's the difference between you, Glenn, and the whole bunch of other people out there on the right is that you're willing, you're a student of history and you're willing to consider things before you come to a judgment on them. And I think that's the mark of an educated person who might have some wisdom that I could gain. So I probably will watch other. Absolutely. And like, point. to be fair to Glenn Beck, I mean, I'm, I forget his show that he had back on Fox uh, many, many, many years ago, but he was one of the first one to like in a sort of mainstream sphere sphere, so to speak, that brought awareness to like things like, you know, the history of the federal reserve. Tragedy and, and hope. Yeah. These tragedy sort of things, and hope. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, to, you know, to give some props, he, he, for him to be willing to go to those edges golf clap. 10 years ago. Yeah. A I'll give him a clap. golf clap yeah. for that, but I'll give him a slow clap. Good clap for slow going clap. to Afghanistan and trying to get level. those people out when he yeah, was over absolutely. there trying to do that. I'm like, that's 100%. pretty cool. Good for you. Like he's got beliefs. Do more than what money. the government's he's trying to do. He's aligning his beliefs with his money. Good that's for you. That's correct. Yeah. He's living within his own integrity, which is a Let's good thing. Let's go now if we can. To the ladder with Crowder crew. We're going to talk about antibody dependent enhancement. See, it's getting easier to say it and hear. There you go. You're learning. Let's theme learn. of the show. Yeah. I went through the awkwardness. I did it live right in front of you. And now I'm getting grasped. Doing a lot of things language. live. Yeah. yeah. Doing lots live. Yeah. Let's check it out. Louder with Crowder. We'll see uh, if Landau can make us laugh. So I love like Dave one, Landau. He is He's chill. He's just, you know, I didn't like real. him as much at first, but. Dave, I love Dave Landau. Like a fungus, Dave kind of grew on me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of his type of jokes. You know, he'd he'd love that. I was just gonna say that's exactly what he would <laughs> he would say or agree with. Here's something else. When people say, "Well, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated," all right, let's look at the data. There's an increase in deaths from let's say August 2021 to August 2020 overall. Now, I know what you guys will say, well, not everyone has been vaccinated, but here's the issue. And you can see this with a lot of countries that happens in the UK. In other words, uh, the argument that people, and there are charts around there. We'll do some more probably tomorrow. I don't know if we have more countries, uh, Tokenon. Do we have more countries here today? Not today. Just the United not States. Today. So there are a bunch of countries where this is the case. It's hard to separate which countries have used, for example, Johnson & Johnson vaccine or AstraZeneca. But there are a lot of countries that have had mass vaccination programs and then more deaths. Now, I know what the left says. They say, well, hold on. Uh, you know, they didn't reach a full herd vaccination status. But still, if you were at a point with 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent of the population vaccinated, whatever number, if it's a low number, why would you have more deaths regardless? If it's 20 percent, that's still 20 percent of the population better than before. Right. So why would there yeah. be more deaths in July, in August? And so the argument that they'll often use is, well, because it's this is just the Delta variant. But hold on a second, then why does it follow, in most cases, the seasonality 
of the previous COVID outbreaks. Yeah. Wouldn't the Delta variant just be the Delta variant all the time? Right? Think about that. In other words, we still have the, we still have the peaks and the dips post-Delta variant. Only the peaks and the dips all tend to be higher after we have more people who have been vaccinated. The point is this. If the vaccines were designed to curb death in society at large, there's a lot of data that shows it hasn't worked. And again, when we're talking about aid, um, we are talking about the possibility. Right. This is, again, inferences that are being made, they are being made by doctors. I want to be clear. I am not declaring this to be so, but it's enough of a concern that I think we need to bring it to you, especially when Fauci warned about it and the FDA warned about it. And now we have doctors saying it is happening, that that can actually be the catalyst for variants. Why? Because a virus doesn't want to kill its host. A virus will look for a new way to reach a host. And if a vaccine works against one specific strain of COVID, life uh, finds a way. Right. Well, the normal progression for a virus is it either potentially can kill the host. Obviously, it doesn't want to do that because it wants to live or the host kills it. Right. That's right. usually the outcome that we see when you give somebody a vaccine that basically just says now you can live with it and then you can still pass it on. And people that have been vaccinated can still get it. In other you words, basically the just vaccinated, everything it wanted. <laughs> the vaccinated now with a Delta variant could be argued are affecting. The, they're actually the ones hurting the unvaccinated more than the other way around. Jerks. Think about it. Because no, the unvaccinated are more likely to get, they were more likely to get the alpha strain, right? The first strain. Right. The Wuhan strain. And with the OG strain. The OG strain. <laughs> the OG Kush. <laughs> they would be more likely to get that. And they, unlike with a vaccine, and we have seen this, this is something that is irrefutable, natural immunity. These people tend to have more effective antibodies yeah. against all strains of COVID. There's absolutely no doubt about that. We talked about Mayo, uh, the Moderna vaccine, 42% effective against Delta variant. They were effective against the original strain. They're not nearly as effective against Delta. Even Fauci has said this. Let's just admit that that's true, and it's not true with natural immunity. So what happens is you have people who have natural immunity with the original strain. They're not catching Delta and passing it on, theoretically, to people who are vaccinated. But people who are vaccinated can catch Delta very easily, not know it and transmit it to other people who haven't had any form of COVID yet. The, the point is, this argument can be made both ways if you want to other and demonize half of society. Right. So um, uh, I keep for auto... Uh, aid. <laughs> An Antibody-dependent enhancement. Antibody-dependent enhancement. Uh, it causes the body to produce these non-neutralizing antibodies that actually can facilitate disease. Here's the WHO chief scientist, Dr. Sumya. I'm not going to get this Don't last name. Uh, yeah. Sumya Swaminathan. <laughs> that's pretty close, I think. No, Swaminathan. that's got to be it. <laughs> yeah. Malnuparavir. It's Swami. Like, yeah, who invented the new Malnuparavir? Dr. Sumya Swaminathan. Just kill me. Swami Nathan. So you, Ma. Could I get a real doctor? <laughs> so Dr. So Swaminathan said that the boosters could lead to variants, but she thought it could be due to the virus circulating among the unvaccinated. This is what she said. I'm afraid that this booster recommendation will only lead to more variants, and perhaps we're heading into an even more dire situation. Quanta Magazine. This is a science publication, just to be clear. I know you guys are going, what's Quanta? It's boring. Nobody really cares. Scientists think they're more important than they always are in society right. at large, but they do have these magazines and these journals where people get published, and apparently it's a big thing. Quanta Magazine, so publish this. 
this article in 2018, theorizing vaccines could be uh, pushing pathogens to evolve. Immunization is also making once rare non-existent genetic variants of pathogens more prevalent, presumably because vaccine-primed antibodies can't as easily recognize and attack shapeshifters that look different from vaccine strains. And vaccines being developed against some of the world's wilier pathogens, malaria, HIV, anthrax, or as, uh, as, uh, as Fauci calls it, my trifecta! are based on strategies that could, according to evolutionary models and lab experiments, encourage pathogens to become even more dangerous. There's been a French study from July suggesting that aid uh, could be occurring in vaccinated populations with the Delta variant. The Moderna EU risk management plan from December 2020, this is from pages 75 and 76, include the risk of vaccines. This is from Moderna. Enhancing diseases, it says, important potential risk, vaccine-associated enhanced disease, including vaccine-associated enhanced respiratory disease. There is a potential risk and no increased risk due to the Moderna vaccine has been established. Therefore, no risk groups or risk factors can be identified. However, the generation of binding but poorly neutralizing antibodies in individuals may result in an accelerated and more marked viremia and more severe disease. Who wrote it? Moderna. And they mm. really don't want to have written it. Just to be clear. Look. That's pretty damning. They wrote it. Fauci warned about it. The World Health Organization has talked about it. Right? We have, we have, we have a Nobel Prize. I don't know when you say start following a science. Look, this is the thing. We're not allowed to talk. And, and I, wanna, I want you guys to comment below. Let me, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Uh, 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 aid. Oh, my gosh. E. A-D-E. Just say, say, say it again for me, token out. Uh, antibody development. Uh, hold on. Efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Antibody dependent, dependent enhancement. Dependent enhancement. Have you guys heard about this before this segment? And I, there are things that we know. This was enough of a concern that it needed to be warned about. Now, here's when my antenna go up. Okay? When it was warned about by the people who said trust the science. Yeah. Same people who, by the way, said that a vaccine could not be made within two years. Same people who said they would not take the vaccine if it happened under right. Trump. Yeah. They were saying, look, this could happen with the vaccine. This is a potential problem. And then it's just never addressed or talked about. Yeah. I would feel differently if Fauci, for, and for some of you, you know, you, you know him as the science, none of these other people, you know, people who actually see patients, people who actually work right, in laboratories right. at this point, and don't just talk to a flashing red light, red light on Brian Stelter's show. Um, I would feel better if the scientists who you trust had acknowledged, like, well, we warned about that, but uh, we're actually pretty clear through the mechanism of action that this is not happening. Instead, what do they do? They just gaslit you. Yeah. They're just acting like it was never a concern that they brought up. All right, we're coming back into it. We're about two-thirds through the episode. We're heading into the home stretch. We could learn three solid things from what you just heard there from Stephen Crowder. First off, uh, Fauci sees patients. They just die historically. Second part, this uh, enhanced disease they keep talking about, those respiratory diseases. There's a whole bunch of diseases that was enhanced this, enhanced this. I think enhanced forms of these diseases equals gain of function. That's the part that they haven't figured out there. And then the third thing that you can figure out from watching that clip is that Steven Crowder, despite his arguments with Joe Rogan over weed, is a closet stoner. You might go back and watch Half-Baked. I think he's in there with Jon Stewart as the closet stoner <laughs> because he mentioned strains and then he said OG Kush. Now, why would he uh -huh. be having those things in his head if his head wasn't high when he was talking on there? Anyway, mm. anyway, 
I, I digress, but those are the three solid things. I think the most solid one is the enhanced disease equals gain of function and that Fauci kills people that he sees as a doctor. Historically, just talking AZT back in the 80s. He did see patients, right? Okay, so uh, what did you guys get from that clip? I mean, I'm asking because anti- only one of you was in the control room while it was playing, so I'm, now I'm putting you on the spot to see if you're paying attention. My antibody-dependent enhancement is interesting, right? Because like there were no preclinical trials. I've I brought up this many times, but pre- preclinical trials would be animal models, right? Uh, trials conducted with animals. They ran out of puppies. They ran out of beagles. Oh, they, they didn't have time, you know, until that warp speed. Wink, wink. The Tunisia so, beagle incident is something that Fauci. Oh, Tunisia. Be asked about. Jesus Christ, right. making this dark, bro. <laughs> bro. That's um, why I did the OG Kush joke. Oh, that. I see. Well, I mean, it's all on the table. You never know, maybe. By the way, if you have OG Kush, you can send it to Grand Theft World P.O. Box. (laughs) 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 See, that's Uh, how you make people laugh, though. It's comedy. All right, so... uh, Go ahead. (laughs) You're still trying to be serious. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to make a point. Uh, Well, I even remember what I was trying to make. You took the, the Biden school of point making? Damn, that low that low just um, you know just keeping it real i saw your testimonial in there Mm. that's gone i don't even care anymore (laughs) new uk covid data shows natural immunity provides better protection than two vaccines uh is that something that's a video on free world the news uh i think it's just a website it's just a website a website so oh it's just Infowars. It's just, yeah, it's just like it just goes over the you know clearinghouse for the data. There's an article with a document. Probably there is. We can check. You can check it out. Yeah. Which one do I hit here? Dun, Thank dun, you. Dun. And then we're going to hear about the Amish. How they so a study published by the UK's largest independent statistics producer, the nation's recognized National Statistical Institute, reveals natural immunity to COVID-19 offers just as much or even more protection than receiving two experimental jabs. So this is now another study that's been produced. The most recent had been the uh, the Israeli study that everyone mm-hmm. was referring to. Mm-hmm. Now there's one, one from the UK that's saying pretty much the same thing. Um, UK Office of National Statistics, ONS data focused on what on over 8,000 positive Delta variant coronavirus patients in Britain between May and August. The study concluded unvaccinated people who recovered from the virus are 71% less likely to be reinfected. In comparison, fully vaccinated people are 73% less likely to be reinfected with the Pfizer vaccine and just 62% with the AstraZeneca. So I'm sure they're cooking that data a little bit to make the vaccine still seem like it's... Oh, wait, I remember why. Um, there, This was tested within when people were in the early stages of having just been vaccinated, if I remember correctly from the data. But I'll have to read through that again. I'm most positive. Uh, anyways, however, research by the Lancet microbe shows protection via natural immunity can last up to 61 months. While studies indicate COVID vaccine protection wanes within six months, which is why they are pushing booster shots in the public. In fact, CNN is reporting on a new study involving over 600,000 veterans who found protection provided by the J&J COVID vaccine fell from 88% in March to 3% in August. So even if the Pfizer vaccine offers 2% better protection than natural immunity, according to this UK study, for a brief period of time, the vaccine's protection would likely wane more quickly than antibodies created by natural immunity. And those antibodies might be for life because most of the studies just conclude with where the individuals are at. They essentially come to the present day. 
and they stop. So they're still ongoing as well, as far as how long natural immunity might last. Anyways, this is just another study in the long line of studies that are yet to come out and that have already come out showing the effectiveness of natural immunity. What a surprise. And this natural immunity falling, this is also, I mean, I just contrasted back to that clip we saw of the insider inside of Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, where he said that after getting two jabs, it's five to six fold less neutralizing antibodies to just about everything in addition to it not working for the thing it's supposed to work for. See, I think it's important that we do the addition, especially like in the Cuomo story we heard earlier, we heard the number 15,000, but they just added 12,000 more to that. That makes it like 27,000. Well, it was 9,000, then, it, but it was actually 15,000. Then they added another 12,000. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So, and do we still think they're telling us the truth yet? Probably not. Oh, of course. I mean, why Probably would they not. lie to us? So most of the deaths in New York were artificially created by the governor but those people just die without justice so far pretty much small. that's the well, story that's yeah welcome there's to a bunch the of people world bucking these mandates of vaccines there's military there's police but i want to go down to this um video from infowars it's army training includes graphic novel where cdc vaccines emerge as saviors in the zombie pandemic now we've heard of uh the uh, spongiform encephalopathy that has happened from MA, MR, mRNA shots in 2012, the uh, University of Texas study in the mice and monkeys that killed them all, right? So if there was a hypothesis that similar things might happen in the human population, it might have the, all the hallmarks and characteristics of a zombie type apocalypse, a pandemic. Not making that claim, I'm just observing that hypothesis exists kind of in reality, given the, the, the substrate of that medical research that I just cited. So now let's check out what the army's training for and what type of propaganda they got ready to make this thing into reality. Oh yeah. There's a video of this one. So you can take that away. What are you going to do? I bet you CDC zombie pandemic. So somebody in the meeting was just shooting a little video, capturing it and kind of leaking it out there. Is that what yeah, I'm going to take from that? Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty much what it is. Footage of a U.S. Army officers receiving a zombie pandemic training. It's gone viral on social media and TikTok uploaded over two days ago, seen over a million times an army recruit films during a classroom lecture where the study material includes the CDC's preparedness 101, a zombie pandemic graphic novel. I'm having deja vu here. Cause I thought they did a zombie preparedness war game exercise, like in 2015 or something like that. Maybe that's I a pamphlet. So right? too, but I like it rings. I mean, I know, know that sounds crazy, but it just seems like, they might have already had an exercise to this effect in the past. I wonder what would create a zombie, though. I, don't know. I mean, they're cooking up a T virus. I, I don't know. I, I just remember that. Uh, I think it, oh. it has to do with eating a Vegemite sandwich and being it uh, in a minute works. Eating song. that magic meat that uh, Bill Gates zombie. is funding. Uh, yeah, there's a zombie in that song. <laughs> I think it's uh, eating the not the real meat, like, yeah, the Bill Gates. Bill Gates meat? Near meat. What do they call it? 
Beyond Meat. Uh, Beyond, Beyond Meat. meat. Beyond Meat is the stuff that goes to build back better meat. The triple B's. Build back bladder is not an original Biden campaign. He just <laughs> personalized it. Build back bladder. I don't think he can do that. All right. So uh, the next story, aside from zombie apocalypse training from CDC and the Army, is uh, Colorado governor says kids should lie and get COVID vaccine without parents knowing. And I bet he also likes to hand out candy to children in alleys in his white van with a sliding door, the creeper. All right. So let's see. We have a governor of a state that's telling kids to lie. Right. State wants control your children. Here's case in point. Exhibit number one. Let's check it out. They own your kids. You just have to pay for them. Is there a video of that? Um, no, there's there's no oh, we video got it. there. But uh, okay, we got the, we got says, to bring it up. Yeah, says kids should lie and get COVID vaccine without parents knowing. Get the vaccine. Maybe he's been taken out of context. Maybe they're they're aggrandizing and hyperbolizing for the sake of clicks. Let's see. Perhaps. Perhaps. Why are they Go. missing half of his face? What's up with them? It, it's behind a not so thin being held veil. hostage. Colorful Jesus. veil. Colorado Governor Jared Polis, a Democrat, urged individuals to lie to their family members and privately get one of the controversial COVID-19 vaccines while engaging. Why does he have Don Lamont's scarf on his face? That's a good question. While engaging in deception to keep loved ones who may be against the vaccines from finding out. A spouse, a parent you live with who doesn't want to get it is against it. You can still privately get the vaccine without your partner knowing if that's what keeps the harmony in the family and you are protecting yourself, the Colorado governor said recently. That's Did child they- predation. Jeez, mm. uh, keep going. He keep just going. rationalized lying. This, yeah. I mean, that's all. That's, How to lie to your parents simply. and accept the yeah. state as your god. There you go. Yeah. I need to put myself back on camera. I wish. I think we should put that Bill Hicks line, um, which where one? he says something like "suck Satan's cock." I think we should put that in a fucking soundboard for assholes like that who say I would love know, that they want to go after great... your kids, teach your kids to lie to you, accept the state as your god. Uh, he should teach a course how to lie to your parents and fuck up your immune system for the rest of your life by listening to a stupid governor. Yeah, but lying's a good yeah. thing. Remember, Rich, it's you're doing the virtuous thing by lying. Oh, it's Plato's, thing noble Plato's lie. Republic a noble, noble lie. lie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's all cybernetics Ew. and republic. <laughs> it's an old story. It's been going on here in humanity, and you were born into for a it. long time. Yeah, welcome to like you know, a hundred point oh in the experiment. Tyranny. Crowder did a big interview on InfoWars. We don't have time to play it for you. You can find it on the band.video. What else we got here? Teachers at Colorado Springs force children to tape masks on their face. Oh, they must be acolytes of the Colorado governor. So there you go. Yeah, you can see that. No chance for oxygen to get in. Forcing kids to tape masks on their face is child abuse. So you can see that they have it taped up. Got to make sure you cut off those air pathways that's, that's pretty nice. ballsy you know it's that's pretty ballsy to do teach- that to tape masks to kids who have seen the purge and the purge too just saying those people i wouldn't do that uh, personally for a variety of reasons nice but those people in colorado they feel brave and courageous doing that those are heroes right there it's just one see. step away from duct tape covering the face 
why not just put the duct tape over your eyes and ears too? <laughs> I mean, where, where are they going to stop with it? Uh, I'm sure they're going to try at some point. You know, they're just going to make it so we can't breathe. But I think that goes to a larger plan of depopulation. We do have a two minute video clip. There's a second story that has a video clip on that. Let's Conformity let's to the extreme parents outraged after teachers tape face masks to students face. Yeah, we can roll that. Here, here it's coming. Yeah, go for it. Ellie. Probably local news report. Right now, yeah. first on Fox 21, parents demanding answers following allegations that teachers forced middle school students in Colorado Springs to tape masks to their faces. Academy School District 20 is now investigating the claims. Sounds nice. Fox 21's Lauren Scharf speaking with parents and the school district. The parents I spoke they went to Ted Bundy said School this is simply wrong to do to children. The school district says they still need to get to the root of what happened. This parent is concerned this is teaching this next generation that they have to comply. It's harder when they don't realize that something's wrong. A selfie sent to an Academy District 20 mom has now led to an internal investigation at Chinook Trail Middle School. It's, it's like a type of restraint to me. Parents upset over allegations of their children being forced to put tape over their masks to keep them up. She said that the teachers were wearing the masking tape around their wrists like bracelets. And whenever someone's mask would fall down that they would... Um, tape them. It's sad that our world's coming to this and that, I mean, teachers would think it's okay. With the mask mandates and everything, she's kind of become like she likes them because they hide her face because she's going, you know, acne and whatnot. And so what really made me sad was that she didn't see what was wrong. The district has had a mask mandate since September 27th because of so many kids having to quarantine, but these parents think they are taking it too far now. It's developing some sort of mentality in our children where that kind of restraint over your, 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 your face is you. You know, that's how people know you. And they're just doubling down on hiding you and not letting you breathe. <laughs> it's conformity to like the extreme. More than 100 staff members and students are now being interviewed about this situation. We've heard rumors that students did it on their own. We've heard rumors that, that teachers handed out the tape. We've heard rumors that teachers joked about it, but the students got the tape. There's so many versions of this story. That's why we actually need to talk to every single student and find out you know, what really happened. The principal plans to speak with Stephanie and her daughter tomorrow. Parents want to know who thought this was okay, and many are considering pulling their kids out of the school district. Guys, All right, we'll continue to follow this. Thank you, Lauren. Just in case you wanted to know why John Taylor Gatto subtitled his book, An Exploration into the Prison of Modern Schooling. That's the underground history of American education. Now you understand. They got little prisons going on. They got a little Stanford prison experiments going on right now. Instead of doing the things that they did with Zimbardo back in the 60s. No, no, they got this new thing. They got some duct tape, some masking tape, some masks. We're going to sensory deprive your child under our care because we're not doctors here at the school. We're just like, you know, corporate employees, right? They, they got for some, the greater uh, good. They're right? indoctrinators. You're right. It's for you're the right. greater good. <laughs> indoctrinate. 
for the greater good of the collective because mm-hmm. uh, these people worship the board. Lies are a good thing. You just heard it. You know, we just played a clip. Apparently, you just saw what the qualifications are to be governor in Colorado. And if you think you could do a better job, I encourage you to run That's, against that uh, poor soul. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. No, right. I said, that's, that's I said, where we're at the guys. Culture, I said, though. at least we're led by the smartest among us guys. And all we have mm-hmm. to do is like learn and like, well, we, we don't got to do anything. Then we don't have to think about th- it. Don't got to think about Don't got to use the brain for yeah, use our brain thing. Uh, let's see. Former Surgeon General blames unvaccinated Americans for the death of Colin Powell, mm-hmm. the war criminal. I'm sorry. Did I say that? Is it too soon to say? War, war criminal. I have uh, Jason I have here talking about him later on. Anthrax. Did you guys know that that was a prop? There was no anthrax in there, but he scared the fuck out of everyone mm-hmm. in there because they're like, if he drops that thing, he's shaking. We're all going to die. And by the way, the anthrax, that was the Anglo-American establishment. That was NATO. Just saying. They're the ones who had it. They're the ones who could do it. Oh, they're the ones they're who've the been working on it for you. Oh, yeah. That key bono honestly i don't think it worked about as well as they wanted it to i'm sorry but, i had it backwards it was otan sorry OTAN, yeah, yeah. nato and otan i get them mixed up that's you know just a lot of uh alphabet that word magic they got going on out there soup uh let's see four letter agencies. death of colin powell that's empty yeah. accusation i don't think that's going to happen first off he was double vaccinated second off he's in his 80s third off he had a deadly cancer yeah. you're going to blame people who aren't vaccinated and i'm supposed to take you seriously because to me you look like some kind of clown making that accusation. You know? It's a crazy if, argument. It's not even worth uh, addressing. Uh, there's a good reason he's former Surgeon General. CNN accidentally allows someone to tell the truth on air. Get the fuck out of here. I have not seen this clip. It's two minutes. Yeah, this is I am prepared to be flabbergasted. Does it involve this Don is Lamont? Actually, this is uh, no Brian Stelter. Oh, you'll, you'll, enjoy it. you'll enjoy it. We got BS with Brian Stelter. 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 You know, this is a man bag. What do they call those? Like man purse? He has a purse. He's a purse. See him carrying it. Yeah. I mean, he's big into that. He's... Let's not make fun of him. Let's just hear from him so you he know, can make fun of himself. He like wads, wads around like a duck. You don't have to think about it, dude. There we go. You write, there are tens of millions of Americans who aren't on the hard left or the hard right who feel the world has gone mad. So in what ways has the world gone mad? Well, you know, when you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for the New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad. When you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race, and that is called progress rather than segregation, the world has gone mad. There mm. are dozens of examples that I could share with, with you and with and your you viewers. And you often say, you say everyone allowed. Everyone sort of knows this. And you say we're not allowed, we're not able. Between- Who's the people stopping the conversation? Who are they? Um, people that work at networks 
frankly, like the one I'm speaking on right now, who try and claim that, you know, it was it was racist to investigate the lab leak theory. It was. But I mean, who let's said just that take at an CNN? Example. But I'm just saying that when you say allowed, I just think it's a provocative thing you say. You say you say we're not allowed to talk about these things, but they're all over the internet. Well, what, I can Google them. I can Brian, find them everywhere. I've heard about every story you oh, mentioned. Of course. So I'm just suggesting, of course, people are allowed to cover whatever they want to cover. But you and I both know, and it would be delusional to claim otherwise, that touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of mm. internal self-censorship. This mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times. Brian Stelter did a good turn for humanity by giving Barry Weiss the opportunity to say one of the few things I agree with her on. And the world has gone mad. I'm glad she's getting to that. I thought it's been going like that for like two years since they uh, introduced this thing and came out with the vaccine at the same time before they even had like specimens of it. You know, January 2020, they're on the way to making the vaccine, usually a four year process. That's the shortest process. These people warp speeded it because they're big fans of Star Trek, right? That's how that all worked. That's oh, exactly. How, you got it. Nothing 100%. to see. Nothing to see there. Uh, waning vaccine efficacy and what they call the super cold. Now, does this have something to do with uh, the global grand solar minimum? No, it's not that type of super cold. It's that type of virus, a coronavirus okay. type cold that could be also antibody dependent enhancement yet to be identified. Right. So there's this new thing and it's probably happening. Well, let's 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 let them unfold, because I think this is a clip where Landau hosts Crowder. Is it? So <clears> That's correct. It is. Yeah. Got to carry water. Let's see if he's got holes in the bucket. Dear <laughs> Lawrence, dear Lawrence, what do we got? This is a uh, Crowder bits, not Crowder's bits. But here we go. Oh, OK. Right on. As opposed to his jobs. The thing the that we're just talking about here. How long did the vaccines last? Well, no one How knows. How terrible are they? We can't. You still get diaper rash, and we haven't figured out. We think we figured out COVID. <laughs> yeah. I, I've not I'm been sure particularly non-liberal okay. or conservative yeah. about what I put in my body. Right. right. And this terrifies me. Yeah. So what is <laughs> what is being missed in uh, the Goop and Rogan interview is this clip where the Goop talks about the vaccine. But but what? But uh, so. So for you, Joe Rogan, yes, I would say you've had it. Yes. So now get one shot of the vaccine. No. Why not? Because I have better immunity than I would if I was vaccinated. Because, so, right? Yes. Don't I? I think your immunity is really good. So why, if I've already gotten through COVID and I was really only sick for a day, and then five days later I was negative, I, and I do have the natural antibodies now, why would I take a chance in getting vaccinated on top of that? By the way, I'm glad you're, you're, you're better. I'm Thank glad you. it only lasted oh, a day. Shut you're probably up. the only one at CNN that's glad. No, no, no. <laughs> so he admits that Rogan's right about natural immunity and is like, you should still take this thing. Yes. But why? You should take that yeah. risk of doing it. Because he was embarrassed and he thinks it might kill yeah. him <laughs> like half the people. That seem take to him be out. Taking. You should take the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. You know, he, he didn't have any real good reason for him, too. Like, he asked him the question. No. He's like, why? He was he, like, why and not? just is like, but because? He said his natural <laughs> immunity so. is better than the vaccine and then was like, you should also take the vaccine. Hmm. It's like, you don't sound like a doctor. 
You sound like a salesperson. You sound like a propagandist, maybe. Yeah, yeah. kind of uh, like a dick. A little uh, bit. This claim is backed up by the study from Israel, uh, which found those who had natural uh, naturally caught COVID, yeah. of course, were 27 times less likely to be reinfected with symptomatic what? COVID than those who had been vaccinated. Shocking. Oh my Isn't that gosh. interesting? Shocking. That is very interesting. You know, it's, it's fun. It's like that's a scientific study that could have told us something. Yeah. It's almost like I just read that and I knew what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Almost. <laughs> it's very close. Not quite. Was, no, that actually is a frightening piece of evidence, yeah. isn't it? To be fair, the study did also push for one shot, even after being infected with COVID. That makes sense. Ah, you want to get sick with the disease yeah. and then get the vaccine. Right. I remember when this study like came out. Like you did with HPV. Well, that Everyone knows about your genital warts? That's a Publicly? Day. Oh, did not know. There's no way that should have made air. Oh, that's a was, good thing. Thank God we're on Rumble today. What was the point uh, you were making? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm saying I love how they pivoted after this. And, and Gupta kind of played into that saying, yeah, it's 27 times, you, you know, you're 27 times less likely to get reinfected with bad symptoms of COVID, but we just don't know how long it's going to last. The, the thing that we're just talking about here, how long did the vaccines last? Well, no one How knows. How durable are they? We can't. You still get diaper rash, and we haven't figured out. We think we figured out COVID. <laughs> yeah, we can't cure a cold, and we're like, wow. Now there's yeah. a super cold. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, super cold. Tokenowin. Did you, did you hear about cold? super cold? Yeah, super cold. Yeah. What's super cold? It's it's coming out of the UK, I think. Yep. It's always the UK. It, well, well, and China. UK variants. <laughs> well, what it Wuhan's is is not a suburb of London. They they speculate. So don't get. Well, we're on Rumble. Who cares? They speculate <laughs> that it's Rumble. because the immune system is messed up from the vaccine. Oh yeah, it I could be causing stuff. a cold. Yeah. that's super cold. Ugh. Which and it's only a super cold because it's it's actually same cold. Your body just can't fight it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Look at yeah. I, Did I, you pull I, that up? Did you see it? Oh my god! Super gosh. cold. Super cold. The worst. Cold. It's the how worst. How many like cold. how many iterations like later? This will be listed as a side effect, by the way. Like you know that commercial where there's like 74 side effects. One of one of which oh. is dying in your sleep, and it's like, oh, I That's think a I'll, big side. I effect. think I'll go with yeah. restless leg syndrome instead of dying in my sleep. Yes. So. <laughs> it's like okay, this is probably one of those things that's gonna happen. Yeah, you make it Hank Aaron disease, yeah. Blue Gehrig disease, <laughs> all oh. sorts of disease. <laughs> but like, why would you risk getting the vaccine after you already risk COVID? Yeah, like you said, if you're 27. Yeah. Seven times less likely, and given, given the waning effectiveness, yeah. getting that the vaccine even before natural infection, doesn't seem to make much sense unless you are a particularly high risk category. Remember the study that found Pfizer's effectiveness dropped to forty two percent in July. Jeez, in July, in ju- that's July it's like alone. Five ish months, four months. It dropped more than a percent a day. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a it's in, like a brand new car. Yes. You drive it off the lot and it's worth nothing. In the longest a month gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this study compared vaccinated versus unvaccinated with a sample size of twenty five thousand. Big number. Yeah, it's pretty big, but it had a huge uh, a confidence interval of thirteen to sixty two percent. Also known as confidence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a little double speak. I, I wanted you to catch that. I'm glad you got it. You read this. So the actual efficacy in that study they were talking about with 25,000, the interval's 13 to 62. It could be as low as 13% effective. It's terrible. A few That's weeks low. ago, CNN reported. That's terrible. That's so low. even worse. Yeah. 
Wow. They did. Pfizer's Pfizer's effectiveness against infection has dropped to just 20% months later. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Oh, we're not even a year in. No. Not even close. Well, so far, I'm just glad to see that this vaccine's working. Yes. Thank God. And there's a bunch of different companies making money off of it. At least a handful of percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. This is like if I came to work and shot someone in the face and got a raise. And no offense, I might. Well, and, on no, you're not a politician. No, I'm not. No. And why are we Dick talking Cheney about Clinton again? And this past Thursday, a new and not yet peer-reviewed study of 620,000 military veterans found the Johnson & Johnson vaccine fell from 88% effectiveness wow. against the disease in March to just 3% mm-hmm. in August. That's insane. In, mm-hmm. in a very short period of time, down to 3%. Can you imagine getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and thinking you're no. going to go? Well, I know you can't. It's, it's, the, not, that's it's the like very a, best. That's it's the thing. thought experiment. I, you know, I talk about this on stage. I, I'm a recovering drug addict. I've done cocaine off of uh, holes. It's just a matter of... <laughs> I, I've not been sure. particularly, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, non-liberal. Okay. Or conservative yeah. about what I put in my body, right? And this terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> this is where you draw. Kind of concerning. Line. I've bought acid off of goth kids, <laughs> like, and I'm like, ah, I'll shove yeah. that right in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it's acid. It's not a problem at all. But this, I question this. <laughs> that bothers me. Understandably yeah. so. My fr- and I'm going to be honest about something here too that I don't know if I should bring up, but I do want to be honest. My friend died of COVID, yeah. and he died, uh, and he had the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, <sighs> and uh, he he lived in LA where he's surrounded by everybody who's vaccinated and yeah. pro yeah. this and everything else, and he's dead. So uh, fuck you, Johnson and Johnson. Oh, jeez. Bottom of my heart. From the Pardon bottom. my language if you have kids in the room. But I think in the next few years, they're going to learn that yeah. term as the world collapses. Right. Next one, as the world collapses. Great. Oh, that's great. With Dave Landau. That's the name of his new podcast, I think. And uh, yeah, he did a good job. And then he tapped in Gerald to finish reading. Confidence. Yeah, he help every once in a while. I have a lot of confidence, confidence. in him hosting <laughs> the show. Uh, yeah. And, okay, so we make fun, but it's sad about the super cold, and it is likely that it's just a regular cold, but people can't the fight it The general theme anymore. of the show, ADE, the super cold, cytokine storm. I mean, that's... Fauci now has two, di- two different types of AIDS. for this very dark winter that Fauci, might be approaching. Fauci, who pioneered supposedly. AIDS in the early 80s, is now back with AIDS in singular. <laughs> oh, ADE. He's got two types of AIDS. All right. So uh, the next document that we have here is uh, the Paul Joseph Watson from across the pond. He's talking about the UK bringing back the face diaper mandates. And I'm sure it's really necessary over there to keep their population safe. And it's all about their health because, you know, the, the empire always cares about its subjects at the highest levels. I'm sure they take care of their subjects better than they take care of their farm animals, at least. Right. Uh, let's see how people are being herded into uh, not immunity. Nope, they're being herded into cages of not freedom. Let's check it out. Paul Joseph Watson reporting for InfoWars News. Well, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Another winter approaching, another hysterical clamor for mask mandates and lockdowns. Decisions like masks left to the individual. But with each day and each week, 
this is playing its part in driving up COVID infections, hospitalizations, and ultimately deaths. UK 2035. A few more months and we've got this beat. And as ever, it's all based on the weaponization of behavioural psychology and a deliberate misrepresentation of the facts. The UK just recorded its highest number of COVID cases since July 17th. July 17th, when mask mandates were in place and had been for the previous 10 months, solution? Bring back mask mandates! Because they worked so well. Wait, but when we had mask mandates, case numbers soared to their highest since January. Doesn't matter, bring them back! Average recent case toll since the end of the mask mandates. 44,000. Case toll on the penultimate day of the mask mandate, which had been in place for the previous 10 months, 54,183. Solution? Bring back mask mandates! If you as an individual are so frightened that you're going to go and put a face mask on in the middle of summer, you are personally investing. This is the reason the establishment is so, so vehement about wearing masks. People think that what you believe motivates what you're going to do, your action. But it also works the other way. Your action largely creates what you believe. So mask zealots, riddle me this. Wales has seen the same spike in cases as England. They never dropped the mask mandate. It's been in place for a year. Ireland just recorded its highest case number since January. They never dropped the mask mandate. It's been in place for a year. In all three countries, COVID cases rose recently, whether a mask mandate was in place or not, which kind of suggests it has nothing to do with the masks. Could it have anything to do with the fact that millions of kids and students returned to schools and universities and have been tested multiple times weekly? Gee, I wonder. Reuters reports, children fuel English COVID case rise. As this graph shows, about half the current caseload is children. The vast majority, no symptoms, no hospitalizations, no unsustainable pressure on the NHS. The adult caseload has barely changed at all since it fell after July 17th. The media fear-mongering about this huge spike in cases is pure bonk. It's fueled by mass testing of children. There's no reason at all to worry about the rising cases. The cases have been completely driven by rises amongst children. The children are just about to peak and fall away. And those children's cases have not produced any significant rise in hospitalizations. We have about the same level of hospitalizations that we've had since uh, August. And we predicted that they do all this at exactly this time over six weeks ago. And look who's back. Professor Pants Down calling for more restrictions. The same clown whose models have proven spectacularly wrong time and time again. He said that if restrictions were lifted in the summer, there'd be up to 200,000 cases a day. Wrong. He said it was, quote, almost inevitable that case numbers would rise once the mask mandate ended on July 19th. What happened? Case numbers dropped and haven't been higher on any day since. 200,000, my arse. Why are we still listening to a guy who said the first lockdown would kill half a million Brits and then took his own warning so seriously he spent that lockdown travelling halfway back and forth across London in total violation of the rules to shag his married mistress. Why are we still listening to him? As part of an effort to amplify calls for lockdown and blame people who didn't wear masks for the spike in cases, CNBC reported, quote, hospitalizations and deaths have been steadily increasing since the summer 
when COVID restrictions in England were lifted on July 19th. No, they haven't. That's an outright lie. This is the graph for hospitalization since July 19th. They haven't been steadily increasing. They've either flatlined or actually gone down. Yo, can I get a medical misinformation fact check? After we told them the vaccine would drastically reduce hospitalizations and deaths, we told them another lockdown was needed to reduce hospitalizations and deaths. <laughs> Is it such a surprise that a population that can be so easily terrified can be cowed into changing their behaviour on a whim yet again? It's now admitted that the government weaponized behavioural psychology using quote unethical and totalitarian propaganda methods to exaggerate the threat of Covid in order to terrify the public into total compliance. They admitted this. The same government just released a report, which was then hastily deleted, celebrating how easy it is to make the public conform so long as you frighten them in the right way. But I'm sure they're not doing it now. The obedient always think of themselves as virtuous, rather than cowardly. Remember, this is the same British public who had been so spooked and gaslighted that a poll found the average Brit thought 100 times more people had died of coronavirus than was actually the case. Look at what they've turned people into. Morning. If they did a poll asking the British public if they would support this for the greater good, I bet at least half would. We're still recording COVID cases as anyone who tested positive for COVID and died within 28 days of a positive test. Colin Powell was 84 years old, had a compromised immune system and was fighting blood cancer. Cause of death, COVID. Gee, I wonder if this could skew the numbers. They test every single person who is admitted to hospital for COVID. More hospital admissions every winter and unfortunately more deaths. More of whom will have COVID on the death certificate. Here's a thought. Can we make sure we actually confirm that a person died of COVID before officially recording it as a COVID death on the certificate. Is that too much to ask? And get this, The Telegraph asks, cock up or conspiracy? As many as a quarter of those people admitted to hospital for COVID were actually admitted to hospital for something entirely different, yet they were counted as COVID cases. At a press conference from Downing Street on Wednesday evening, Dr. Jenny Harries, the chief executive of the UK Health Security Agency, took the public through slides showing that there were currently 7,891 people in hospital with COVID in the UK. What she failed to mention is that this figure does not only include people admitted with COVID, but also those who test positive for coronavirus while in hospital for another condition. Hospitals were instructed to distinguish between the two groups earlier this year, but so far it has not filtered down into the official figures. Yeah, you'd think that'd be a big deal, wouldn't you? Doesn't seem like it. And if you're sat there thinking this can't get even more preposterous, well, strap yourselves in because boy have I got a treat for you. So in Ireland, they cancelled the scrapping of restrictions. You already have to show a vaccine passport to get into a pub or a coffee shop. No option to show a negative test result, despite the fact that the vaccinated can still transmit the virus. You know who can't transmit the virus? 
People who don't have the fucking virus. Are they allowed in? No. That makes absolutely no shitting sense whatsoever. Until you realise it's about population control and mass compliance. But get this. Ooh, this is a doozy. In Ireland, when you visit a nightclub, you have to wear a mask, apart from when you're eating, drinking, or dancing. <laughs> So apparently this virus has developed some kind of artificial intelligence that it knows when you're on the dance floor, rubbing up against other people in close proximity, breathing and sweating all over them, and it goes, oh, he's just having fun, leave him alone. But as soon as you stop dancing and walk to the bar to buy a drink, COVID suddenly becomes a risk again, and you have to put the mask back on. He stopped dancing, get him! So dancing squashed together with a hundred other sweaty people in close proximity, that's COVID safe, but walking to the toilet isn't. And remember, all the people there had to have had the vaccine to get in. It's fucking mental! There's no greater example that cuts right to the sheer mind-numbing absurdity of the rules. Than that. Meanwhile, the drumbeat for vaccine passports in England is back on the agenda. It's part of the government's plan B. As Laura Dodsworth writes, it's now becoming clear that the COVID passports are a behavioural science tool used to increase vaccine uptake. Dodsworth warns that the government could be preparing a reciprocation nudge in which we appear to be given a concession, the freedom to see our friends and relatives at Christmas, as long as we roll over and accept a less severe option in this instance, COVID passports. You be good little boys and girls, or Father Christmas won't come. I sense if they try and lock us back down again, there'll be many millions of people who will say, the hell with it. And I have to tell you, I will not be showing any vaccine passport to go and buy a pint in Weatherspoons or any other pub. In the space of about 20 months, we've gone from please wash your hands to take a mandatory government medical procedure or you won't be able to have a job, eat in a restaurant or get an organ transplant. That escalated quickly. What's the situation going to be in another 20 months? Meanwhile, Sky News continues its lobbying campaign for a new lockdown. Could that have anything to do with the fact that people staying inside all day staring at screens boosts their ratings. Surely not. The good news is that the public increasingly isn't buying it, with polls showing support for more lockdowns in decline. Meanwhile, I'm sure the editorial impartiality of American news networks remains completely unaffected by this. Is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Really makes you think. The rapier wit of Paul Joseph Watson was effectively aimed at the New World Order, and I think he struck a direct hit right there. Uh, I want to cut down. Rapier to maybe... wit. 
like he's that. like a there he's like go. a swordsman poking mm-hmm. him. And he's quite yeah, tall too. I understand. I've never oh, met him in okay. person, but I understand he's like like. I guess that in this sword. video is telling me sharpened. That's why I'm telling you. Uh, he's really tall. Rob Dew's really tall. Yeah, hey, Rob Dew. Rob Dew. I can tell us. Yeah, there's some tall people out there. Tall. I consider tall they're people taller tall. than me. That's the only ones I know. Oh, Everyone yeah, else, yeah. I think they're. I think you're all the same height as me. I can, I don't know if Justin's taller than Tony's, taller than Joshua, because I you know I only notice when someone bigger than me is in the room. So like <laughs> when LD's around, I'm always like oh, yeah, big big guys in the room. Yeah. All right, so uh, there's uh, I can make jokes about the thing we just saw, but we've already done stuff like that all night. Let's get to this intermission clip because I think this is really important. We rarely do make the intermission these days. This is a particular clip from Mr. James Corbett of the Corbett Report. He is continuously churning out excellent uh, excisements. Like he's cutting out little evidence pieces of the new world order nice and showing you, showing you on a, on a plate, a silver palette, a uh, silver tray, that he's prepared it on. He's got his white gloves and he's like, here is some evidence for your consideration. Uh, LD, you have the, uh, the intermission queued up. Yes, sir. We do. All right. We're going to check out the bystander effect. And, and what were you going to say? And I'll point out it's coming up on midnight by the time we'll, we'll have an announcement about shirts at the end of, well, maybe at the end of the show. Shirts, but, uh, man. Grand Theft World community peoples, people, check out the uh, Discord around midnight. Midnight West hashtag, Coast time. Hashtag Fauci kills beagles. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, he does in that experiment no, in Tunisia. I mean, true. Is what yeah. I was referring to. Yeah. And do you want to describe how? They Next do on it? faces of Fauci. Uh, the how they how he kills the beagles. Mm-hmm. Oh, they put the beagle's head in a cage with uh, was it sand flies? Sand f- after they've that- removed its vocal cords, right? And uh, mm-hmm. the flies eat the dog to death yeah. without being no, that was actually an ancient torture method, I believe. They put someone on a boat covered in honey. There's nothing up. new under the sun, Tony. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched a good Passio presentation? Uh, Gallo, Gallo's humor one. for the beagles, all right? So, uh, the bystander effect. <laughs> Bystander effect. I don't even know what to say. Hashtag Fauci kills beagles. At 2.25 in the morning, man, that's what I'll say. James Corbett deserved a better intro than that. He did. But Fauci kills beagles, so... Hey, we made an intermission. That's the first time in like six weeks. Yes, it is. We're we're getting in stride. It's good to have the, you know, at least uh, 90% of the team here, and we'll have to get LD here next year for such celebrations of life. All right, cool. Let's go with the... uh, bystander effect from james corbett welcome back ladies and gentlemen welcome back to solutions watch that weekly series where week in and week out we examine the ways that you can change your life for the better and change the world in the process and we have such a world changing idea in store for you today but in order to get there we're going to have to cast our minds back to a gloomy incident that took place on a chill spring evening in New York in March of 1964. Specifically, March 13th of 1964, when a 28-year-old bartender named Kitty Genovese was returning from a late-night shift and was brutally stabbed outside of her apartment in Queens. Now, the story of that incident, as reported by the New York Times, became a national 
news story and provoked much outrage and soul-searching among the American population at the time, not because a murder had taken place in New York, but specifically because of the witness's reaction to that murder, as reported by the Times. For more than half an hour, 38 respectable, law-abiding citizens in Queens watched a killer stalk and stab a woman in three separate attacks in Kew Gardens. Twice, the sound of their voices and the, the sudden glow of their bedroom lights interrupted him and frightened him off. Each time he returned, sought her out, and stabbed her again. Not one person telephoned the police during the assault. One witness called after the woman was dead. That was two weeks ago today. But Assistant Chief Inspector Frederick M. Lusson, in charge of the borough's detectives and a veteran of 25 years of homicide investigations, is still shocked. He can give a matter-of-fact recitation of many murders, but the Kew Garden slaying baffles him, not because it is a murder, but because the good people failed to call the police. A harrowing story. There's just one problem with that story. It was fake news from top to bottom. In fact, the murder did happen, but all of the details of that murder, including the 38 witnesses sitting there watching, doing nothing, was flat out wrong, as even the Times itself was forced to admit uh, 50 years later, um, from a few years ago, um, when the killer, who died in prison, died, they had this moment of reflection in their story about that death. While there was no question that the attack occurred, and that some neighbors ignored cries for help, the portrayal of 38 witnesses as fully aware and unresponsive was erroneous. The article grossly exaggerated the number of witnesses and what they had perceived. None saw the attack in its entirety. Only a few had glimpsed parts of it or recognized the cries for help. Many thought they had heard lovers or drunks quarreling. There were two attacks, not three. And afterward, two people did call the police. A 70-year-old woman even ventured out and cradled the dying victim in her arms until they arrived. Miss Genovese died on the way to a hospital. So the account of the 38 witnesses cold-heartedly cold ignoring the cries for help of this woman that they watched getting stabbed to death was not exactly true. Um, and all of the soul-searching that that very dramatic story prompted may have been misplaced, but it did lead to an interesting development in the field of psychology where, in search for a solution of how such an event could take place, the idea of the bystander effect first began to be theorized. So the bystander effect, long story short, um, is very commonly understood and talked about to this very day. Just taking a short synopsis from Why Not Psychology Today. The by bystander effect occurs when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in an emer emergency situation against a bully or during an assault or other crime. The greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is for any one of them to provide help to a person in distress. People are more likely to take action in a crisis when there are few or no other witnesses present. So it's counterintuitive, perhaps. You would think in a crowded space with a lot of people around to help, you would be more likely to actually receive help from someone. But that isn't necessarily the case. And although the bystander effect was used originally to explain 
this bizarre actions surrounding the murder of Kitty Genovese, and although that was based on a fake news story, the bystander effect turned out to be real, at least to some extent, with a lot of qualifications, and half a century of research has taken place in various experiments through various permutations, looking at various different degrees of variables and things that can be changed in these situations and what they might tell us about this effect, etc., etc. And, oh, by the way, in fact, CCTV footage of actual real-life emergency situations note that it is, in fact, the norm for intervention to take place in real-life conflicts. So there's a lot of caveats and things to be added, and I'm not going to attempt to summarize half a century of research in a few glib sentences. But the long story short is that there is a bystander effect that is real and is measurable. Well, we decided to try to create a relatively ambiguous situation in which we could see how people responded. We thought that one kind of thing that comes up that's often hard to tell whether it's a real emergency or not uh, has to do with fire. You see smoke coming through the vent, and it is ambiguous. What do you do? There's, there's smoke coming out from under the door in that room where I was filling out the questionnaire. Almost everybody does that if they face the smoke alone. Now let's have you face the smoke with two strangers. One person can be seen glancing at the other. The other is continuing to fill out the questionnaire. It's getting a little more smoky in the room, but nonetheless, you stay in the room. By and large, people surrounded by people who react as if there's nothing wrong, don't respond. Everybody sees the other people not reacting, so they create a definition of the situation. No emergency. To test their theories about how groups and individuals respond differently to a crisis, Darley and Latine conducted a second experiment. This time, the emergency was clearly defined. First of all, I would like to thank the two of you for being here today to help out in this study. In this experiment, one student was asked to communicate via intercom with another student down the hall. If somebody, give me a little help here, because I'm having a problem. I've got one, one of these things coming on. What sounded like a real seizure in the subject's headphones was just a tape recording of an actor playing a role for the experiment. If somebody would, would give me a, a little, little help, or, or Hello? somebody help, or... If you knew there was nobody else but you to help, you got up, you opened the door of your room, and you headed off to find the person. On the other hand, if there were three or four other people present who you heard... I would like to thank the three of you for being here today to help us with this study. We are interested in... You are much less likely to respond yourself. Somebody, give me a little, little help here. The responsibility any individual feels for helping is diffused when there are other people who could also help.
Now, this effect may not be all that surprising in the light of other psychological research that I have referenced in the past on the Corbett Report, like, for example, the Ash Conformity Experiment. But an experiment is not a public opinion poll. It examines behavior under the pressure of social forces, as the experiment of Solomon Ash reveals. The experiment you'll be taking part in today involves the perception of lengths of lines. As you can see here, I have a number of cards, and on each card there are several lines. Your task is a very simple one. You're to look at the line on the left and determine which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. All right, we'll proceed in this order. You'll give your answer. Only one of the people in the group is a real subject, the fifth person with the white t-shirt. The others are confederates of the experimenter and have been told to give wrong answers on some of the trials. The experiment begins uneventfully as subjects give their judgments. Two, 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 three, 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 three. But on the third trial, something happens. Two. 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 Uh, two. The subject denies the evidence of his own eyes and yields to group influence. One. Ash found subjects went along with the group on 37% of the critical trials. One. But he found through interviews One. that they went along with the group for different reasons. One. One. They must be right. There are four of them and one of me. One. This subject's yielding is based on a distortion of his judgment. He genuinely believes that the group is correct. One. 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 Two. One. Two. 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 I know they're wrong, but why Two. should I make waves? Two. In this case, the subject knows he is right, but goes along to avoid the discomfort of disagreeing Two. with the group. Here, the distortion is at the level of his response. Two. 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 Or the Milgram experiment. In 1961, Psychologist Stanley Milgram conducted a now-famous experiment into the public's propensity to obey perceived authority figures. In the experiment, ordinary men and women were tricked into administering what they believed to be painful and even fatal electric shocks to complete strangers on the pretense that they were helping a scientist conducting research into memory and learning. Uh, we wanted to find out just what effect different people have on each other as teachers and learners, and also what effect uh, punishment will have on learning in this situation. But that memory research was just a cover story. In fact, both the scientists and the strangers were actors. The only one not in on the sham was the one delivering the shocks. The real experiment was designed to see how far those ordinary men and women would go in inflicting torture on others when commanded by a perceived authority figure. Incorrect. You'll now get a shock of 75 volts. Oh. Soft hair. He kind of did some yelling in there. Continue, please. The study is famous in the annals of psychology because the results were so completely unexpected. Most psychologists predicted that only a very small percentage of the participants in the study would continue delivering shocks past the point where those shocks could be fatal. Instead, 
A staggering 65% of the test participants proceeded all the way to the maximum, supposedly lethal, voltage. That is incorrect. This one will be 195 volts. The correct one. Let me out of here. Slow. Dance. Let me out of here. My heart's bothering me. Let me out of here. You have no right to keep me here. Let me out. Let me out of here. Let me out. Continue, please. Let me out of here. My eyes bother me. Let me out. Let me out. Let's repeat that. 65% of participants, ordinary men and women who thought that they were volunteering for a simple experiment about memory and learning, were willing to deliver what they sincerely believed to be potentially fatal doses of electricity to random strangers simply because an authority figure assured them that it was necessary to continue with the experiment. Yes, it is a sad fact of basic human psychology, but a fact nonetheless that all things being equal and various conditions being in place, if we see other people ignoring someone in distress, or we see other people blatantly lying about obvious and identifiable reality, or if we see other people blindly following orders from authority figures that they know to be wrong, then we are more likely to fail to intervene or to lie about observable reality or to follow those orders ourselves. Now, this is pretty dark stuff for a Solutions Watch episode, isn't it? Well, let's turn things around then, because there is an interesting corollary, or corollary, if you happen to be of the American persuasion, uh, to this observation, namely that if we see someone reaching out to intervene and help someone in distress, or if we see someone standing up and boldly speaking the truth about self-evident reality, or if we see someone questioning authority and not doing what they're told when they know it to be wrong, we are less likely to do that thing ourselves. We are more likely to follow the example of the person who is standing up, even if it is a single individual in a crowd. As long as one person is standing up and doing that thing, we are more likely to follow in that example. Now, this holds true in all of the various experiments we've talked about today. It holds true, for example, with the bystander effect. Four minutes later, and 34 people have passed without stopping. Well, people don't really want to know that they just haven't got the time. Well, they have got the time, they just don't want to get involved. Unwittingly, these strangers have silently formed a temporary group with a rule don't get involved. They're afraid to stand out from the crowd and won't take action if no one else does. This woman has clearly spotted Ruth, but she conforms to the rule and does nothing. Watch what happens, though, when someone else helps. You all right? You all right? Yes, thank you. Sure, you look a bit clicky, you know what I mean? She suddenly oh, finds sure. herself in a different group with a new rule. To help. Uh, you want to sit up? You're in the world, is she? Uh, you are, yeah. Sure. First, I thought she was dead. 
then I saw to check to see if she was breathing or not. And I looked around and I couldn't believe that no one had noticed her because there was a bloke sat there just absorbed in reading a newspaper. It holds true in the Ash Conformity experiment. In the previous experiment, the naive subject stood alone against the group. In this variation, Ash gave the naive subject a partner, here seated in the third position, who also gives the correct response. One. One. Two. One. Two. With a partner yielding drops to only 5% of the critical trials compared to 37% without a partner. Although subjects report warmth and good feeling toward the partner, they typically deny that he played a role in their own independence. The partnership variation shows that much of the power of the group came not merely from its numbers, but from the unanimity of its opposition. When that unanimity is punctured, the group's power is greatly reduced. And, as I've pointed out before, it also holds true in the Milgram experiment. Yet, and here we get to the real lesson of the Milgram experiment. If the teacher saw other teachers disobey the psychologist and refuse to deliver the shocks, they would disobey too. Now, I said he tested a thousand subjects. In any one study, it's only 50 or 60. Let's look at the other 16 studies. In each study, he varies one aspect of the social situation. We call that experimental variations. So in study 16, the percentage of people going to 450 volts is 91%. Nine out of 10 people go all the way. Why? In study 16, you come in and they say, we're running a little late. Why don't you sit and wait till the other person finishes? And you see a confederate, like, confederate looking like you go all the way to the end. In study number five, only 10% go, go all the way. In study five, you come in and you see people like you rebel. That says we are powerful social models for other people. If you model evil behavior, it's going to spread to others. If you model good behavior, caring behavior, compassionate behavior, it's going to spread in a positive way. This is the surprising conclusion that has been scrubbed from most accounts of the Milgram experiment. Disobedience, once modeled, becomes an option in the mind of the public. This is useful. This is important. This is empowering stuff. We can flip people's tendency to go along with the crowd, go along to get along, on its head by simply modeling for them what, they, what at least some percentage of them already know. And this is a point that I often make, that there are more people out there that agree with you or know that something is wrong than you believe because everyone is under the mass hypnosis put out through the mainstream media that everyone is going along with this agenda and you're a fringe wingnut and you're all alone and no one else believes any of this. So we self-censor. Uh, we look around and we see, well, no one's kicking up a fuss. Well, I'll go along with it. And it's, it's not a conscious decision that people are making. It is simply a fact of human psychology. Most people, most of the time, all things being equal, will go along with the group, even when they know it to be wrong. And for precisely those reasons, when someone, anyone, even one individual stands up to that group, there can be a difference. At the very least, it prompts other people who are already inclined to show 
their willingness to join that cohort. Now, obviously, this is applicable to our situation today, is it not? It is. And as a demonstration of that, interestingly enough, just in, in the past 24 hours, I note a comment on CorbettReport.com regarding my previous conversation with Ian Davis on the pseudo-pandemic that just went up the other day. If you haven't watched it yet, I suggest you do so. I think it's an interesting conversation about an interesting book in which we talk about the, the disinclination of the public to look at some of these facts and what that means for how we proceed from here. And uh, No Soap Radio, who's a uh, common commenter on the comment section at CorbettReport.com that regulars at CorbettReport.com will probably recognize, left an important point about this and really stopped to cogitate on the meaning of this. She wrote, Clear thinking and articulate speaking is so therapeutic to listen to. Disinclination to recognize hard facts. It's true that in the face of such deeply ingrained prejudices and delusional assumptions sprung from generations of meticulously cultivated fear, example would seem to be the only effective method of persuasion. Giving the example of something better. For the moment, I need to continue concentrating on closing that gap between awareness and action, as this is perhaps the only thing I can do to keep my first two children from yielding to the pressure of getting the poison injection, and, more challenging still, dissuading my third from getting any boosters, despite pressure from, and the bad example provided by, his father. Man's behavior is not dictated by logic, but perhaps more by imitation. Giving the example would seem to be the best hope for humanity. I think so. And I think that is very much along the lines of what this research shows to be the case and what I think we all, we all know to be true. That when you stand up and speak the truth and take action and show people how to act or a better way to act, there will be people who will join you in that action assuming that it really does correspond to observable object, uh, objective reality. You've heard it before. You've heard, be the change. You've heard, set an example for others. Those are not mere words. Those speak to a fundamental underlying truth about social psychology, something that we can tap into and use in our efforts to spread not just awareness, not just understanding of the problems or the solutions that we face, but actually bringing them into existence in the real world, bridging that gap between knowledge and action. So uh, I think this is about emboldening those people who are out there, who do agree with you, more so than you might even suspect, maybe living with you right under your own nose. I've had feedback on that front recently from people saying, the good thing about all of this is that I'm really finding out there's a, there are people in my community I never would have guessed are on my side and who are on my side. It's very interesting to see. Yes, and you are starting to find out because when you speak out and when you are not shy about what you believe or about doing what you know to be right, other people, you will find other people on your side. You have to provide the social proof to show them that it is okay to think, say, or do things differently, and they will come along with that. So there are some practical th things that we could address here in how to do that. And I think one thing to note is the more specific you are in the example that you are setting and the things that you think would make a better approach to the problems, whatever that is, in whatever space or whatever realm of this problem you're approaching, and there are many, many 
many back issues, back episodes of Solutions Watch Now that you could draw on. Um, for example, just just last week we were talking about Rico rings and things like that. If you think the Rico ring is the example, yeah, you can proselytize for it. You can tell people about it. You can talk till you're blue in the face. You can try to to talk up the wonders of it. But by actually doing it, participating it, and then showing and modeling the results of this, look, I have, I, I met all these people, we're doing this great thing, I've got all this food, it's wonderful. That is the more persuasive uh, method of presenting an idea to people. And similarly, in, in specific situations, even talking again about the bystander effect and trying to get help in a crisis situation, the most effective way is to be very particular and to hone in on certain people and giving them specific things that they can do to help rather than just saying, help me. You, you hone in on particular people and you tell them what you need them to do and you will be more likely to actually elicit help in that situation, something that, again, has been talked about time and time again in the scientific literature. We can take this, for example, from a, an interesting book called Influence, Science and Practice, available, of course, for free on archive.org, which has an entire chapter on social proof that does talk about the Kitty Genovese incident and the bystander effect and other such things, and has a, a section specifically on how to actually elicit real help in a real crisis. It says, many are called, but only one should be chosen. Based on the research findings we have seen, my advice would be to isolate one individual from the crowd, stare, speak, and point directly at that person and no one else. You, sir, in the blue jacket, I need help. Call an ambulance. With that one utterance, you would dispel all the uncertainties that might prevent or delay help. With that one statement, you will have put, will have put the man in the blue jacket in the role of rescuer. He should now understand that emergency aid is needed. He should understand that he, not someone else, is responsible for providing the aid. And finally, he should understand exactly how to provide it. All the scientific evidence indicates that the results should be quick, effective assistance. In general, then, your best strategy when in need of emergency help is to reduce the uncertainties of those around you concerning your condition and their responsibilities. Be as precise as possible about your need for aid. Do not allow bystanders to come to their own conclusions because, especially in a crowd, the principle of social proof and the consequent pluralistic ignorance effect might well cause them to view your situation as a non-emergency. Of all the techniques in this book designed to produce compliance with a request, this one is the most important to remember. After all, the failure of your request for emergency aid could mean your life. Exactly right. Very practical advice for very real, practical, everyday emergencies and crises that you might encounter in the real world. But also, I think, for the broader topic of, of what we're talking about here, solutions to the various societal problems that we're facing, how do we actually elicit help in those situations? Or how do we get people to join uh, whatever it is, a Rico ring or anything else that we're interested in doing? How do we actually persuade people to come to overcome that inertia that's provided by the social proof. I don't see anyone else doing this. I don't see anyone else. We have to set that example. And the more particular you are, the better. I, I don't want to over-intellectualize this today. So I will, I will wrap this up by making a direct appeal for your help. I want to test the hypothesis of today's Solutions Watch episode that it will actually serve our interests 
to be clear and concise, and also to speak boldly and righteously, standing in the truth of what we know to be true and acting upon those things that that people will ultimately come to our aid, that we will have a community from that. So I need your help. No, 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 not any of the other people who are listening to my voice right now. You, particularly you, the person who is listening to my voice. I need you to do something for me. I need you to try to apply this principle in your life over the course of the coming week. It could be something small and trivial. It could be a big major issue. But I want you to try to apply this idea of being very specific in setting an example and asking for help in a specific way to try to achieve something that you know is good and true. And I'd like you to report back to me about what happened. What did you do? How did it go over? What, what resulted from that? Will you be likely to try again? If so, what could you do differently or what would you do the same? That is valuable feedback, not just for me, of course, but for everyone. So I suggest that you leave this in the comment section. Of course, Corporate Report members are invited to log in and leave your comments in the, the post at corporatereport.com so that we can all learn together about methods that work and things that we can do and how to apply that. That is, of course, the underlying point of Solutions Watch. So yes, you, not the other people who are listening, you in particular, I need your help with this. I hope you will come to my aid. Having said that, uh, I will finally leave you today with a classic video that I think visually illustrates the point of today's Solutions Watch in a way that uh, any amount of bloviating and talking and intellectualizing will fail to do. It's helpful to see it in action, and I do mean see. So if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, I would highly recommend that you at the very least stop driving and make a note or make a mental note to seek out this video to watch later because it is worth watching and seeing this phenomenon in action. The video is called First Follower, Leadership Lessons from Dancing Guy, and I think it pertains to the overall point of today's Solutions Watch episode. Having said that, I think we're going to leave it here for today. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, thanking you for joining me today and looking forward to talking to you again in the near future. If you've learned a lot about leadership and making a movement, then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers, because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. 
As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Welcome back from Intermission, the bystander effect, James Corbett. It's one of his best, one of his best. And as I was listening to that, like there's certain elements in there I'm very familiar with. There's other elements I'm not really familiar with. I'm bridging the gap. And in there, there was a Kitty Genovese story and he got me thinking. So I did a quick web search right there at the end. I was paying attention, James. I really was. But I also did a web search at the end. And let me share my screen. You guys are able to see that. This is the New York Times article from 1984. 20 years after the murder of Kitty Genovese, the question remains, why? And this is by Maureen Dowd, actually, back in 1984. She later became uh, like Huffington Post uh, type of journalist. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, it goes on about Kitty Genovese, but in good and bad Samaritanism and people standing by and not doing anything. Right. This is the original story from back in the day. Here's a, here's a paragraph I want to draw your attention to. R. Lance Shotland, an associate professor of psychology at Pennsylvania State University, said that over the last 20 years, more than a thousand articles and books attempting to explain the behavior of bystanders in crises had been written. Only 50 such studies, he said, have been done on the Holocaust. So a thousand articles. That's an interesting juxtaposition he offers there, right? And so I also looked up our, I think his name is Robert, Robert Lance Shotland on uh, Amazon. And it, there's a book by Stanley Milgram, Television and Antisocial Behavior, that he cited in. And I do have Milgram's book here. Let me just show that to you real quick on the desk cam. I know we're, we're doing splitting cams. And let's see. Is that there you go? Did you see that? No, it's good. Yeah. Can't see my screen. Stanley Milgram, Obedience to Authority, Milgram Experiment. 1961. We're going to talk about this after I get done with this, uh, this other piece here. So we're back here at the browser. Robert Lance Shotland also wrote an article in the New York Times when the rapist is not a stranger. And he did some sex studies back in the day. So interesting that when I was looking him up, he's a professor of psychology at Penn State. 
And in remembering through the Kitty Jenny Vesey story, I recalled that uh, I had Robert Lance Shotland as a teacher at Penn State for one semester because I started out with a Bachelor of Science and like kind of pre-med. And then I got transitioned into business management where I got my degree. And in order to transfer from like the pre-med and engineering courses that I was taking over to the business, I had to go through psychology. Tony, you went to Penn State. Did you have to go through like, uh, you know, the, to switch a major? They make you go through another college you don't have any interest in. So I had to take psychology no, and stuff for no, like a semester to change the entire time. To change the major. Yeah. So to, that's, that's why crazy. I'm a five year Penn State grad, not a four year Penn State grad because <laughs> of that little trick they worked in there. So I remember Shotland talking about the Genovese case. I do not remember him saying it was inaccurate. So 50 years after the case, that bystander effect, as they claimed, those people didn't have full knowledge as it was kind of purported through probably Shotland and his colleagues doing those studies, right? However, we do have a story from the past week where the bystander effect appear, apparently happened because it was on a, I think, a, was it a subway in Philadelphia? Uh, I believe, the the, the uh, yeah. girl was raped for like a half hour and a whole bunch of people stood around and no one called the police, but everyone stood around and filmed it. Bystander effect is instead of calling for help or creating a distraction or disrupting the event, you're just documenting it. Just, you know, what, what to do, what? Like, it's just a horrific circumstance. <laughs> this is kind of worse because people are actually sitting there filming it. So, I mean, usually people just walk by and just try to act as though they don't notice anything. But in this capacity, it's sort of like you have to be aware that something's happening. You're participating. You're just, yeah. Point. Right. And where do yeah. we get the idea that when you see someone in pain, that you just sit around and not help them? Is that, wait, wait, wait. That's the last episode of Seinfeld. Oh, wow. People were programmed with that type of behavior back in the day. Everybody saw the last episode of Seinfeld, right? Wasn't it all about them being dicks and watching people in pain and not helping out and being on trial for that? I mean, I might be going beyond the age of uh, some of the younger listeners who might have been not born when Seinfeld was at its crescendo. But for people over 30, you might remember the, the last episode and that was kind of the theme so now with the public fully programmed on how not to act in those situations that's what they repeat where are the positive you know uh types of events to inspire people on, on the equal and opposite side of the bystander effect because that's what james is pointing to yeah there's the bad side to it but we could also enact the good side and take leadership and start doing the right thing in front well, of other people well, so that they also kind of do the same thing well, I mean, that's the point, right? Like once you understand your own nature, you can you, you can sort of manipulate your own nature for for good to do actual good for yourself and for your community. If you're willing to step up and be courageous and, you know, take that initiative uh, to lead a small group or to stand out just to get something something going and seeing if you can get just that one person and then that other person to come in and then, you know, that hope, hope, hopefully opens a floodgate of individuals that are willing to stand together around something that's meaningful and something that actually uh, will impact them in a positive way. And while the world's going through so much dehumanization, you know, it just takes standing up for a little bit of active rehumanization. And there's, I'd say the majority of people are on the fence and not wanting to comply, uh, but they don't fit in the one person willing to stand out and lead the way or the first follower. But if those people take their positions then all of a sudden it's okay to not be on the fence and actually go on the side of freedom.
I have a passage here from Stanley Milgram's. Let's see, book plus me. Is that the right button? Brand no, this one. Split. That's what I'm looking for. Split screen. Let me zoom in a little bit. What then keeps the person obeying the experimenter? First, there is a set of binding factors that lock the subject into the situation. They include such factors as politeness on his part, his desire to uphold his initial promise to aid the experimenter, the awkwardness of withdrawal. Second, a number of adjustments in the subject's thinking occur that undermine his resolve to break with the authority. The adjustments help the subject maintain his relationship with the experimenter while at the same time reducing the strain brought about by the experimental conflict. They are typical, they are typical of thinking that comes about in obedient persons when they are instructed by authority to act against helpless individuals. One such mechanism is the tendency of the individual to become so absorbed in the narrow aspects of the task that he loses sight of the broader consequences. Now, I think that's called, as we talked about earlier today in the Q&A, Amtsprache, official speak, as brought in by Adolf Eichmann. And if you want to, let's just do it live. Let's go to Adolf Eichmann over here in his book, Technopoly, because I know Neil Postman has that quote in here. Oh, looky there, page 87. Let me zoom you in so you can see more of what we're talking about. Thus, Adolf Eichmann becomes the basic model and metaphor for a bureaucrat in the age of technopoly. When faced with the charge of crimes against humanity, he argued that he had no part in the formulation of Nazi political or sociological theory. He only dealt with the technical problems of moving vast numbers of people from one place to another why they were being moved, and especially what would happen to them when they arrived at their destination was not relevant to his job. Although the jobs of bureaucrats in today's technopoly have results far less horrific. I would challenge that. Eichmann's answer is probably given 5,000 times a day in America alone. I have no responsibility for the human consequences of my decisions. I am only responsible for the efficiency of my, of my part of the bureaucracy, which must be maintained at all costs. Continuing on, because uh, Neil Postman, he deserves a little, little read here. Eichmann, it also must be noted, was an expert. And expertise is a second important technical means by which Technopoly strives furiously to control information. Oh, that sounds like, what's that, cybernetics? Controlling information? Hmm. They have, of course, there have, of course, always been experts. Even in tool-using cultures, the pyramids, Roman roads, Strasbourg Cathedral could hardly have been built without experts. But the expert in Technopoly has two characteristics that distinguish him or her from the experts of the past. First, Technopoly's experts tend to be ignorant about any matter not directly related to their specialized area. The average psychotherapist, for example, has barely even superficial knowledge of literature, philosophy, social history, art, religion, and biology, and is not expected to have such knowledge. Second, like bureaucracy itself, with which an expert may, may or may not be connected, Technopolis experts claim dominion not, not only over technical matters, but over social, psychological, and moral affairs. This book was written in 1992. That's pretty remarkable that we are living in an age predicted in 1992. But if you understand the Amtsprache of Adolf Eichmann and the bureaucracy that drives uh, obedience to authority, then you would have a fighting chance at maintaining your intellectual sovereignty. 
What do you think, research room? Is that a salient case? Uh, very salient. Um, don't really have much I can. Yeah, man, it's a mic drop in a way. People be obeying out there. That's the point. That ad very Do we have the story on uh, the bystander effect in the subway? It's somewhere in the show card, but it's part of some other was part of montage of videos. So it's like, probably I'm a crowder. Sure. I mean, maybe crowder, so if, I if saw LD, maybe it. if you can find some of them. So there's something that comes to mind that I could tie in with this. That good job taking leadership while we're looking stuff up, Justin. Yeah, there's, there's a corollary in microorganisms in rivers and waterways where you have like a array of bacteria. And you got extremes on two ends and one end is like pathogenic and destructive and the other end is regenerative and beneficial. And the whole middle ground of the inert indifferent microorganisms, if you will, in the middle will actually follow whichever one is more prominent. And I think that's a, a great allegory almost of how we can function and how this bystander effect can function, where if the psychopathic few um, have the most propaganda and the most memes out in the public, uh, the, the bulk and the mass of people and minds will go with it as if that's the only thing. But if those tides are turned and there's enough uh, freedom information, which I think is easier because we're not deceiving anything, we're just pulling back veils and un, uh, you know, shining light on a lot of this stuff. Um, if there's enough of that, there's way more people that are currently believing nonsense that will see signal and you know it doesn't take a, a 51 percent need it only takes greater than the the psychopathic few that are out there to really tip those tables well said i also had this thought that we should have a t-shirt that said mcafee didn't epstein fauci just in case you know we could be ahead of that curve uh, the other story I saw here in the clips, even though we're still looking for the, uh, and we've got a, uh, we've got a story. story? Uh, there's, there's nothing I could look up in the show notes by any keywords, but, uh, uh from Delmarva now, uh, angry and disgusted train riders held up phones, didn't call 911 as a woman was raped on Philadelphia train police say. So there's a couple minute video. Sort of and everybody news, had footage of it. So there's proof they stood around and watched it and didn't use their phones to call 911. Right. So that's bystander effect and like one of the most negative and yeah, in one of the worst ways old. possible. But exactly. Yeah. That's horrific. So equal and opposite reactions when we see people who need help, learning how to step up, enlist the help because of usually others, the using communication skills. You know? Sure. That's where we can all make big differences. James is right. This is one of his yeah. most brilliant solutions watches yet. 100%. I agree. He always does brilliant work, but I mean, that one, you know, has we a also, very meaningful impact. I mean, in the past, the way I always understood the bystander effect is once you make it a personal interaction between the person that's in need and uh, the person that's possibly walking by you, if there's some way to make a personal interaction, then they feel as though they have like a, a personal need or a personal right to interact at that point. 
mm-hmm. as like a moral obligation. Leadership but if otherwise, if that like isn't initiated, you just walk by and assume it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird effect in humans, but this is much worse than that. I mean, that's, uh, leadership that's always is how I sort of understood it from like an taking earlier action perspective. By taking action. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that's, that story you still had on the screen LD. Did you have it up there? I just want to see how many yeah. people were involved. Do we have any facts or what's the report? Uh, let's see. A man was charged with raping a woman on a train outside of Philadelphia as fellow passengers watched. Uh, I'm not seeing a number, but, um, there's a description of the incident. Uh, but it went through two dozen train stops. Um, people getting on and off of the train, dude. Two dozen. No yeah. one got off the train and called the cops either, apparently. Uh-uh. So not the people taping it and not the people seeing it and getting off. About 40 minutes, it looks like the affidavit says. Uh, 40 minutes. I think this is unprecedented in American history. I'm not trying to say that we should call Guinness and tell them they got Man, a world record Philly. here. So. Yeah, I know, but why didn't this happen in Philly ten years ago? What what was going on? Like I there was know. even less surveillance, right. less cell phones, more opportunity to get away with it, or was it these sort of things always going on and they just weren't reported? And now because twenty people filmed it, we know about it. It could be one or the other. We yeah, have, I mean that's that's a very good question. It and I'm it's scary. Sort of way. terrified of the potential answer of that one. Wouldn't want you know people we know and love to be in those situations and the people that you know, the woman it happened to is you know somebody's loved one somebody's daughter somebody's maybe spouse right and so I mean, again, it's just so sinister though because you believe someone's going to help you in that inc- like instance right i mean with the pa- being right, it's one thing if she place, walked down a dark alley and there's right, no one else around but you're in the middle exactly of the context public matters. transportation i think the subway authority should lose its funding until like there's an investigation just insane, and they run all those man. tapes and the fact that no one stands around and demands justice in that situation all that that's clear cut I mean, where's all the people happens. that were out there supporting all these other yourself. justice movements where's antifa out there protesting for this woman's right where's all the feminists protesting for this woman's rights where's all the people who want to improve society like that it's not even like it's hard to find a good story. What was that? Delmarva.com. We had to find that story. So these things are going on in our society. They're not going to get better without more people paying attention and taking action in the constructive opposite of the other bystander effect that uh, is the negative. So we got to do something Correct. positive. And I thank James for making that video to bring it to our attention and giving us that handy piece of media that we can send into the future so more people can learn about it. Uh, 100%. The next clip we got to cover, it's a sad story about a man named Brandon. And we need to get behind him and say, let's go, Brandon. And I think it's I think it's a shame they use this guy. But the White House seems to have a sense of humor. And they're like, we'll meet your uh, observations of Joe Biden with our own reframing and re historicizing the situation with joe biden historicizing yeah yeah oh, and, it makes uh, sense to me i totally understand yeah and so let's let's uh can we can we see the promo for the man named brandon who we have to say let's go for it's a way for the white house to tell the future it wasn't really like if they have so, their way 20 years from now let's go 
uh, let's go, Brandon, never meant fuck Joe Biden. They'll gaslight everybody if they get away with this sort of stuff, right? I don't think they're going to get away with it, but that's their plan. That in the future, everyone thinks we were helping somebody. I haven't seen it. Is he in a wheelchair? What, what, what kind of theatricals did they bring and put this poor person into the situation to be used in psychological warfare? In a battle, like it's an info war, and you're going to see this guy. He's like the casualty they're going to put on screen. Which makes it's me amazing feel that they're able makes to. Makes me really want to say, let's gets... go, Brandon. Sure. All right, let's let's check. What's out uh, what's the name of that article? I'm not seeing it. Oh, uh, where we are? I scroll, I scrolled past it 60 stories ago. Just search <laughs> "Let's Go Brandon" in the outline. Hmm. Control F. Or just even Brandon. Uh, this is Russell Brand clip. No. Or, but yeah. it does have Brand in there. Hmm. Brand on. Brand off. You would Brando. think so. That's a Brando um, callback. Look at that. We, <laughs> we, I think we're, the only two. There's a Russell. Brand. Extra points for callbacks in the last few minutes of a podcast. Working them in. We need like a radar sound that we're homing in on the clip. Oh, it is a Russell Brand clip, clip about talking about. Let's go, Brandon. It is. Oh, my goodness. Good. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, I Look thought you knew that. that. It's a double one talking <laughs> Double branded. Let's check it out. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. We've been reading your comments. You want us to talk about Let's Go, Brandon. The phenomenon that began, of course, when during a NASCAR race, the crowd was shouting, <laughs> fuck Joe Biden. And the reporter off her own back. Because like, like, if you're a fan of football in England, there's a lot of expletives. The referee's going to get called a wanker. There's going to be a lot of aggressive, sweary, curse-laden chanting. Seldom do the commentators try to pretend that they're saying, let's go Brandon or let's go anyone. Let's have a look at what happens, see if we can understand this phenomenon. And let's face it, it's yet another example of media bias and deception, albeit one that has been embraced and turned into a powerful meme. And now a hip hop number one. Thank you to all of our partners. Oh, my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me. As you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn. I never heard the words fuck Joe Biden more clearly than as is being chanted by that NASCAR crowd right there. I wonder if it's like that she feels just a bit embarrassed about it. Oh my God, his name's Brandon. This is useful. I feel like she got some balls to try and uh, make that work. And I also feel slightly sorry for Brandon, whose moment of triumph in NASCAR has been graffitied over by people's dissatisfaction with Joe Biden. What did you learn that helped you there in those closing laps? Oh my God, it was... Uh... 
Some people may express their disdain by shouting the words, let's go, Brandon, just to get that rage off their chests. Other people will express their disapproval through that uh, more proper funnel, the approval rating system. Here is that information for you. Eight months after Joe Biden's inauguration, his job approval rating has fallen six percentage points to 43%, the lowest of his presidency. Except for Donald Trump, every US president since Harry Truman has enjoyed a honeymoon period characterized by above average approval ratings upon taking office. Biden's recent slides in approval put him in the company of Trump and Bill Clinton, whose ratings were at or below Biden's current 43% at some point in the first eight months of their presidency. But in a sense, all of these statistics, all of these presidents, all of this information operates within such a narrowly contained set of opinions and options that they're all ultimately irrelevant. No one is going to give you the power to run your own life, run your own community, opt out of a culture of commodification, give you the opportunity to live a life where you're connected to your own nature, inner and outer, explore who you really are, learn to liberate yourself from your conditioning, de-school yourself from the inundation of false information that you've faced your whole life. So in a way, even though those polls and those numbers are interesting, they're just details of our dissatisfaction with the system that can never really serve us. Learning how each line didn't uh, stay to one and everything shifted top to bottom so much that it was kind of like, okay, let's just stay patient where we're at and hope for the best. It doesn't even for the briefest of moments ever sound like people saying, let's go, Brandon. I've seen all over our comments the uh, let's go Brandon chant. It has been embraced by people quite clearly and I think justifiably and it's a wonderful example of the way that culture can emerge quite organically and naturally and it always has a little bit more juice and a little bit more fun about it. What does it tell us about contemporary politics? It tells us that there is not enough space for dissent that the mainstream media favours a particular type of news reporting. You know me, my views lay way outside of the bipartisan red versus blue political spectrum. I believe that the kind of changes that we need to make far exceed anything that's been offered by any recent politician or any current political party, that uh, we require systems that are based on community activity, community autonomy, individual freedom, the ability to control our own resources, a degree of a massive degree of ecological responsibility. But, you know, in a sense, what does it matter what I have to say? Because the whole thing can be summarised with the simple phrase, let's go, Brandon. Brandon, let's go. It's also amazing that, that the innocuous phrase, let's go, Brandon, can now just be used to sort of codename fuck Joe Biden. It's, I suppose this is what happens if there is repression, if media spaces don't represent your views, if people don't talk openly and honestly. As a person that was sort of cynical about the Biden administration from the first place, even though, as you know, I'm not a fan of Republican politicians broadly, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, even though I recognise why a lot of you find him amusing. There was stuff that he said that for me is like difficult to come back from. What I recognise that you like is the confrontational, tipping up the table, populist, not static corporate speak of the kind of politicians that we've been offered in recent years. And it seems to me that the tragedy is that nothing's been learned from the conditions that led to Donald Trump in the first place. People are saying, oh, wow, we're obviously going to need to change the way that our politics operates. We're going to have to have a transparent, open, trustworthy media. We're going to have to have politicians that know how to talk to people on a normal level. We're going to have to be honest about 
about inequality. We're going to have to have a real vision for the American people or the British people or whatever people it is that we represent. We're going to have to make decisions that curtail the interests of corporate giants and tech giants and pharmaceutical giants and start representing the interests of ordinary people. No, none of those lessons have been learned. The same relationships that have always been in place are in place. The revolving doors between Silicon Valley and Washington and Wall Street, the same structures continue to support themselves. And while that goes on, individuals will have no choice, no recourse, no access to democracy because whoever you vote for, you're going to get some version of oppression, perhaps oppression with the kind of delightful spike in some people's eyes of a, a, an, a kind of uh, irregular figure, an anachronistic and unusual figure like Donald Trump. But you're never going to get, it doesn't seem to me at least, coming through that system, a politician who's interested in representing ordinary people. But ordinary people will continue to have a voice. My hope is that ordinary people from across the political spectrum, from a variety of economic, cultural and racial backgrounds, will come to realise that we have much more in common with each other than we have to argue about and align and unite against the ongoing systemic controls that we regularly confront but never get to do anything about democratically because that option is never on the table. Never get to uh, see our views represented in the media because that is not on the table. The only option that we seem to have to confront these ongoing concretized voices that bombard us day and night with messaging that is not in alignment with who we really are is to return to that rallying cry. Let's go, Brandon. If you enjoyed this video and you have more uh, things like this that you would like. You see how he worked in fuck Joe Biden at the end of that? That was, <clears throat> that's witty. That's why he's a comedian. Masterful. <laughs> Masterful, right? Mm -hmm. Well-crafted, that ending. All right, so let's go, Brandon. Was a song on iTunes. Climb to the top of the charts. Uh, LD, I sent you a link on the news article about its update. What happened with it? It was in the Grand Theft World production. Yeah, um, and this it this looks like a different rapper than the the one we played. So I'm not familiar with this tune. Oh, right on. There's more than but, one uh, song. Let's go. Yeah, Brandon. there's a couple. Sweet. I have to yeah. pick that up. All right, so, so we'll leave that for people. They don't. We don't need to play the other. Let's go, Brandon. But they're deleting the stuff. The stuff out there. Right. And then I saw. Uh, there was two articles. There was four articles. So what was the other one at the top that I sent you? Uh, yeah, let me open it up. GOP congressman ends floor speech with "Let's go, Brandon." Can we hear him say it? Let's see. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if the page loads. It's loading. 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 Enhance. I'm not seeing the video, but uh, a real all right. But he said it. Yeah. <laughs> Republican congressman. Definitely, yeah. Bill Posey. Sorry, Florida man. Florida man who happens to be in Congress. Named okay. Bill Posey. But, but yeah. Uh, is that right? Yeah. He shouted. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> okay, so then then there were two other articles at the bottom two. Now we're going to get into it because Russell didn't talk about the Brandon to whom America is saying, let's go to. He's talking about the wrong guy. Joe Biden is bringing to the foreground. He's like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Here's Brandon. And let's see uh, these two stories. Right. So from independent, after Joe Biden talks to a man named Brandon, internet wonders if it's 
retort to let's go Brandon taunt. Oh, like <laughs> After President Joe Biden spoke with the disabled. 5D chess? Is that what this is? He's got his like, mask off in the picture. Who Long is that guy? That poor guy, Brandon. He doesn't even have to wear a mask around the president. Not this Yeah, way. just memes on top of memes on top of memes. Oh, there's a little video. You it's wanna... like they've already played yeah, yes, the ER game. Let's this go, is, Brandon. One giant recursive fucking meme. There we go. Me a favor and tell the president what, you, what you've told me and so many other people about what Lynn means, means to you for your care. With, without her, I would not be able to have the life that I have. And there are thousands of people like me every day who without these wonderful people that work with me would not be able to live the life that they live. They give us a substantial life. And, and they give I, you hope. And I thank you so much for the Build Back Better point. And I'm, oh, no. I'm here to fight <laughs> with you. You're not alone. Thank you. This is so criminal. <laughs> It's just so criminal. Is it me or did they use that guy? Jesus Christ, man. It's tough to watch. It seemed like they used a handicapped gent there. I was expecting they were going to roll with an elderly gent because I hadn't seen the clip. I'd only heard stories about the clip, and that's why Grand Theft World brings you that clip. And uh, let's see. There's a tweet, too. Let's see what other incriminating evidence we can uh, line up here. WIBC.com. Biden thinks Brandon in a tweet. The... uh, the president, Hunter Biden's dad. I'm fighting every day to pass my Build Back Better agenda for folks like Brandon. His story is like so many I've heard across the country. Folks are just looking for a fighting chance and to be treated with the dignity they deserve. And that's why that's what my agenda is all about. And Misdirect that energy. I'm sorry. I'll let you continue going. That's just there's a typo in there. It's his Build crazy. Back Bladder Plan, and it has to do with the president doing Kegel exercises. Please keep reading. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Oh, it's late. It's <laughs> there you have it. Um, yeah, it's all right. Hunter knows he can explain days. it to his dad. There's just there's more video of the uh, of Biden. Search on Hunter but, uh, Biden's laptop, Kegel. No, I'm just kidding <laughs> about that. But his dad does do this. I'm sure it's in one of the one of the hard drives. He's into filming that sort of thing. If anyone's interested. What a country. What a country. So the laptop's real now, but is there an investigation of Hunter Biden anytime soon? Oh, Christ, no. Are you kidding me with the Biden DOJ? Oh, no. Is there ever going to be an investigation of Fauci and this Wuhan connection? Like everything we went over tonight, everything we've been going over for weeks and months now. Uh, I mean, it's depressing to say that, but I think it, the, the best we can do is make as many people aware as possible. So if there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, positive form of a bystander effect takes place in society, more and more people will be primed and ready to know what they're participating in and know the meaning behind that. We can all look up to Brandon in times like these. Yeah, Brandon will be the uh, immortalized forever as the uh, anthem. Shows how weak the White House is doing that. Yeah. Like, 
it's not like that's a strong move. That's what I'm play. saying, it's man. Like, that's disgusting. And I to miss to you guys are like owing me respect now because it's, it's they're less than zero with me. Right to redirect that energy in such a way to someone that's physically disabled like that. I mean that's just cruel. And he it's, talks it's about fucking hope criminal, man. Such a yeah, way and hope just sinks like a rock. And then, well, that guy's like and hope. Like the older gentleman next to him, it's like it's so choreographed as well. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Talladega. Trying to think that there's what this one marketing firm does a lot of PR marketing type of uh oh, Hill, and Hill and Knowlton. Proctor. Hill and Knowlton. Well, there's lots of them, but that's the one that did the babies and the incubators. They're famous. Oh, well, yeah. The, I don't think it's them. Um, not on my computer, though, so I can't. CAA is hey, a big one. I was, that- I was talking to Senna about it. It was very interesting, some of the campaigns they've run over the years. So the ones re- responsible for, like, Smokey the Bear and shit like that. Um, uh, pro- I think a... Oh, the a, Ad Council. A, we were talking about the Ad Council. The Ad Council, and, uh, yeah. Do you, have can- that, do you have that in the brain, Rich? See, ad council. I don't know that I do. I look for it. We we did. We actually did a little bit of a a dive into it on the Grand Theft World Town Hall. That's right. I totally forgot about that. No. Too many no. things happening all at once now. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. We'll have to uh, do a dive into that sometime. If I was on my computer, I would start bringing stuff up, but I'm not going to do it here. Well, I got this story here from Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe gets a $100,000 donation from a Jeffrey Epstein associate who owns a plane called the fuck jet. The what jet? The fuck jet. Oh, that's what it says. It comes from the national file. Yeah, let me bring this up here. File you can use to break out of your cage. So, how do you pronounce that first name? Fuck Jet. Fuck Jet. Uh, Terry Get McAuliffe. <laughs> Fuck Jet gets a hundred thousand. Terry Terry McAuliffe gets. <laughs> well, you know, no false equivalency. <laughs> Terry McAuliffe gets a hundred thousand donation from Jeffrey Epstein associate who owns plane called the. Fuck jet. There's no way I can censor myself for that one. Democrat Epstein's Virginia. jet was the low candidate. Huh? Sorry, good. Uh, Epstein's jet was Lolita Express. That's correct. And uh, who wrote Lolita? And how is he related mm. to British intelligence? And what did his cousin do for American intelligence? Talk amongst yourselves. We got nothing to see it. there. Nothing to see. Terry McAuliffe, the Democratic candidate for Virginia governor who formerly held the job prior to Ralph Northam, received $100,000 for his campaign in September from Ron Burkle, a billionaire associated of the late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein who owns a plane called the Fuck Jet. Well, that's, uh, you know, can't be more conspicuous than that. As reported by Fox News, Ron Burkle, a billionaire investor, donated $100,000 to a McAuliffe's campaign in September, his latest donation in support of the former governor's electoral bid, according to Virginia campaign financial records reviewed by Fox News. Burkle, who made his billions in the supermarket game and rose to prominence after former President Clinton, 
joined his financial firm, Yukaipa. Uh, previously gave uh, McAuliffe another $100,000 at the end of the last, excuse me, at the end of last year as the Virginia gubernatorial contest ramped up. According to the report, this should not be the first time that the Epstein associate and owner of the fuckjet had donated to McAuliffe between the years of 2013 up until 2021. Burkle's Political Action Committee, PAC, called Common Good Virginia, gave just short of a half a million dollars to the Virginia Democrat. Burkle was reported associate of both Epstein and, and former President Bill Clinton and was named in the Epstein's infamous quote-unquote black book, as well as his private, tra- uh, excuse me, his private jet travel log. So, it's nice. <clears throat> Fuck jet. Fuck jet. Fuck jet. And let's go, Brandon. All right, so let me just dip into that because I mentioned... Lolita Express, right? Mm-hmm. And that comes from the book Lolita, which is written by Vladimir Nabokov, who was an MI6 agent under Stuart Menges. And he also has, uh, I think it was his brother or cousin. Let me go to the mean, brain for a second. Nicholas, more than just drug running? Wow. Nicholas Nabokov, cultural, uh, Congress for Cultural Freedom. So this is like cultural Cold War stuff. Aspen Institute. Uh, St. John's College. I was thinking about the Aspen Institute right? earlier. This is, That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Vladimir. It's interesting that comes up. Uh, I got to go over here. Click Vladimir. And he worked under Mengis and MI6 CIA work. And I don't have Lolita under here, but that was a book. And you can go right here. Nabokov's Lolita, 1955 was ranked fourth in the list of Modern Library 100 Best Novels, right? And it has to do with uh, an older man and the underage girl and all that sort of good stuff, which represents, right? So this Nabokov and Lolita comes from MI6 That was turned into a film, wasn't it? Flat, yeah, and it yeah. was referenced in the Sting song, uh, you know, the Correct. police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Stuart, uh, so... And uh, who's the guy from uh, the police whose dad was in MI6 and CIA? Let's just go over here. Uh, is this I don't remember the name. Stuart Sutcliffe? I definitely see. Copeland. 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 Stuart Copeland. And Miles Copeland. So, and Ian oh, wow. Copeland. Here's Stuart yeah, Copeland, yeah. Miles Copeland Jr. Miles Copeland Jr. worked CIA and oss and soe under mi6 and worked in the new great game we could even tie that let's type right here the new great game there it is um adding it the new great game what do you what you guys should check this out if you don't know about it has to do with the war on terrorism and the great reset. Like you guys are in the middle of it right here. It's the wiki's page. We're in the midst. It's the sequel to the great game. Also involves Afghanistan. You might've heard about it recently. Yeah. Right. Operation Gladio. So, uh, Nabokov. Intelligence, various intelligence agencies yeah. running cover for Epstein and fuck jets and Lolita and collecting blackmail on people and getting the drop on them. Like that's all part of a rich tapestry of actual history with references and notes. And it makes a lot more sense than what Don Lamont's trying to peddle you on the CNN. 
or any of those other places. Like, and there's just, a, we have a couple of news articles about that to a certain Cuomo. extent. I can't believe they're on news station. Him and Cuomo. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, even though it's the Cuomo that fakes the dumbbells the and the weights and fallen. all that stuff, like, I don't know. When he staged that event, when he was getting over COVID, and he walks up yeah. the stairs <laughs> like he's fucking Lazarus, lot rising from the dead. I mean, that's just. He's like a leper. Still got leprosy. Still, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, bringing this show there is to like crescendo. a number. Yeah. Is there any clips that we absolutely must have in this time? No. Episode? After There's intermission, if you find anything that's interesting, I didn't get a chance to organize just due to traveling. Well, I- yeah, for those who like yeah. more news, there's Tony's uh, Town Hall during the week on Tuesdays. There's also going to be a Grand Theft World Overflow podcast taken up by a couple of autonomy students and graduates that are going to make that information available out to you guys, the public, so that everything we can't get to here that is of interest can at least be covered because we can't stay up much longer without running into more days of the week. So, uh, LD, what do we got in the uh, thank you range over there of control? Yes, sir. Let's see. We've got some patrons, tippers over on Rockfin. Thank you very much. To Candyman, Patrick, DM, The Wiz, Tcan, Augustine, Laurie, Quigley, Colin McKay, and Dallas. Three times, Dallas, thank you. And we had a comment. Death to Tyrants says, I think this Sunday chat should get a Netflix special. Semper Tyrannus. Yeah, I thought he was talking about the, the motto of the state of Virginia for Harry McAuliffe as the governor. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so we've got some no. T-shirts too. vote them out. There's people. There's better people to be governor. Vote them out. There's a process and use it. Oh, T-shirts. Yeah, let's check out the T-shirts. What you got? So uh, freedomunitedrevolt.com for the Grand Theft World subscribers. Check the discord. And you can get in and check out some of these items, 20% off. And we're going to open it up to the rest of folks on November 5th. So Grand Theft World. All right, so we can help test it. Can I get the Sanjay Pupta meme that we made from last week? Did I see that on there? Yeah, that is a sticker. My my wife, Candice, shout out to Candice, has been working very hard on this store. She's done a great job. That'd be pretty good to post around places. Yeah, that's what she thought. Oh, I, might, I might have to get a GTW beanie. That looked pretty cool, too. I hadn't seen these things before. This is how I get informed. It'll be real nice over the winter. Right on, LD. That's come a long way. And uh, we also have more designs and different ideas. And in the meanwhile, until we get that fully up and running and tested out, there's also bestpoliticalt-shirts.com. And uh, I think I need to order some. Although... The point was brought up that Luke's just doing black t-shirts because it's like simpler for the designer. But how many black t-shirts can we all have? I mean, can we get some other flavors out there? We'll see. That's what LD is helping out with. Uh, Guys in a control room behind me. Joshua went to bed because he's got an early day tomorrow. But uh, Tony and Justin, any closing words for the audience? Words of wisdom? No, not really. Four in the morning. You know, at this point, if you got this far, keep with it. Yeah, if you got this far, we'll see you in the next episode.
No, I appreciate I, I appreciate everyone that sticks with us. I know I wasn't on the Rockfin chat tonight or the other chats. Normally, I participate within the chat itself. So um, just sort of uh, didn't have that ability tonight. But uh, shout out to everyone that views in um, and actually watches us do this live and sort of stumble through it at times. That's always a lot of fun. And I really we Yeehaw! super appreciate everyone that supports just the show right. and just, uh, you know, consider subscribing and uh, getting uh, being a part of the community and um you know getting an opportunity to participate with the rest of us so yeah and it's been really cool having you guys here and uh, i'd like to be able to afford to do that more often and um i think we did dil- you know uh, uh, we did do justice to these topics that we've touched on tonight and getting it's nice to have a little bit people. of a positive spin to it like at the end of the show i think a little bit even though like you know hearing about human nature and the bystander effect can be a little bit you know down putting but kegels <laughs> there you go gotta have let's go brandon we build back this. bladder it's a big key part of it all right so i have a better uh, opportunity building back bladder uh, than building back better <laughs> just saying i mean they're both unrealistic on so many levels <laughs> <laughs> they're both yeah. communist plots <laughs> <laughs> there you go if you build back bladder it crashes the depends company can't, can't, can't have and then the linchpin of our you know economic civilization so once that goes whew. right on i want to thank uh everyone who's uh been watching here on my birthday episode of this grand theft world podcast i've been standing at this desk for about 10 hours out of the 24 hours today so uh we're all going to take a nap and get some sleep for a strong monday and have a big week i wish you guys a productive and healthy and happy and free week where you're not being enslaved by the system or the ideas of mental slavery. Thank you all for tuning in and not dropping out. We'll see you next Sunday night, 9 p.m. live on the various places where we stream. And if you're watching the replay, consider, uh, you know, maybe becoming a member. Check it out. GrandTheftWorld.com. Click the membership button. Let us know if something's broken gently because there's a lot of you out there and we only need so many emails with kind words from you guys and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Peace. Yeah. Thank you everyone. Later. Have a great night. Or morning or afternoon. This is where Conspiracy we see the things. story of history is the story of plunderers taking care of people who produce. They claim to take care of them through government, which doesn't give you anything. It doesn't take away first. So it's not creating something out of nothing. It's very real what they're doing. They're taking your rights or taking some people's rights and adding more to someone else's rights. If you haven't heard about our Grand Theft World community membership, here are a few of the things you've been missing. A mobile app where you can access replays of the Grand Theft World podcast and show notes. Access to the Grand Theft World community on Discord, where we crowdsource news and resources, and you can contribute to the show. The opportunity to participate in the Grand Theft World bi-weekly town hall. Exclusive content from Richard Grove, including behind-the-scenes footage and future access to unpublished material. 93 episodes of the Peace Revolution podcast, and the Grand Theft World newsletter delivered straight to your inbox each week. If you want to stay ahead of the great game, visit us at GrandTheftWorld.com, click or tap the button in the top right-hand corner, and join a vibrant community of researchers blazing a new path to truth. We'll see you there.
Thank you.